Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Today's Sunday session is proudly brought to you by More Beer at www.morebeer.com. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. I'm jet propelled at all times. How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. We're going to teabag fight. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five? <laughs> now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. Hello, boys and girls in beer land. What about Martinez land? Nice to see you all. Martinez land is a a piece of beer land now that we're here. It's a piece. A little piece of it. I had some Martians come in the other day into the studio (laughs) saying that uh, a friend of theirs who lives in another state knew about us and knew that we were in Martinez and that they didn't even know and that they're Martians and didn't even know we were here. (laughs) They didn't say Martians, of course. They should have. Thought that was interesting. I told him, yeah, we, we have listeners everywhere, and most of them are not in the Martina, in the greater Martinez uh, region. I meant just a small <laughs> fraction. Yeah. So, anybody notice that they played our theme song uh, during the Super Bowl yesterday? I did notice that. Yeah, it was nice, to, nice of them to do. I was looking for some headphones. We didn't even have to play uh, pay a million dollars for that. That's like, pretty good. Like some other commercial people did. So, well, we're good like that. Yeah. A lot to do today. Uh, we do have a skeleton crew here in the studio, but that's all right. We don't need much to get our drink on here on the session, you know? But uh, a lot of sickness going around. Everybody's oh, yeah. sick lately. Doc yeah. uh, called in sick this morning. Uh, Nathan double-booked himself. Flabigail is sick, so Bevo couldn't make it. Susie is working your chat room for you remotely. So we do have a chat moderator there. She's just uh, probably sitting at home without her pants on, like uh, like the rest of you. Yeah. Uh, so you can still hit the chat button right there on our homepage, and she'll help you out, get your questions over to us. Um, what does that say about Sam? 
that Bevo had to feel like she had to stay home to take care of the sick kid. Well, and it's true. In fact, um, if there's any time that Bevo, or, sorry, that, that Sam can't come along to the studio with Bevo, she doesn't do the show. I think that oh. Sam's not allowed to be alone with the baby for longer than two hours. <laughs> I, see, I, see. I think that's, I really uh. think that's what it is. Because every time something comes up, even in, in our social lives, um, if it's longer than two hours, is it just a feeding thing, or is it that uh, you can't trust Sam to pay attention to one thing for longer than two hours? The court mandated it, didn't they? <laughs> I think that's what it is. It's a weird thing. Oh, uh, that's his restraining order. Yeah. She let that off. <laughs> so, uh, Skeleton Crew, uh, we might see Sully tonight coming in as a guest host that's for the us. rumor. Yeah. Uh, so, that'd be nice. He's going to come in and hang out. We haven't seen him in a while, and I thought it'd be a, a good time for him to do that and come hang out. So, we'll see. Um, in the meantime, we got a great show planned for you today. We're going to be talking to William Nadelseeder. He uh, wrote a book, Bitter Brew. It's the rise and fall of Anheuser-Busch and America's King of Beer. And it's a fascinating read. Yeah. I've been listening to it. Um, you can do that now. You can. These audio books, they're called. Well, I thought it was nice of Scott to just follow you around all day reading a book to you. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. He, he's very good at it. Yeah. He, he reads with a real uh, passion, Scott it, does. Yeah. It gets to be a little much when I try and do accents, and, <laughs> but, but I try. Yeah. When, he went, when he reverted to his German uh, accents, he, <laughs> he wasn't very good at it. In fact, he admitted to me it felt a little uncomfortable being of Jewish descent. Yeah, but 98% uh, of it's all about American family, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I will, I'll say this. Uh, I have a hard time with audiobooks, and it's usually because um, it's difficult to listen to the actors reading it for yeah. me. Yeah, uh, I often if it's the if it's the author uh, mm. himself or herself, even if they're somewhat difficult to listen to, I prefer it because it's 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 their voice mm-hmm. writing, you know. Um, but I do I get very distracted by the presentation of audiobooks. You just think it's too much sometimes. Well, it's not in the voice you want it to be in because your own voice is the voice you you know like that's your what I read voice. in, right? Yes, right? I read in my own voice, so, so it can't be that voice. <laughs> So I just find it difficult. I do get over it after a couple of chapters. I can mm. finally stop focusing. But for the first couple chapters of any audiobook, I might as well not even be there. I can. I, can, I tell you, I, you I, need I, a warm up session. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I try to listen. Pay attention, Justin. Yeah, I try to listen to the uh, the Dexter books, those, those uh, stories. And uh, I could the the guy who's reading the story, his voice was so high pitched and irritating, I couldn't get through a chapter. Yeah, and I've tried I tried on two separate occasions, and then wow. and then I, I was listening to that new Stephen King book, eleven twenty three twenty one sixty. You don't have to plug it. It's it okay. Yeah, and um, <laughs> what do you? Well, I didn't know if he he has one come out like the Amazon hour. link for us. Yeah, I might. It's eight. <laughs> um, but uh, and the, the the guy reading the voice was trying to play like a southern lady's accent, and it was right. so. Oh irritating almost condescending and that was the worst part her character was the worst part about that entire book see and and it's worse depends on who you get to read and and how i wonder if the author has control over that and it's the worst in fiction i mean at least in nonfiction, it tends to be a unified voice but in fiction yeah you have this one person doing multiple voices and uh anyhow this is not so much the case with um bitter brew it only took me about a chapter to get over the guy's voice and then and then i got you and then his presentation is actually it's you know what it's it's pretty good yeah and it fits um but it's a fascinating uh book and the the story of the anheuser-busch family as you will learn a little bit about today um you know there's a lot of lore surrounding them and we'll hear some of that from william um but it's amazing that they've were able to accomplish anything when you when you when you learn more about this family you you, you know what you start to think mm. you start to think 
that the Brewing Network family is a picture of health. <laughs> that that JP We don't need his Olaf. That JP yeah could, could huh. counsel anyone on earth about I, how to be a better human. I can, that's you, the thing. <laughs> you start to I'm real good uh, at it. So it's gonna be uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to have this interview today and uh, I'm excited to I, I've listened to uh most of the book. I'm excited to finish it, uh because it's just uh, a really interesting story. So we're gonna be talking to William uh Natal Cedar today, the author of Bitter Brew. If you've got questions, like I said, you can go into the chat room as usual. Uh, or give us a call later on in the show. We'll have Moscow work on the phones, eight 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 four oh one beer, triple eight four oh one beer. Um, so that's going to be fun. Uh, we're also going to be uh, playing you part two. Uh, I know this has been a stretched out uh, <laughs> interview process that we've done here, but Moscow interviewed the Sheldon brothers, uh, Shelton uh, brothers, and uh, we played part one a while back, and we're going to play part two for you tonight so we can get that out of the way. Got a little beer news up ahead and a few things. So a good show planned for you. Let me get through a couple of announcements. Uh, the first one I need to do is about our new uh, DVD. You know, wouldn't you know it, the Brewing Network screwed something up again. Which uh, is weird. You know, we, we go to, we have all the best intentions, and, um, and, and boy, what a bunch of professionals we are. And then uh, we just, uh, well, we screw it up every, every well, time. you know, one time in seven and a half years is pretty good. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, don't be so down on yourself. Yeah. So we have this great new DVD. I'm really proud of the of the outcome. Um, all the proofs that we watched uh, were just fantastic. And uh, it's a... It's a homebrew you series that we're doing where we uh, film uh, brewing with a, a professional about a particular beer style. And our first one, as we've been talking about here on the show, is how to brew an American pale ale with Matt Brennelson. And if you don't want to learn to brew a pale ale from Matt Brennelson, um, you're a shittier brewer than I am. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's a great ridiculous. place to start. Yeah. You don't want to brew a pale ale. <laughs> you don't want to brew an American pale ale. Right. So anyway, we order uh, a uh, an enormous amount of these DVDs, and we get them, and um, and they're all flawed. We shipped out all of our pre-orders, and uh, it turns out that about halfway through the DVD, uh, the video starts over again, and the audio keeps right on going. <laughs> so the second half, really you could think of it this way. The first half is an instructional brewing DVD. The second half is a kung fu movie. Right. Uh, because you have this audio going and our mouths are doing, you know, it's ridiculous. Uh, so we have... Well, it's a collector's item now you're seeing, right? It's, right. That'll be yeah. worth $1,000 to look well, copy pretty there's soon. There's only 100 or so out there. Ooh, well, yeah. hey, well, that's it. Yeah. Hang on to yours. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've issued a recall of all DVDs. Um, and by recall, we mean just, you know, use them for trap shooting. Yeah, so I've gotten a lot of emails from you, and we, we did send out an email notification to everybody's email that we have on file uh, with our apologies and that the problem is being remedied. Uh, a new batch of discs is on order. Plus, most of you will be happy to know that a digital delivery system is in the works anyway, and that might be done as soon as next week, um, at which time um, we will issue all of the pre-sale orders a, a digital copy and Try to fix that. So I just wanted to yeah. get the word out there again for those of you, if you haven't thrown your DVD in the player yet and you're all excited, you take your pants off, you got a roll of paper towels, and you're ready to watch the latest BN DVD, it, you're only going to get about halfway through, so finish early. 19 minutes is more than long enough. <laughs> right. More than enough time. Uh, I was so disappointed, too, because it's such a great DVD. I think yeah. that for, I think that finally our first... Uh, our first try at it was a was a really successful product. I think uh, that we did, we had a good team and we did a good job on it. And then to see them just uh, uh, have to all come back, uh, uh, it bummed me out. But uh, the new batch, uh, they said they're going to rush uh, the whole new batch of DVDs for me. So that's great. I, apparently, the uh, the extras work also. So oh you, yeah, you, you can you, watch all the extras. Yeah, you get in your rolled paper towels. Oh god, <laughs> <laughs> allergy or something. Uh, 
the first half is fantastic. And yeah. it, look, if you if you're used to listening to the Brewing Network anyway, you could just keep listening, right? <laughs> you know, uh, to the rest of it because the rest of it's accurate. Yeah. And yeah, all of the the extras are good and solid, and you can watch all those. So yeah, you know, whatever. There you go. Uh, so we'll work on getting you a new copy as soon as possible. Uh, if you have any questions, um, you can email jp at thebrewingnetwork.com. That's true, and I'll forward them to Scott at the Brewing <laughs> All right. Uh, JT Feed is down. Okay. Just so you know. It'll be back up at the next segment? Yep. Okay. Um, so there you go. So just do your normal listening here, and we'll get the video going for you soon. There's nothing to see right now anyway. It's just four of us in here. Yeah. Um, just hanging out. But we're all really handsome. Right. So. Right. Uh, okay, uh, next week is uh, San Francisco Beer Week, the start of San Francisco Beer Week, or as I like to call, SF Beer, like 180 days. Right. Because it's oh, week. It's ridiculous. I think it's like, <laughs> it ends up being SF Beer 12 days. And in fact, for us, uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is because for us, it starts this Wednesday, even though SF Beer Week is next week. Uh, but we're going to be headed out to Anchor Steam on Wednesday, and we'll do coverage. It's their, it's basically their SF Beer Week kickoff party, their pre-party before any of the events happen. And uh, I've been to it before. It's a really good time. So what we're going to do is go out and bring you some video and uh, audio and photos back of that whole situation. And... Um, you should be able to get a little content because I think uh, you, you can only get in uh, if you're media or in the beer industry or anything like that. But, you know, we don't like that sort of thing. We don't like it when it's that exclusive. So no. we'll go in there and knock down those doors for you and bring back as much content as we can that you'll find on the web um, and, and uh, through the show in the coming week. And then at the end of SF Beer Week, I wanted to mention, um, so that'll actually be not uh, this coming Sunday, but the Sunday after that is the end of SF Beer Week, and that is the Celebrator Anniversary Party. And we've broadcast from there a couple times before, and we're going back this year. Nice. So uh, come join us. You can get tickets. Just go to Celebrator.com. Go to the magazine uh, the magazine homepage, and you can buy tickets for that event. Uh, I think there was something like 45 bucks. A uh, lot of great breweries. It's a fantastic event. I'm, I'm glad we're going back. It's their 25th anniversary and I think that they have a whole section of breweries that have also been around for 25 years. Oh, wow. So that'll be interesting. Craft breweries, of course, that have been around for 25 years. And then, in addition to that, lots of our uh, favorites. So what we're going to do is go there and interview uh, a bunch of the brewers and um, industry luminaries yeah. that are in town for the party. It'll be good to be drink uh, Anchor Steam in that uh, area. Yes. <laughs> that's the only one that so I can who think else of. Is there, there, yeah. right? I wonder if the new Sam Adams beer gets in that list be just because the new Albion beer is, is 25. <laughs> the loophole, right? Right. Um, so it, that's at the Oakland Marriott this year, too. Right. Yeah. And because of that, and this is why we uh, uh, are, are able to do it from there again and have agreed to do it, is we'll be able to bring it to you live. So there will be our normal live show. Uh, we might have to adjust the time by a little bit, um, an hour or two. We'll keep you up to date on that when I have all the details. But they do have internet for us, so we will be streaming both audio and video live from the event. All right. Uh, I did want to thank everybody for coming out to our Winter Bruce Festival last Saturday. Uh, what do you think, Tasty? Another <laughs> successful event? It was wonderful. It was a great. Yeah, it's one of our best ones, I think. We had uh, a, a little more people than we've ever had. It oh, was good. Our, uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was our biggest day, and uh, we got blessed with great weather again. Just the quality was good. Yeah, the weather was great, but the uh, the lineup, the way the, the park was set up, great. It was wonderful. 
Yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you. The bigger the festival gets, I, I get worried about the selection of beer. I start to worry that they're di- the distributors or whoever is just going to send us their standard, you know, whatever's on right. tap down the street. Yeah. And our Winterfest started out with us getting really special beers, and and that's why we like to do it. Well, I was I was uh, not let down. Uh, basically, we we still got a great selection of beer, and it mm. wasn't people's standard pale ale or, or other beers. Yeah. Um, how was Tasty's tasting room? <laughs> it was great. I think we were. We had sixteen beers, uh, great variety. You know, a lot of unusual beers that people, the public, really goes after, like the uh, jalapeno saison or oh, the yeah. uh, almond joy stout. Right, uh, sounds good. Yeah. Then we had uh, another big popular beer was uh, Nate's uh, Mosaic IPA. Oh, I had that. It was good. It was awesome. Yeah. That's what everybody said. And Nate's other one too. What was it? Sa- a, Brett, a Brett Saison. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that Brett Saison so was good. also incredible. Yeah. I tried to get both of those, and uh, the first one I pulled the IPA all foam. Oh yeah, like shit. So I poured it out. Saison all foam. I just struck out twice. They wow. let me down, man. He only yeah. brought like two and a half gallons of each. It's not going to be long before Nate. I mean, how could he still not be a professional brewer? It, it, he, it he's boggles my money. mind. <laughs> yeah, he's I, making I, I, money. He's take like a forty percent. He's got a mortgage pay. to pay, right? Yeah. Because every time I try his beer, I just go, "This is world class beer." There's nothing, you know. There's nothing wrong with this beer. There's nothing homebrewy about this. I'm sure he gets hit up all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his job. I don't know. I, I I bet he hasn't gotten like a lot of job offers. You don't think so? No, because small. Well, just for the same reason, you're not going to get paid. Uh, breweries don't have a lot of money to pay a guy. They're not going to yeah. solicit. You know what they do instead? They just have him come in and help them brew a beer, like he does at Triple Rock very often. And you know, <laughs> that's yeah. right. They say, "Come I mean, on." It's in. not so different than me. That's plenty of brewing. All the brewing I want to do is just stand right. on, you know do it once in a while yeah i don't know just, you know going in you start out at a brewery you're going to be either bottling or uh you know taking grains out of the right no he doesn't want to do that run in the office <laughs> right. you know? yeah you don't start it like a uh, production manager necessarily i wish he was here today moscow write this don't let me forget to have him talk about his brett saison next time he's on the show i think he might be back with us next week and that, that beer was just incredible. We'll have him bring some. Yeah. Put that in first. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't have to show up. <laughs> right. Just the beer. <laughs> yeah, I don't really mean I need to talk to him about <laughs> it. I mean, I want more. Well, the foam tasted real good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> good. Get the aroma. You got that. Even the his ideas. foam tastes good. Ooh, wait, wait, wait. It's <laughs> a good of a brewery. Uh, anyway, I, I had a great time at the event, and I just wanted to thank all of our volunteers, all of our staff. JP in Moscow worked real hard. I wanted to thank Tasty for putting together the tasting room once again, and all hey, the home brewers sure. that uh, that yeah. helped you do that. We wouldn't be able to do it without the generous donations of all that beer. Exactly. And uh, you know, Tasty sent me an email this week. It sounds like we get a few new home brewers every single year <laughs> yeah, by yeah. doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. They show up at the home brew club meeting, yeah, and they become interested in it after that. And right. you know what? Then what that. That settles the whole thing. That's why we do it right there. Get some <laughs> new community outreach. Home that's right. That's our tool. So it, it was a good time. Um, the bands were great. Um, yeah, had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Got drunk by the end. So Hell what more yeah. could he ask for? All right. Uh, as usual, you know you can keep shopping at Amazon through us by clicking the Amazon link right on our homepage, and then everything functions as normal. But we get a little piece of the action, and it's a great way to support us. A lot of you've been doing it, and I appreciate it. You can do the same thing by clicking on the microma- uh, micromatic uh, banner, and uh, then if you you know need a new tap handles or, or beer lines or kegerators or I don't know, all sorts of stuff over at Micromatic, uh, we get a little chunk of that too. Uh, also, you can just shop in the Brewing Network store all the time, and JP's doing a great job on the BN store trying to keep it stocked and things moving every week. In fact, uh, 
I'm pretty sure I haven't gotten uh, my shipment doesn't show up on time complaint in quite a long time, JP. Good. So stuff's going out fast if you order through the BN store. And uh, we got a whole new shipment of merch on order, too. And JP and I are also working on some new products that we're excited about. So just stay uh, you know, stay tuned to the store and, uh, and help support us that way. Um, you can also become a donor uh, in the BN Army just by hitting the donate button. If you become a recurring donor, uh, you are automatically entered into the More Beer Monthly Donation Giveaway, which enters you for a chance to win 100 bucks to More Beer. And that does go out every single month. It has been uh, for a couple years now. Um, also, just by donating, you're put on our email list. I know JP sent out right. a, a new BN Army email just today. Just today. And that uh, email features uh, exclusive access to different events. It lets you know when tickets go on sale ahead of time for BNA8, for example. Uh, it also lets you know when sales are coming up in the store, like JP did today. And it's uh, because we suck at doing this, it's the uh, only place right now that you get advance notice of our topics and guests for the month. Yeah. Uh, JP let you know First who's time. on the show all month long. Hmm. Uh, so a great uh, way to do it and you, and you get on that list by donating as little as uh, two bucks and if you're a past donor don't worry you're on the list um, can i sneak on that list without the two bucks <laughs> you can i want to know who's going to be in the show too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah put tasty on there absolutely yeah. we could do oh, that. thanks for the comp all right um watch all this uh, at least in the next segment once we get working again on justin.tv slash brewing network if you're on the go and you want to listen to the Brewing Network 24 hours a day, uh, you can download the BN Mobile app. Just search BN Mobile in either iTunes or the Android uh, market, and uh, it's free. And you can listen to us on the run. Get all these updates and more over on Twitter. And uh, Scott the Jew uh, gets your show ideas. If you want to hear anything on the show, just email scott at thebrewingnetwork.com. Send your feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. Do we have a Twitter game today? Uh, Yes. Yeah, let me let me load the computer up here. <laughs> I just I normally have it open, but since I'm not doing anything with the video, I don't have it open. It's quite all right. I just realized I didn't get our feedback ready either, and I think we're going to do that here in the first. Son of a- yeah, dude. Sorry about the feedback. I try to trim it down, but there's a lot of good stuff. And- do we have a ton today? Uh, it's kind of long, yeah. <laughs> Which might be good. <laughs> Is it like unle- uh, uh, unfurling a scroll when I open it? Uh, it's not today? that. No, it's not that bad though. So hey, Tasty, how was that younger release? Oh, that'll help us out in the meantime. There you go. <laughs> yeah, what'd you do? You went up to Russian River for the uh, Pliny the Younger release? Yeah, I went up there on Friday. Uh, I got there. I got there about five. They opened up like at eleven in the morning. So was there a guess, mob? Yeah, there was like a line around the block. They said I heard it started at three in the morning. The well, line? People got in yeah. line at three in the morning. So, yeah. so the bar yeah. closed at two. People went and took a piss and came back and got in line. Pretty much. Wow. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. People were nuts. So that's insane. And then, so I got there at five, right? So there's a line like you know, like most of the block, right? So, you know, I get in there, of course, not in that line. And then uh, I got a, you know, table. And uh, from the table I was at, you could watch everybody that came in, right? Okay. And then, they, then they'd walk like, and of course, I'm, they had to walk by us to get to the bar, right? So they'd all walk by us. And, you know, I just look at, you know, look at these people that have been waiting in line for five hours. Right. Like, and what, what are they getting for that five hours? Like one glass of Younger? No, they can drink all they want. Oh, they can. Yeah. So it's just once you're in. So they're not like making people go in, get a Younger, and leave. No, 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 no. That line is just to get into Russian it's River. It's just for the headcount. And place. you can stay as long as you want. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Get a table. Well, no wonder. No, not a long way for tables because they have you know the number of people in there is controlled. All right. Okay. So that line doesn't hardly move, right? I mean, I'm picturing people camping out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Five hours. Okay. So you're watching them go through. So yeah, and I'm thinking like, wait a minute, I'm I'm in a place full of people that'll wait five hours for a beer. Right. They must have a lot in common besides that, right? Like they think alike. They're like patient. Sure. They're the meek, you know. 
<laughs> right. They're going to inherit the earth. inherit the earth. So I get some earth from them, right? <laughs> so sure, half of them are fucking homebrewers. I went around just randomly talking to people. Yeah. Yeah, they're all homebrewers. Right. Yeah, that's who it is. Well, that's who's willing to stand in that line. Yeah, because wow. they want a beer. It's the event as much as the beer. Right. Because right. most people really know, come on, it's just beer. Yeah. Right. I had, you know, it's going on still. You don't just have to be there on opening day. Yeah. I, I was doing an email exchange with Natalie today, forgetting that it was, I felt terrible. She's no. like, here's the answers to your questions. I have to go. It's like day four of younger release and things are fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those weren't her exact words, but so, basically uh, stuff, just an, a constant barrage of people in and out uh, for that release. I mean, it's like, I don't know. There are, um, there are signed bands that release albums that don't get that sort of uh, response. You see what I'm getting at? They sell tickets to concerts that don't sell out. They, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I get it. Uh, so, say it was unlimited capacity. Like, yeah, everybody that wanted to ha- go there and get it could. Then Think it of how many be. thousands of people they would have show up. See, that's. Yeah, that's what you need to compare to the guy who releases a record. Yeah, you can stamp out records all day. Right? I don't know that. I, I think if you if I think if everybody <laughs> who could get some was able to get some, they wouldn't be the alive. line wouldn't be nearly as long. Right, I think. Or and it's also yeah, but free. they would get it. See, that's yeah, the point. The, it, Russian River doesn't make any more money. Then, because everybody has to wait sure. in line to get it. Right. No, no, I, I agree with you. For the first year, the second year, everyone would get it. But right. after the third year, they would have. I would bet you they would have access. Well, then that's going right. to be the point of well. Because then everyone has it. Everyone wants yeah. it because not everyone can get yeah, it. It's less of an event then. Like, right. You don't have to get. You don't go home and say, "Hey, buddies, I had no. it. You didn't." Kind of thing, right? Well, and for your band analogy, it, it it's it's like uh, it's like people waiting in line for their favorite band to play slightly different versions of the same fucking song year after year. <laughs> right. That's all it is. It's the same thing. Well, here's an acoustic version, right. and then here's a slightly electric version, and here's one I did it with a fuzz box. It's but like, we do it. It's humans, the same. humans do that. But that's you I'm just it. either way, it, they're very popular. They uh, are very popular. Uh, and it's amazing to see that happen with a beer. My dad had sent me a text this week. Hey, can you get this Pliny the older or youngest? Uh, and... Uh, Either one. Go, yeah, I can get both. Which one? Well, I said to him, I said, uh, I can get the elder. <laughs> the older or yeah, youngest? Yeah, the older or youngest. As I get the, old, uh, the elder, nobody can get you the youngest. I just was saying, you know, it's yeah. nearly impossible. And uh, he didn't even, I guess he was asking for a friend. He he, re- he met somebody who is a listener and, and, and said, hey, can you have Justin get me some youngest. older or youngest? <clears throat> And anyway, I tell, I, so I got to send him some elder in a bottle that I could. Well, do. we know uh, a guy. Why don't we get him to send us a, a pony of the uh, of the younger, and we'll do some hand bottling. You think so? But, I don't know. My dad's doing it like that'd for be the last a, keg for of a younger friend, and yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't want to pull that string yet. Yeah. You know, yet not for my dad. I want to start calling it the youngest, <laughs> Pliny the youngest, yeah, and the great. oldest. Yeah. Oh, find the older and Pliny the youngest. Anyway, I got to yeah. get I got to get the old man some uh, uh, the elder. <laughs> Just uh, take some labels off the uh, elder and just tell them it's the youngest. Yeah, right. Just cross off uh, whatever the first yeah, is yeah. and put youngest on it. Right. That's right. I think my dad's all paranoid about what I think about him because uh, oh, no. he's got a new girl. You know, he's always got a new girlfriend. Yeah. A new girlfriend every five minutes, as far sounds as like, I could tell. Sounds like Augie Four. He's got like a new wife or, yeah, yeah, yeah. New wife, new girlfriend, whatever. And so when he texts me, he sends me, he, I said, just give me the address to send it to. And, and he sends me, he sends it to my girlfriend's address. Uh, that's fine. I don't. I don't think twice about these things, right? This is this is my dad. I've known him. Yeah. I've known him for a while. I know how these things work. So, ten minutes later, a text comes back. Oh, I gave you that. I gave you her address because I'm moving. Not with her, but I'm moving. I'm moving out. I'm moving from my apartment to another apartment that's mine. 
And he just seems so really... He's backing up a little I'm bit. I'm like, there. Dad, I'm not... It's fine. You yeah. should have said, oh, I thought you were cooler the other way. Yeah, okay. it's fine. I don't Do what you want, you. man. You're too old to, to you know, what do give I a care? shit. Right. Worried that uh, I'm thinking he's just shacking up with another broad. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think, Dad. I don't care. Yeah, move out, move with her, Where save rent. Moving in, moving save rent for a month, then move with another broad. I don't yeah. give two shits. <laughs> yeah. Another notch in your belt, Dad. Right. No. All right. So anyway, i got to send the old man some elder. Um, all right. Well, how was the beer? taste uh, uh The beer was good. It's, uh, it's like 10.8% and uh, uh, very dry for 108 uh, And my memory of last year's beer, it was, it was drier than that, even though it's a little bit bigger. Okay. So, so really good. you thought it was better this year than... Yeah, I would say it's better than last year. I don't know. Okay. I can't remember a year before. Right. It was just really good. It wasn't like mind-blowing. <laughs> no, it wasn't <laughs> orgasmic. I wouldn't stand in line more than 10 minutes. You wouldn't have to wear rubber underwear? I told Vinny that. He goes, well, what do you think of the beer? He goes... I, oh man, it's awesome! Nice and dry, blah blah blah. Yeah. Right, blowing him. And then I said, uh, "But I wouldn't stand in fucking line for five hours for it." Right. Yeah. But but neither would he. He understands. Right. He wouldn't that. either. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah he not. knows what you mean. That's not an insult on the beer. No, no, no. I'm sure the beer is fabulous. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm not standing five hours for it either. No. You know, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh man. All right. What are you gonna do? Well, thank you for the report, Tasty. I got Nathan going down to the Double IPA Festival or whatever it is that opens SF Beer Week. He's going to give us a report from that. That'll happen on, on Saturday. Am I going I to that? Did you want me to go uh, to no, that? No, no, because I got Nathan to do it. Okay, uh, good. Yeah, that's right, so right. he's going to report on Thank that. God. But you're going to the opening uh, gala right. on Friday night. Scott's my date. Uh, yeah. You guys, are you going to wear a suit? I would like to. Would you like to dress up, Scott? There you go, boys. I would like you to dress up. All right. I'll wear a suit if you wear a uh, uh, Something. <laughs> something similar. I, yeah. I will wear something. If you that wear a, a burger, I'll wear a suit. Who, <laughs> yeah. Who's going to bring the corsage? I think that's my responsibility. <laughs> I think yeah. so, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Tasty, you're going to the gala. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be gay. Yeah, a boy. <laughs> Tasty could be your chaperone. <laughs> uh, Arms right. distance apart, boys. Well, we hope to see you out at some different SF Beer Week's event, uh, events. Uh, we've got a, a, another show, uh, obviously a, a in six days on Sunday, and right. we'll give you an update uh, about what events we're going to and, and where you might find us. I know that uh, these guys are going to the Sour Beer event on uh, a week from Sunday yeah. at uh, Triple Rock. I'm going to miss it this year. Oh, lizard. But, uh, what we'll events should we go to? That's what I want to know from everybody. Now send an email send yeah. to uh, JP at thebrewingnetwork.com. Well, yes. Well, but here's cool. one. Uh, on the uh, 11th, the Monday... Uh, Bear Rev, it's a Heretic Meet the Brewer Night, uh, oh. Green Flash, and Marin Brewing on the one night. All together? Yeah. So are they sending Beardy down, or is Jamil going to go I think it them? was uh, J- Jamil and Beardy. I okay. I think it's I think it's Beardy and Chris Kennedy. Oh, Kennedy. Well, that's yeah. even... I mean, I'm sorry. Got it. No, Good. no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. That's that's incorrect. Beardy and Chris Kennedy have to do a Whole Foods in, Sac- in San Francisco yeah. event. Yeah. Uh, they're being forced to do. <laughs> so it might be Jamel at Beer It might be Jamel, yeah. And Noah, the sales rep. Probably. Oh, that's okay. probably what it is. It's yeah. that same, yeah. So there you go. All right, that's a good event. I like Beer Revolution, so good thing to do there. I like Whole Foods also. All right, what's our Twitter game? Our Twitter game is, uh, you know, my fear of death and dying by a massive either coronary or aneurysm uh, or some weird combination of both. I'd like to know, uh, how do you think you're most likely to die? 
Me or yeah. the people writing in? Well, uh, the people writing in. How do they think w- they are going to die? Yes, sir. I want okay. to know uh, if I'm the only one who has bizarre uh, health issues. I see. You don't actually have any health issues. You have a fear of that being your health issue that kills you. Potato, potato, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, all right, good. So tweet that into uh, Brewing Network over on Twitter, your answers uh, to how you think you're going to die. Well, uh, then I ask you. A very, um, I have always thought I will die in a, in a fiery plane crash. Really? Yeah. It's kind of grandiose, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I know. I have high, listen, uh, like everything else, I've got high expectations, <laughs> Moscow. Um, what yeah. about you, Moscow? I'm surprised I fly, and believe it or not, I get, I don't really, I won't say I get nervous flying, I get anxious every time I'm on a plane, because I'm like, this could be the one. You know, because it's be. going to be one of them. But couldn't anything be the one by that logic? Every uh, time you get in a car, not to be cliche, but it's true. Sure, but that's not how I feel. I feel I that see. it's the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I can't change that, Moscow. <laughs> uh, how do you think you're going to die, buddy? Uh, it'll probably be something really un- uncool, like pancreatic cancer. I'll slowly wither away. <laughs> I'm, I'll be 68 years old. You know? so you're very. Uh, you're going to be a typical old Jew. Pretty you're much. just going to. It'll be a slow and boring death. <laughs> I can't die fast enough. You know something? That reminds me, uh, Sugar Valley Brewer sent in a song for Tasty this week. Oh, great. Well, he <laughs> yeah, he was in... He wants to know what it's like down there? I'll he, just tell him. He was in... <laughs> Lonely. <laughs> I don't have yeah, time right. to do the, all the feedback Dusty. right now anyway, so we'll save it till later. Um, right. We'll do this instead. He was inspired by us talking about your... Your death uh, on the last program. Oh, and, uh, well, we're segment on that, then, I guess. Huh? Well, what's funny is that on one hand, he was saying, I can't believe that you'd sit there in a room with a dude and talk about his his dying with him. Uh, and, but then on the other hand, he said, but then it inspired me to write a song. Oh, I see. I bet it would. I, I'm going to bet right now that this song will make Tasty cry. Oh, no. So, in other words, it has lyrics? Well, I, I, mean, I cry. You know, I cry because I'm sad. Also, when I'm laughing, I'll cry as well. So, I mean, right. you're, you're, it's okay. I, I mean, think this one, it's touching. You already heard it then. Okay. I listened to it, right. and it's not like Sugar Valley's normal songs to it. Oh. Do you guys want to hear it? He's finally found his, found his uh, niche. Um, I did not get emotional. No, no I, I have no emotions. Except <laughs> 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 anger. <laughs> right, yeah. I got angry at it. That's all I have. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's try it out. Fire here. it up. I remember the year the tasty McDold died. Oh, God. <laughs> I said for the last two weeks that the party was wild. It made a big impression on me, although I was miles away. They said he got religion at the end, I'm glad he went that away. Oh, there you go. Tasty was the best down home in the land. In the land. <laughs> he taught us how to brew Johnny's ground and do them one night stands. King of the stands. I often wondered why Tasty, a beer expert brewing machine, never took his brew stand and brewed his beer commercially. Well, the funeral was a sad thing. I got there just as soon as I could. The Brewing Network Army said nice things, as you know they would. There were so many friends there, a bunch of them hot young babes. They cried harder than anyone, seeing old Tasty to his grave. It kind of made me wonder why so many fine babes were there. So I asked one of those sweethearts sitting in the back row chairs. 
She chuckled when she told me, said, yeah, I guess you wouldn't know. He was hung like a horse, and we all sure hate to see him go. <laughs> I remember the year that kissed me the old Wow, there you go. Another gem from Wow, Shaker. that's that's his best work. I am yeah. crying, for sure. <laughs> see? Man, when he went to the all the girls in the back scene, that, that was... <laughs> so fucking true I, I have to admit it's a fairly accurate depiction of your funeral even though it hasn't I think, happened I yet think you, I was thinking you could play until they got to the uh, <laughs> you could you know he could put another version out right well you know I'll fly him out I'll, <laughs> I'll put that in my uh, directions well listen if uh, I'll put it in your your brewing network contract that when you die I have to fly out Sugar Valley Brewer to play at your funeral perfect <laughs> uh, it, it's it's a fairly accurate picture I think of what I we can all, be. what we can all expect yeah so uh, another good one from Sugar Valley Brew. Thanks for sending that to us, buddy. That's amazing. All right, uh, let's do this. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking to uh, William Nadelseeder. He's the author of Bitter Brew, The Rise and Fall of Anheuser-Busch, and America's King of Beer. It's going to be a fascinating read for you, and I'm happy to be able to interview the dude. Hang in there. It's the session. We'll be right back. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to MoreBeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next kids. meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines, so I'm the professional. <clears throat> 
Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeast, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's super yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. The doctor says I'm living on precious borrowed time With all the time I'm giving to liquor, beer, and wine The x-rays of my liver look like molded old cheese My heart pumps blood and alcohol through hardened arteries Everybody knows me down at the local bar. I drink until I can't see, and I wonder where you are. I guess I let my health go since you quit being mine. But there was nothing to replace you except liquor, beer, and wine. Liquor, beer, and wine is a flashing sign I see. Every single morning I get up, it's a buzzing down at me. I look up to the heavens for a ray of hope to shine. And there it is in neon, liquor, beer, and wine.
out of my car Parked between the liquor store And Uncle Bubba's bar Booze helps ease the heartache But you're constantly in mind As constant as that buzzing noise Of Uncle Bubba's sign Liquor, beer, and wine is a flashing sign I see. Every darn morning I get up, it's a buzzing down at me. I look up to the heavens for a ray of hope to shine. And there it is in neon liquor, beer, and wine. Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Guru Network. The session. Brewing up our next batch of radio gold. Right now. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the program, and thanks for sticking with us. We got a lot to do today. Uh, I'd like to welcome Sean Sully O'Sullivan to the studio. He came in to uh, hang out. Hey, with us today. hey, hey! It's nice to have you here, Sully. Dude, it's been a long time. I, I've, it's been a long time. Man. It has. I haven't done a show with you, uh, in really, in maybe a couple years. It's, I know you've done a couple mixtape shows here, but yeah, I've been uh, basically working the studio with uh, JP. Yeah, and uh, it's been it's different. Right. <laughs> Right, it's but, more romantic. I yeah, know that, but it's good to be back. It's great to be back. I uh, I, I saw some pictures of us, by the way, the other day, and man, we have aged. <laughs> yeah, you and I look terrible. I mean, I look at myself like, holy shit, what the hell happened to me? Where's that guy? We have aged. Well, we'll take a walk down memory lane with Sully in a little while. Here, he's here just it's a long to, walk, just to hang out and uh, and and help us co-host today with our guest William Nadelseeder. He should be on the line with us. Are you there, Bill? I am indeed. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. You can call me Bill. Perfect. So, Bill is the author of Bitter Brew, The Rise and Fall of Anheuser-Busch, and America's King of Beer. And uh, I've listened to most of this book uh, today. I'm sorry, uh, Bill, I hardly know how to read, so I did the audio (laughs) book book version. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm intrigued by the whole story let me start by saying um, that there was another, I know that there was another book that I had started to read quite some time ago, um, but I found it to be extremely boring. Uh, Are you talking about Under the, the, under the Influence? That's what it was, Under the Influence. Oh. And it was an Anheuser-Busch story that, to me, you know, it was telling the story, but it, well, it lacked any reason to be telling the story, I, <laughs> is what I felt like. I'm sure you're familiar with that book. I know that book. They did some terrific research on the first two 
uh, uh, members of the dynasty that ran that company. But you're kind of correct. They're really they didn't have an ending in the sense that there uh, you know, there was no summing up. It was like they had to deliver a book. They had a contract, and uh, uh, they sort of wound it up with a sort of a scandal that happened in 1980. It wasn't that big of a scandal, and that was it. Right. So. Uh, yeah, I grew up in St. Louis, and I read that book and wished I had written it. Uh, okay. I kind of agree with you on on uh, on uh, how involving it was. And, and then, you know, uh, some 20-some years later, I, I got a chance to write my, my, my version of the story. So it, tell me a little bit about your, your background in this sense, because I know that you were a published author before this book. So is this something that you had always wanted to write? Oh, yes, I, yes. I, I grew up in St. Louis, uh, you know, and I left, you know, after college because there weren't really any any writing jobs in St. Louis, and I wanted to be a writer. And when I came out to to Los Angeles and went to work for the L.A. Times, after, you know, I guess it was in the early '80s, I actually tried to sell a television series, sort of a fictionalized version of the Bushes, you know, a rich family that owns a brewery and a baseball team, set in a city very much like St. Louis, and I think I called it Beer Money or something. Something like that, and I, and and everybody sort of sniffed at it. And they just didn't think that a, that a beer, a rich beer family in St. Louis was as sexy as a, a rich oil family in in Dallas. <laughs> right. And so I just had to put it away. And and then uh, the two gentlemen who wrote uh, Under the Influence wrote their book. And uh, and then you know, as I say, some years passed. And when when the uh, uh, the the the, the the company Anheuser Busch was taken over by by the foreign guys. Uh, that gave me ah, now there's an ending to the story, right? Uh, and, and of course, you know, I, I, I all my family and friends are in St. Louis. So if you're in St. Louis, it's sort of like if you're in Los Angeles. Everybody's second business is show business. In St. Louis, everybody's second business is the brewery. You, everybody knows somebody who works there, who got fired, who's an executive, blah blah, or family member. So you know all the scuttlebutt all the time, right? So it was a natural thing for me to do. It's a story. Of, it's the story of my hometown. You cannot separate the two stories. Sure. Well, I tell you that those TV executives were were wrong. I know. Even back in the eighties, what is? I agree. <laughs> I mean, especially after hearing the way that Bill tells the story. You know, if if oil is the the structure of our country, which which it is, and I can see why that's an appealing television show. Beer itself is the fabric of our country, and and the Anheuser Busch family is an incredibly fascinating story that does not lack drama for five minutes. Um, it would have made a great TV series. Yeah, you can't you can't make up the stuff of their personal life. You just right. you cannot. Right. And and I also saw it as I thought this is a as a chance to tell it's a really American story because I mean all of these beer it's a story of how beer came to America and, and, and became the, the national drink. Right. Uh, and, and all these little breweries started up as little craft breweries. I mean when Adolphus Bush climbed off the uh, the, the, the the paddle wheeler in on the banks of St. Louis, there were some forty little breweries working in, in, in eighteen fifty seven in, in St. Louis alone. Wow. Yeah. And they you know and they sold in their neighborhood. Uh, right. And and so this was a story of how one of those guys, the the, the littlest, most struggling brewer of all those forty some breweries, became the world's biggest beer company, and that's a great story. And you have a very colorful family, and you know, you just I couldn't I couldn't resist it. Well, and as we get into some of these stories with you as we go here, it, it, your listeners, you're going to find out it's it's not only this American story. Later on, as you're listening to it or reading it. It starts to feel like you're reading about the 
incredibly incestuous and strange monarchies of our world history. Yeah, like does. you, you start to feel like, holy crap, these people are insane. <laughs> and 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 the and the things that they felt empowered to do, and the and the grandiose uh, schemes that they planned, and uh, you, at one point you're going, this is our American history, but it feels like my world history class. Yeah, you know. Uh, so it's fascinating stuff. I want to get into some of that with you, of course. But let me ask you this. How did you have access to some of these stories? Who They, they seem like things that we've all suspected about the Bush family from various news reports for, throughout the years. But you seem to be telling some very inside stories in your book. Well, I had pretty good sources. <laughs> and, and, what, and the first thing that, that happened was I was in St. Louis, you know, touring and promoting my previous book uh and someone introduced me uh, 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 to adolphus bush the fourth who was the great great grandson of the founder not one of the bushes that ever ran the company but he was the half brother of august the third the uncle of august the fourth who did run the last two you know uh regimes uh, and we started talking about books, and he he said he always wanted someone to write the story of his family, the real story, the true story of his family. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, and would I be interested? And I said sure. And and he had uh, uh, said, you know, I'd always wanted to do that. And he had tried to hire someone to write the book sometime previously, some other writer, and it hadn't worked out. And I said, well, you know, I don't write books for, for, for hire. He said, well, how would it work with you? And I said, well, you know, uh, you tell me everything and the book is mine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. And you, you want to no control. I see. And, and I'll write it, I'll write it accurately and I'll write it fairly. Uh, and he was as good as his word. He helped me any way he could. You know, he, he talked. He, uh, talked about what it was like to grow up in that family inside, you know, living in, what is Missouri's version of Hearst Castle? Right, uh, and uh, you know that, that's that was a start. And I had other, you know, I had other uh, people. That, that one of the people who, who's quoted in the book uh, uh, with some very key scenes was the, the former vice president of sales for the company, okay. who just happens to be my brother-in-law. You know, uh, wow. so he would worked there for twenty-five years. So you know, Mike knew you know, a lot of stuff, and and uh, you know, you just start trying to weed through. You know, who are the people who are going to give you, you know, uh, bullshit, you know, and tell you how great everybody is? Or who are the people who are in a position to really see what went on Yeah, and who are willing to talk? And the interesting thing was is that since the company had been sold in 2008, <laughs> the one difference that, that between, from when the other two guys wrote their book back in 91, I think it was, yeah, uh, people weren't so afraid to talk. Because the Bushes were now just very rich people, but they didn't have any economic threat hanging over anybody's mm. head. You couldn't lose your job. Okay. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't get fired. You couldn't be prevented from working someplace else nice. because they didn't. They didn't control the company anymore. Hmm. They had immunity. So I right. benefited from that. Absolutely, and it makes sense to me when you say that that some of the family would be willing to have you tell the story without them getting any any money out of it because they don't need the money anyway this isn't like some hooker coming forward with her uh, expose and and wanting to cash in you know right they didn't need the money it also certainly doesn't need the money <laughs> right but he would probably like the money I'm <laughs> sure well these people yeah. like money yeah i'm gonna tell you right now yeah and and that's some of the thing uh, that you get to look sully i don't want you to listen to this book because i don't want you to get any any ideas with your with your brewery <laughs> i like the fact you said listen to it, if you, yeah, <laughs> right. it. i don't uh, forget about reading He's gonna hold it up to his ear i want you to read this book because 
these the the extravagance uh, the 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 private. I mean, I guess a lot of corporations have pli- private jets. That's just the icing on the cake. We have one. The 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 escorts that that the distributors uh, helped pay for. I mean, the extravagance is incredible. It's just incredible. Well, yeah, the well, the twenty thousand dollars a night in hookers, you know, yes. built through the company. That's. <laughs> You know, I, I I hate to skip ahead, but I have to do it. Bill is what what Bill's referring to, and you'll hear the the full and better story in the book. Oh, you'll read it. But the very quick <laughs> that you read it, you're already given up on reading. The thing haven't is, you? I haven't even I haven't listened to an audiobook in ten years either, and all of a sudden I, I don't even know what reading. It's so easy, your mind is programmed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, basically. The the well, you tell it, Bill. The, the, some of these, especially well, Augie the Fourth, late in 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 the dynasty when August the Fourth was, uh, I guess he was head of marketing when he was president. He would take his his guys, his 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 uh, uh, group of executives who were very loyal to him and who were like his enablers and surrounded him right. and who owed their careers to him. They would go on an annual, uh, or actually biannual trip down to um, uh, uh, Key West and they would just take over the town and 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 you know it was just uh, there was nothing they they couldn't get or wouldn't do uh, they would send uh, a helicopter to Miami to, to, to get bigger uh, snow crab claws for, for dinner because the ones they had weren't big enough Wow and they would they would send people up and down the coast to buy all the the crystal champagne that there was and there wouldn't be left anywhere and then they and they you know and they got they would call these escort services they had a very they had a very uh, Elaborate way, uh, you know, they'd be entertaining. Okay, and they'd be having the, these parties on these big boats. They, they would have, they would throw parties on the boat that would cost two hundred thousand dollars in provisions. Wow. Yeah, for, for you know, uh, uh, and and in that there would be there would be women, and there would be two classes of women. And I remember the persons, people telling me this and describing and laying it out for me. The people who were involved in providing. Uh, provisioning the boats, um, you know, they would have for early in the evening. They'd have uh, 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 the good girls who were very smart, really pretty, uh, funny women who would come in and they would be on their arms and they would entertain the uh, the uh, people that they're doing business with or they're trying to to schmooze with and all that. Yeah, and they were the good girls and they would leave, you know, like before midnight and they'd get five hundred bucks. And uh, and then the other girls, they would call them the finishers. <laughs> <laughs> right, but Buzz says it all right there. I guess that, yeah. that, crack, that was a great line. I love the finishers. Right, they would they would show up around midnight, and they were expected to, you know, to perform sexual favors uh, for the executives and whoever else, I guess. And the way they would do this is that they would they would. Uh, uh, they would they would launder it through the local distributor. They would they would uh, write a check, okay. Uh, and the local distributor would cash it, you know, and and give the money to the provider, the provisioner, who would then give cash to the guys, so they could, they could pay the women in, in in cash. And then the distributor would would build uh, would build a company for advertising models and things like that. And that's how they did it. Models. And you know they would they would regularly run for twenty thousand dollars a night, and they'd be down there for a couple weeks. Right, you know, doing this. It sounds like a massive. And was, and the thing was, it got to be that you know they had so much money for so long, and they were just so profligate in their in their spending, and nobody watching this. That this seemed completely normal to them. This did not seem outlandish. This is just sort of like this was what was expected. They were the princes of, of Anheuser Busch, right. and of course, the people in the town, the the the, the, the waiters and all that, hated them because they didn't tip very well, and they were very arrogant, and you know, they got very drunk, you know. So that was just that's just one little story about you know 
And yeah, it, that's sort of it's the icing on the cake. And and look, my tax guy won't let me get away with anything. I can't I can't turn in a Safeway receipt to this man. Uh, but these people have you try out. and get a hooker past your tax preparer. You know, you just try. Yeah, these guys were having the distributors cash a check made out to cash to pay for the thing and then bill it back. I, I mean. It's, it's illegal six yeah. different ways. I mean, right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I, I guess I have. A, I shouldn't be complaining. It means I have a good tax person. But the well. the balls on these people is is what I guess I'm getting at. Sully, being a, a, the only professional brewer in the room, <laughs> could you imagine calling your distributor? You know, when you're when you're headed to Portland and saying, "Listen, I'm going to show up, and you better have ten women there for me when I get there." Justin, no, I, I. But you've been to Portland before. I mean, <laughs> you don't need to there. Bad yeah, example. Bad example. <laughs> right. But uh, kind of getting back to St. Louis for a second, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by uh, what you, you said. You grew up there. What was it like? Uh, what do people think of the the, uh, the Bush family? Is it uh, do they do they hold them in high regard? I mean, like mm. you said, a lot of people well, work it's, for it's that. A or was it thing? They they hold them in high regard in a lot of ways because they're they're, they're the Kennedys of of, uh, of St. Louis, and, and you 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 can't walk down a block without seeing something that Anheuser Bush has paid for that's in the civic interest uh, or that they have they have they have put money they've been very very generous the company and the family uh, with their money and all kinds of things I mean Gussie Bush he had this uh, you know he, he believed that if you did something in 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 the in the public good in the public interest that also helped the company well that was the best business you could do right. and that was his philosophy so he constantly was doing things that yeah there was there was an upside to the company but but you know, he'd always make sure that there was some public good because that built goodwill for the company. That was their, their business. He always said, and it was something handed down from Adolphus the first, was that they really weren't in the business that they were in the business of making beer, of course. But what they were really in the business was of making friends. And if they made friends, they sold beer. Right. And uh, and that's how they built their empire. So uh, St. Louis. You know, uh, loves them, reveres them, uh, is jealous of them because they're rich, thinks they get away with a lot of stuff. But there's a lot of, you know, genuine good feeling uh, because they do represent St. Louis. And people in St. Louis don't have a whole lot of things in, in, in recent years, you know, to be proud of. <laughs> and they're really proud that, you know, all those commercials that said Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri at the end. That was about the only thing they had to brag about after a while. That and the Cardinals. And they went together. Right. You know? well, I guess after a while those the newness of that arch kind of wears off right yeah, yeah, the arch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, people don't love the arch no. <laughs> they love the cardinals and they love anheuser-busch they love that brewery i mean they get you know they get worked up about it now the brewery they have their they're sort of angry at the brewery because they don't they're no longer owned locally right and a lot of people in st louis were shocked to find out that the that the uh, bushes didn't own it because they, they always operated as if they did. They only owned, what, you know, when when InBev came along and made their hostile takeover bid in in 2008. I think they owned three. The Bush family owned three percent of see. the company. Uh, Warren Buffett owned more stock in the company than the entire Bush family did. Wow. Uh, which is not to say they they didn't hmm. become very wealthy from the sale, but um, uh, but people in St. Louis were shocked at that, and they and they they couldn't quite figure out who to be mad at. Whether they should be mad at August the fourth or his father. August the third for selling the beer brewery out. Right. Um, you know, 
What's interesting? A lot, of them, a lot of them said, you know, I'll never drink a Budweiser again. You hear a lot of that, you know. Which was bullshit. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> right. yeah, well, no, I know a lot of people who don't. Oh, is that right? I think it's silly, but, uh, you know, you either like it or you don't. Yeah, there, there's, there's other reasons not to drink a Budweiser again, but that wouldn't be <laughs> <laughs> Right. Now, you, you kind of, you make the reference that they're sort of like the Kennedys of St. Louis. What I, what I find fascinating, though, is that they're like the Kennedys, but without any of the class. I mean, they, they were not known yeah. as... Gussie, Gussie had some of that. I don't even know, from what I heard, that Gussie had much class. Uh, he was a brass, uh, brazen. Um, I mean, these people were cowboys, through and through. They were, well, they, they were... They were more uh, peasants. You know, they were... They were... They, they were... They were uh, New money. I'll put it. They, mm. You know, they were they were bushy, as, as was the was the <laughs> phrase that was coined for them. You know, they did right. sort of over the top. Uh, they were ebullient. They were they were raucous. They were they were like regular folks, except they just had a lot of money. Yeah, you know. But they were you know they they carouse bars and get into fights and you know uh, they weren't you know. They weren't refined. Nobody would ever call them refined. Right. That's well, sort of what I mean. It's a very large family now. I mean, it's, it's a huge family. Uh, you know, there are all the various cousins and, and, and all that. But the main Bush family, you know, they, I mean, if you think about it, <clears throat> Adolphus Bush the fourth, he's 57 years old. Uh, Adolphus the first came to this country in 1857. Adolphus Bush the fourth was the first member of the family to graduate from college right so you had three generations that didn't or two generations at least that didn't have anybody graduate from college so education wasn't their thing their thing was you know uh livestock and horses and and, and you know and hunting and fishing and and drinking and carousing. and that's what the men did and the women weren't really a factor they they were not you know in involved in the uh in the business of beer uh you know they were they were to be pretty and and uh uh, uh, you know, chase after and, and, and produce heirs. Bill, when you put it that way, you've changed my whole opinion. This is the American dream. Yeah, the conclusion we draw <laughs> is education wrong. is wildly yeah, overrated. I'm really jealous is. of these guys. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, was it We need a distributor here. Well, education and beer are always kind of at odds, aren't they? Yeah, yeah they sure are. <laughs> That's true. That's why our jobs are so futile over here. <laughs> sort of network. What, what they, do you mean? What are they doing now? Are they just kind of bumming around town, getting into fights now, and, you know, or they're not running the company anymore? Is there... I mean, what? Well, good? interestingly, the uh, the the one of them, Billy Bush, um, he was an interesting character on, uh, of his own. As a young man, was the you know the 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 one who most sort of resembled Gussie Bush in his in appearance, physically and in, in, in sort of behavior wise. He would get into book beer fights. He's still known as the guy. Oh, he's the guy who bit off the guy's ear in a fight, right? Oh yeah, you know, that, that's <laughs> that's how they identify him. And he's gone on. He's had you know, he's had seven kids, and he's a you know very well known guy. He's done all kinds of other stuff, but he's still known as the guy who he, he's he's differentiated from his brothers you know as the one who bit off the guy's ear but billy uh he inherited along with the rest of them from gussie when he died i don't know some hundreds of thousands of dollars hundreds of thousands of shares of anheuser-busch stock it might have been like six seven hundred shares i don't have the number right in front of me it's in the book okay. uh it's very detailed but because his father never sold any of his stock in his lifetime billy decided he would not sell any of his stock either never sold a share and gussie died in 75 and that stock doubled, you know, uh, a couple times. So when they sold Anheuser Busch at seventy dollars a share, Billy made a couple hundred million dollars. Wow! 
And what he decided to do was, and he's genuine about this, he's really kind of a genuine guy, you know, there's something wrong about the fact that my family was in the beer business in this city and part of the community for 150 years, and now we're not. He said, I really wasn't a part of all that. I didn't get to participate in that. But you know what? I'm going to, he started his own beer company. It's called the William K. Bush beer company and he's the littlest guy i mean he, he's again it's like it's not quite a craft beer because they're i think they're a little bit better financed than that they're they're a little bigger i think they're shooting to be a regional beer okay and they came up with uh, you know uh, kreftig beer which is a which is german for strength or something like that you know and they make it uh uh you know with the only i think the three what are the, the, the four ingredients that pass the ancient german laws you know uh so you know he started so they're starting up again you know they're the littlest guy in town again uh, except they've got you know, 150 years of heritage and 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 and, and uh, you know story behind them. So you sure. know it's an interesting. Was I I really liked it that that sort of happened while I was writing the book. I'm in the middle of writing the book and several things happened that I keep thinking it doesn't get any better than this. You know, first of all, uh, they find a, a dead girl in, in in one of the guys in, in August the fourth bed. You know, and and then Billy starts up his own beer company. So there's not it's not such a downer of an ending. So as a writer, you kind of, <laughs> right? Ah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's something to work with there. Listen, this was the family that just kept giving to you, Bill. Oh yeah, it was it was yeah. just amazing. Now you know it's uh, it's sad, and 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 you know we can get into the, the dead girl in the bed story anytime you want. But um, hey, th- listen, you can't throw a dead girl on the bed and and in the room and not talk <laughs> you can't about throw it. A live boy, right? not yeah. expect us to jump on her. Let's uh, let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, that was that was the thing that you know August the fourth had, had issues. Let's put it that way, and he had he had had substance abuse issues going back for years. And because he is he was the heir, and he was the the you know, and and, and things were done for him. And you, it's, it's it's the classic story. It's the Michael Jackson. It's the John Belushi. It's the whatever the people who everyone just enables and right. gives whatever they want because they're the man. You know, and he's the guy traveling around the, on the corporate jet, and he shows up in town. You get him the girls. You get him the drugs. No one's going to say no to him. He's got all the money. He's got everything going, so he's never going to hit the bottom. Uh, so you know, he he was he after the, the the company was sold, and right around that time, he was he was having some severe problems. You know, with his it was getting out of control. Mm-hmm. And after the company was sold, for the first time in his life, he had. He, you know, he divorced his wife. He didn't have to pretend to be a good husband. He didn't have to show up for anything at the company. He didn't have to. And he just went into went off the deep end. Wow. And I was I was talking to people who were aware of what was going on with him. People pretty close to him who were talking to me because they thought he was going to die. And and they thought, well, maybe if a book comes out, he'll finally get the help he needs. And that's why they were talking. I see. Uh, uh, they didn't want to be identified, but they they wanted him to read this about himself he'd go oh my god i gotta do something and i kept hearing i can't tell you my time he's not gonna live to his next birthday he's not gonna he's not gonna make it to the end of the year he's gonna die right and then as i'm writing this i'm figuring you know while i'm i'm you know we're, we're, we'll see if he dies before i, I finish <laughs> it it was kind of a weird kind of you know macabre sort of thing and and I expected him to die, and then I and, and I knew all about the girlfriend. I knew all about the uh, the time when he was taken off to rehab by the uh, the armed police and all that. And I was surprised that when it turned out that it was her that they found dead in the bed. I thought that they would find him dead in the bed, hmm. you know, because uh, so it got it got very ugly at the end. The, the the final scenes were, as I say in the book, it was just like something out of out of Scarface with, with Al Pacino, you know. Say hello yeah. to my little friend. Nine hundred weapons in the house, you know, cocaine, oxycontin everywhere, you know, craziness. Right, heaven, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, 
Just a little slice of it. And any, all the beer you could drink. I mean, you know, <laughs> they call all the that. Bud Light lime you could swallow. Wow. And <laughs> that's much. what I mean. Just the story. You know, at, at, there, are, there are many points throughout the story and and with each generation that you hear about and their and their various wives and the problems that you start to ask yourself how did this family do anything how did they accomplish this you, you do hear about their great ideas and you and you hear about the the beer in the beginning uh, which we should talk about as well but you you go i don't know how they functioned day to day enough to create what they created you know well you know the the guys that ran the company you know, except toward, right toward the end, the last one ran the living hell out of that company. They really, they they worked really hard, uh, and they they were smart, and they were absolutely bound by tradition. And the traditions are fairly sound, uh, laid down, you know, by by August Adolphus the first, and then August A, his son, yeah. and then Gussie. And Gussie was a it were all his uh, uh, his foibles and 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 um, un un. Pleasant uh, personality traits. He was also had great, you know, he was had great charisma. Uh, he is the guy who put beer and baseball together for America. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, there was a, you know, the Rupert. I can't think of his first name. He owned the, the the Yankees for a year. Rupert Beer owned the Yankees, but they never really made made that a thing. They didn't take advantage of that. It was just you know, and, and Gussie really did. He recognized uh, he recognized the ballpark in St. Louis for what it was a giant outdoor tavern in the sun, right. you know, <laughs> where you could only drink Budweiser. That's what he saw. Yeah, and uh, but he made that work. You know. Okay. Yeah. Well, that does make some sense, uh, and they did put those things together, particularly, and, the, you know, the story pretty much begins, um, uh, I, I think, to really uh, take, take some speed and some steam after Prohibition. And, right. you know, I was interested to find out, and Tasty, I don't know if you, uh, you know, you're, you, you were around back then in, ni- <laughs> in 1900, right? No. Uh, I was surprised to hear how long Anheuser-Busch resisted putting out a light beer. Putting out Bud Light, right? One of the, if not the best-selling beer on the planet. Um, it was a, and they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it. Their competitors, in fact, the only reason they ever did it was because their competitors were stealing market share with it. And even yeah, then, it took years. Their clock cleaned by Miller. Yeah, right. And I found that fascinating. And part of the reason was that they also felt that it was a watered down and a, a beer without substance. Yes, you know, you know. part of their tradition. <laughs> it was. Yeah, and and you'll hear different parts in the book where. Quality um, was was very important to them, uh, which I think. So, where uh, Bill, you may well, or may you know, not. The thing is, it was actually more than very important. It was everything. Right. Uh, it was it was the whole deal, and you, you can like Budweiser or not. It, it, it'd be hard to argue it's the best tasting beer in the world. But there's no question it was the most it was the most successful. Yes. And it did cost more than, and they did spend more time brewing. And everybody tried to to cheapen their beer and, and make and, and undercut them by cutting quality and. Uh, Gussie and August the third fought against all the pressures inside the company from the from the bean counters and the financial guys. You know, you can you can go with cheaper hops. You can go with uh, you know malt extract. You can do all kinds of things. You can age it for you know less time. You know all the things right. that Schlitz did when it ruined its own beer, uh, and they wouldn't do it. And, and they're, but they're doing it now. <laughs> well, I'm sure they are. You guys are doing it. You know, us being predominantly on the craft beer side, you know, we're, we're I'm surprised to hear some of these quality things. We, we talk about the brewers at Anheuser Busch about being some of the best brewers in the world, but 
you learn a little more about the family. And even so directly after Prohibition, when they're sort of putting it all back together, uh, they really spent a lot of money on, on the ingredients. And in mm-hmm. fact, the orders and, and Bill, you'll have to correct my numbers if I'm wrong, but initially it was it end, right after Prohibition, it was in such high demand. We're talking about like a half a million cases of beer ordered instantaneously and they, they couldn't possibly keep up with it. And they were pressured to shorten the brew process, like Bill just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, their process was what, forty five days, I think. And right. They were constantly all through the years pressured. And, and they felt that, listen, this is how you make lager beer. It needs to be lagered, just like the Germans had done it before us. Right. And, and even with the opportunity right then to, what, I don't know, triple their profits instantaneously, if they could shorten their process, they said, no, that's not the beer we're going to make. Right. And this stuff is fascinating to hear, I think, from our perspective, that their, their quality was so important. You know? And they also knew, and they, and they really sensed, uh, um, and the first one to sense it was was the first guy at office that they had a story to tell. And you know, when people buy beer a lot, they're buying yep. you know they're buying beer, yeah, but they're also buying something else. They're buying you know into a story. And and you know, Anheuser Busch had a great story. And it, as as it went on and got older and older, they had more of a story to tell that was that people sort of latched on to. Yeah. Whereas you know, InBev's got no story. It's, it's five years old. It's just <laughs> an investment portfolio. You know exactly. They're, they're trying to latch on the Anheuser Busch story, but they're not the not the same place anymore, guys. You know, you yeah. So anyway, and they yeah. were very aware of that, you know, and and, uh, and they and they remain true to it. So they, in that sense, they were they were the classic family business. They, they 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 all the good things and all the bad things involved in a in a in a family dynasty business, right? You know, came yeah. to bear on that, that beard. Even some of the things, you know, when you talk about their story to tell, some of the things that my generation kind of makes fun of now, uh, because it just because it seems so cheesy, the the Clydesdales, uh, right? The the wagons being pulled. Yeah. You look at it now in today's beer world, and it seems like a dupe, like they're trying to pull the wool over our eyes with something classier than it is. But when you hear the story of it, that's in the book. When you read the story of it, that's in the book. Uh, you know, after Prohibition, breweries all over the country were sending their beer into the White House and trying to get press and this and that. And the Anheuser Bush family actually put this sort of like circumstance behind their beer. They put this promotion behind it. They pageantry. Put, yeah. They put this pageantry, this class behind it. Yeah. And it and it really t- told a story. Then it, it made the others just sort of pale in comparison. Nobody remembers anybody, any other brewer for, on that day. Yeah. Except the brewery that put it on the wagon and and, 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 and marched that wagon right down, you know, Pennsylvania Avenue. Right. It, it, you know, and it's amazing. And, and, they, and the thing is, the, the thing about that was it wasn't a cheesy thing to do. It was a very organic thing they did. It was really inorganic, organic with their history. They did it because of their dad, because that's how they used to deliver beer. They had eight hundred teams of horses that delivered beer, and they thought, "Let's do this for dad." It'll, you know, who used to stand, you know, with with his father and watch the teams go by and award them, you know, prizes for the best kept team, and right. that's what they did. You know, they, they they had a sense that it would be good pr- promotion, but it was organic. It wasn't just uh, an out of left field cheesy thing, right? And the, this, this book helps you understand that. If you watch the Super Bowl this weekend, you realize that InBev is still trying to tell that story uh, of the Clydesdales. Right. But, but it's not, there's no connection anymore. There's no, it just doesn't relate the same way. It doesn't relate. that commercial, let me tell you, that commercial they put on about the little Clydesdale. Yeah. I can't tell you how many, how many things, how many emails I got from, from women saying, 
because of your book, I cried at that commercial. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it still so does work. It really, it really affects people yeah. because they, yeah. for some reason, there's something about those Clydesdale horses, and there's something about that. And of course, they haven't had Anheuser Busch used to have the number one Super Bowl commercial every year, and the number two, three, and four one. They haven't had one since uh, Imbev took over. But this one, you know. This one really connected, and it's that story. It's the story of, you know, it's, it's it, they're also sort of borrowing the story of the uh, of the uh, of the, the little horse who's born and then separates from his trainer and then goes off and then he, you know, that story is kind of borrowed from a story in the book. You know, where where uh, really? August A, uh, the second guy in line, had to sell all his animals during the Depression, and he had to sell his little elephant that he doted on. Oh, and yeah. then the elephant came through, you know, on the circus, and he, you know, and the elephant recognized him you know, and came wow. running up to him. It's the same story. Wow. They're borrowing the same story. They're wow. just making it the horse <laughs> instead of the elephant. Of course. People, well, people horses, go for it. They're, they're, horses are better looking than elephants. Well, those are Brazilian yeah, spice yeah, seals, by they're, the way. Yeah. They're much more aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> they look Brazilian to you, those spice seals? Yeah, that was not an American class. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at that. Those don't come from Grant's farm. <laughs> they were whacked. Right. Uh, well, it, it, I mean, it's an American tradition. Yeah. And that's the story they're still trying to tell, regardless of who owns. I think maybe they're trying to, uh, you know, realize, look, InBev owns the thing. It's not necessarily an American-owned company more. But enough time has died down where people kind of forget that, especially right. if they're passionate about the brand. And they're telling the story and the same the, the story about you can find what you're looking for. Sure, and this they still happiness. have the brewery in St. Louis. You know, <laughs> yeah, so. right. I, I think yeah, the average person is probably not really aware of this InBev purchase. Maybe they were at the time, but uh, like you said, JP, the people that love Budweiser love Budweiser. Yeah, yeah. and, and maybe well, I, I've noticed in all the press coverage uh, of the of the last uh, the, the two things that are in the news lately because I get a lot of calls on this. You know, the 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 the, uh, the, the attempted merger with the with the Mexican brewery, brewing company. Uh, Modelo, I call it Modelo. I guess that's how it's pronounced. Uh, and um, and the story of the Clydesdale, where all the people in the media aren't aren't even aren't even mentioning Imbev. They just keep talking about Anheuser Busch. Right. Imbev doesn't get mentioned. You know. Hey, you're I guess right. That's okay. That's you know. probably exactly how they want to keep Nobody's, it transparent, and no one's uh, no one knows the difference. Nobody's correcting yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bill, I I have more to ask you. Uh, I I want to know more about this family, but I also got to take a break. Do you have more time with us? As much as you want. I'm uh, sitting here at my house. You know, I'm not going anywhere. Fantastic. Let me do this. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Bill uh, more about the, the Bush family and this. I'm telling you, it's an American story that you don't want to miss out on. Whether you love them or you hate them or, or, or you're indifferent, you want to you want to know this story. It, it's pretty fascinating. So hang in there. Uh, it's the session. We'll be right back with more on uh, Bitter Brew. Hang in there. Listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Publications is thrilled to announce the release of For the Love of Hops, a practical guide to aroma, bitterness, and the culture of hops by Stan Hieronymus. For the Love of Hops is a resource for brewers of all experience levels. It explains the nature of hops, their origins, and how brewers can really maximize their positive attributes throughout the brewing process. 
Ken Grossman from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company says, This book is an amazing compendium on the hop, written at a level of detail that will captivate historians, chemists, and brewers alike. For the Love of Hops is available now from Brewers Publications at brewerspublications.com. Order your copy today and wrap yourself in the binds of bitterness with everyone's favorite brewing ingredient, the Love of Hops. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I want to tell you about my favorite heretic beer, Shallow Grave Porter. I love the rich, malty character of this beer. While full and rich, Shallow Grave has an easy-drinking finish that isn't too sweet. I've always loved my homebrew porter recipe, so when it's time to brew Heretic Shallow Grave, I started with that in mind, but I tweaked it with all my latest recipe ideas. Just like in homebrewing, I made sure we used only the finest malts, malts that would produce the ideal flavor for this beer. We used select British malts to get the rich chocolate and caramel flavors that we spared no expense. The result is a beer as dark as a moonless night with hints of vanilla, coffee, and chocolate. Perfect for a cool evening out in the woods. Cheers. More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is... Awesome! No, I'm... Yes, but the cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. Here's a bite for beer lovers. Soft caramel made with real craft brew and coated in chocolate. And hop drops. Hard candies made with real hop oil. Introducing Beer Candy from BeerCandy.com. Beer Candy's amazing caramels come in four mouth-watering flavors. IPA, bitter gold wrapped in smooth white chocolate. Lager, made with a familiar beer from Boston and coated in milk chocolate. Lambic, soury Belgian goodness full of fresh raspberry and dipped in dark 
chocolate and stout roasty cocoa chocolate insanity. Hop drops are made with Fuggles or Cascade hops and are known as the candy that bites you back. Choose from sampler and full sizes of both and make your mouth jump to life. All at beercandy.com. Hop drops and beer caramels. Satisfy your sweet tooth as only a beer lover could with beer candy. Visit beercandy.com today. What's funny is Bruce will say, yeah, I don't brew to stop. I'm brewing my own beer. And it's like a German Pilsner, but it's black. Yeah, it's a sports beer. beer. (laughs) The The home of Log Beer Radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for sticking with us. We got Bill Nadelseeder. He's the author of Bitter Brew, uh, the story of the Anheuser-Busch family on the radio with us today. And uh, I am enjoying this story. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us today, Bill. Um, I do have some questions from our chat room uh, coming in for you, too, today. So I want to get to those in a second. But okay. I wanted to ask you, you know, you had to research the whole family tree here. Is there somebody who stood out to you in particular that you either enjoyed writing about or, or just found particularly fascinating? Gussie. Okay. Uh, Gussie, Gussie Bush is the kind of character that doesn't come along, you know, all that often uh, in terms of just his his size, uh, you know, <laughs> his stride through the world. Uh, he was a fascinating person to write about. Uh uh, the good and the bad, and and, and, and all of it. Uh, very many admirable uh, traits in there, and some terrible ones. And but he, he just huge charisma. And it's you know, if you think about it, I mean, I remember, and I've said this a number of times when I when I was in St. Louis. I remember going to a Cardinals game, um, and uh, with my with my brother-in-law and my, and my my two nephews and i was as i was walking into the to the uh, the stadium there i think i was the only person out of 50,000 didn't have a red shirt on yeah. and and you look at that crowd and it, the the stadium is just just full all the time and there, there's you know and it you're struck by the fact that what if Adolphus Bush hadn't gotten off the boat here. What if he'd gotten off in Cleveland? What if, what if you know, his son hadn't managed to keep that brewery open during the Depression right. with 2,000 people employed? What if Gussie Bush hadn't bought the Cardinals? What would the story of St. Louis be? Uh, and it's hard to imagine. So the, 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 the ripples that go out from these flawed but very strong, you know, guys, uh, they're almost incalculable. I mean, they've provided good lives and good livings for, you know, countless thousands of people. Right. Over the, over the period of time. And the company back then was about more than just returning the absolute maximum amount of dollars to the shareholder per share. That's what it is now. That's not what it was back then. It was about something else. Sure. Gussie was my favorite character to read about as well. I especially liked how he met his wife. Can you uh, tell us that story real quick? 
<laughs> yeah. Well, he was already married at the time. He was on his second marriage, and he was over in in uh, in uh, in Switzerland traveling through. Uh, uh, and he saw this good-looking blonde who was uh, the, the hostess at a, at a at a restaurant in. Um, uh, well, I don't know. I can't remember what town it was. Right, a big town in Switzerland. I think Zurich, maybe, or something like that. And he walked up to the owner, and, you know, wanted to know who that who that good-looking broad was, you know. And it turns out it was his daughter. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> he 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 proposed marriage to her by the you know the, the first day that he spent with her, and he was you know, uh, despite the fact that he was twenty-seven years older and married, and he brought her he brought her back to this country, and and uh, that that was an interesting story because I talked to her that that Adolphus the fourth he he arranged for that he said you know I, hmm. my mom will talk to you I'll, I'll i'll make that to make her available to you and so i interviewed her and here was somebody who you know who who lived that life she was the, she was uh she was the queen of camelot she was going to very camelot to to, to uh, gussie's uh, king arthur right uh, and and so she uh, it was the very inside story there and i remember you know her telling the story of how when she 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 came to this country uh, sort of surreptitiously, you know, and he brought her in and he brought her on this private uh, train car with servants all the way across the country. Of course, they went, went to Broadway shows in New York. And she was this little girl from Switzerland, or from, yeah, from Switzerland. And um, and she said, uh, she, she was sitting there, she's 83 years old, and she sort of leaned across to me and she said, when I saw him, you know, telling everybody what to do at the brewery, she said, I thought it was very sexy. Ah. She said, I was in <laughs> lust. He was the first man I ever made love to. I had never had sex before. Wow. And she's sitting there with her son. Oh. She's eight, three, telling me this. And I was like, right. I, awesome. again, I was like, thank you, Jesus. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like a Betty White movie. Seriously. Exactly you can- right. She's very, she was kind of like that. She's kind of body and kind of a, a, a you know, a, a character, you know. Right. He entered my uh, Even vagina. though she's 82. It's, ex- that's a very, <laughs> she's kind of like that. I and she was it. a, you know, she was dismissed as like this bimbo because, you know, when he married her, she was 25 and they didn't even, in, in the head, newspaper headline says, Gussie August Bush marries Swiss girl. Wow. You know, today. <laughs> you know and that, 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 the society pages, you, you, you always named the woman, but she was, a, she was dismissed. And she had turned out to be a very formidable person and, and, and uh, you know, was his partner for quite some time. Right. What was the, she ran that place, man, when, when the whole world was coming to Gussie's door, when he was the most, most famous brewer on the planet, uh, she took care of everybody, you know. Wow. What was the age difference? Uh, twenty-seven years. Oh, she was twenty-five. <laughs> he was fifty-two when he met her. Well, you'd be the judge. What answer it. would not have been okay with you? So. <laughs> That's fine. Sully's going. See, I like this family. <laughs> <laughs> we have something relate to the beer business here. You know, the more I listen, the more I'm thinking about they this story. They knew how to live. Let's put it that way. They yeah. did yeah, know they how to live. I think I'm fascinated by the story because uh, the biggest difference between uh, my dad and um, and some of these guys is that my dad's been more been married more. Times and uh, and and he's broke. Yeah. But other than that, he's just as insane as these people. And uh, I think that's why I'm so fascinated by this. Uh, the story is great. Let me do a, a, a couple questions from our chat room listeners for you. Um, now, you did mention. Um, what was it, Billy Bush, uh, mm-hmm. what he's doing now. But uh, some of the folks are asking, what, what about the rest of the family? Are, is everyone just kind of living off the money now? Well, let's see. I mean, think uh, they they are involved in polo. A couple of the 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 the, the brothers that, that were that were born and raised at uh, at Grant's farm. Uh, August the third is retired. Uh, his second son Stephen, you know, has a beer distributorship. 
Uh, his daughter has a beer distributorship. They tend to have beer distributorships. Yeah. Uh, like a golden they goose. run those, those businesses. Uh, you know, they diversify. So yeah, it's, it's a, there's, they don't really have big careers. I mean, Adolphus the fourth was a, uh, he's, he's sort of a private equity investor. Okay. Uh, and, and, and a, uh, a, a sort of a, uh, What's the word? He's an outdoorsman and a, you know a conservationist. You know he's in, involved in all sorts of sort of. He, I think he's the family's uh, resident liberal. Okay, uh, and uh, we all need one. Oh uh, uh, yeah, the only one. I we think. all need one. Yeah, <laughs> only one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Uh, let, what else do I have here? Uh, some people had questions about the the brewers at Anheuser Busch themselves, and I don't know if you had much contact with that. But we talk a lot here on the show and with other uh, professional craft brewers. Like I mentioned before, that um, while craft beer drinkers and craft brewers might not have a, a ton of respect for the the flavor of the beer itself, there's a lot of respect for its consistency as a product and and how difficult it is to brew. But the question is, do if you would know if any of the brewers at the at the place. Uh, do they know how they're seen to the rest of the craft beer industry? And I guess you know I don't know. I I talk to people of of the, the period that that uh, you know when, uh, before that the, the people there now I I don't know uh, I don't know about. Okay. You know up until up until they sold the company, uh, I I. I I'd be pretty sure that they hired the best brewers they could find, sure, uh, and paid them top dollar uh, because to August the third, that was still the most important thing. Uh, you had to have the best ingredients and the best people, and that, that was his pride of ownership, and that's how they did it. Uh, you know, it was, and you're right, making a hundred million cases of beer taste the same yeah. <laughs> you know day in day out is is no easy job it was a, you know amazing effort and and the tasting that went on is just like astounding you know and uh, you know i'm not i'm not a, a brewer so uh, i don't uh, there's funny stories in there about you know august the third and him and and, and his uh, his head feel that he would get when a beer had too much hops in it or the idea yeah. was too too high for him and well stuff there are like that. they are funny stories but they're also uh, for, for beer lovers out there uh, you know our listeners, you, you guys will enjoy that part. August the third was known as the palate of the family, and he had the palate above all. He, uh, rumor has it, uh, he he could tell you whether uh, a Budweiser was three weeks old or two months old. He he could taste it and and knew the difference and was in all of those tasting sessions. Quality was was paramount to him, and in fact. Uh, he would do different if he was traveling uh, around where uh, there was not a Budweiser plant. He would buy the beer at the local place to to make sure that it was up to quality standards. And if it wasn't, heads would roll. Apparently, back at the brewery. Uh, oh yeah, you'd hear it all. And well, he would also have it have it sent. They know he was going to be someplace. It'd be sent. He'd say he'd make a. I want the beer from Newark for from Friday, and you know it'd be there. So he, you know, he. He was God. He could do whatever he wanted. His plane would just drop down out of the sky, and they knew what was what was happening that day. He was going to have a taste <laughs> right. in And, uh, oh, my God. You know, and, and again, you know, he'd, he'd gather everybody together, and you're going to taste some beer, and then then, then, then he'd say, uh, you know, okay, what would you think? And, you know, the wrong answer would be the one he didn't have. Right. You know? So, and they lived in fear of that. I mean, but, but, but he was, and he was, but he was, he, there's a very funny scene in there that I got from my brother-in-law who was, who was standing there. They were at the uh, at the Indianapolis 500, and uh, uh, they were walking across the infield. They'd taken a tour of all the signage and all the stuff, and they were heading back to the to the, the helicopter. And all of a sudden, August the third saw this big trash can full of 
empty beer bottles. He, he literally started going through it, and he was pulling out, you know, empty Bud and Bud Light cans, and he was writing writing down the date codes. Wow. Okay. Because he and he was writing, and he would dictate him into his little thing because he was going to go back to the office and find out if the beer that was being served at 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 the, the Indy Five Hundred was fresh. Right. Or if it was old and stale, and he was going to find out, you know. And while he was doing this, some bum walks up to him, some some biker who's drunk, and, and says to him, "Hey, buddy, if you need a beer that bad, I'll buy you one." You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is the head of the company. You know, it was the king of beer. That's, that's how he was. He's got like six you know, cars he owns on the train. About that. Yeah. Well, that, that bum is now head of sales in that room. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and those stories in the book actually answer my questions about how the the. The family made it this far because some of their principles were really uh, principles that other companies uh, take a cue from now. Um, sure. And in fact, Sully, as your uh, 21st Amendment empire grows, this is how I picture you becoming in quality control. Uh, I, I picture you traveling the country and uh, and spitting out ba- you know any 2NA beer that has gone past its uh, due date. Well, it whatever. is interesting. I mean, uh, of course, I don't have a plane yet, but um, <laughs> right. I, uh, it'll come. It'll come. Thanks, right. Yeah. Uh, lighter. You know, I've got this little meager you know, company, but we do sell our beer across the country. And I do when I do go into the markets, and I will go to stores, and I will go to restaurants, and I will try it. I will look at the date code, and uh, but I, you know, I don't, you know, make a big fuss about it. You're not firing people. No, not yet. How- but but this is a principle. I, I'm, I am making a joke about it, of course. But what I'm saying is that these are principles that even small companies should should adopt. This is what, part of why their uh, empire was so successful. Is that the, the they they really cared about that product? Yeah, you. I mean, you really have to. I mean, I remember uh, we were selling our beer uh, in a at a large liquor store chain in Southern California, and uh, I happened to roll down there. My family lives down there, and I went in there and check it out, and I saw these three cases that were sitting on the floor, and they were it was really old beer. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I couldn't call anybody and yell at them, so I just bought it and went home and threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> That's quality control on a small level. Exactly. I will buy all that. <laughs> How often are you seeing that, Sully? Are you seeing expired well, beer? Is that, is that common? What, old beer? Yeah. Yeah, you always fight with old beer. Uh, it's out there. You're, you, you try to you know educate your distributors. Uh, you don't, certainly don't have the you know the power, the willpower that the Bush family did to do to deal with it, and sort of the cash to do it. But uh, right. now you're always wanting to you, you're you, you want to stay on top of that. Those pool dates are really important. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, Bill, we talked earlier, joking about how really this, this would make a great TV story, and and it didn't for you back in the beginning. But what about now? Is anybody picking up this book now? Well, as a matter of fact, yes. Um, um, uh, Lionsgate Entertainment. Bought the rights. Wow! And they are developing it as a uh, uh, a cable television series right now. Sully, wow. you should audition. You could be Augie the Third, I think. Oh yeah, yeah. Can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think ah, what's going on here? <laughs> see, I, I see John Hamm as August the Fourth. Oh, as the Fourth, absolutely. That's a great. And, and John Goodman uh, is Gussie. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Bill's already nailed they're both, it. They're both St. Louis boys, you know. Except for right. Oh, great. They should be listening to you, Bill. Those are both yeah. good ideas. <laughs> what, uh, this is a question that came through from the chat room too. Um, just to co- maybe bring it back to craft beer too. Um, and Tasty, you're from St. Louis. Maybe you can yeah. help us with. What is the really? general <laughs> feeling about craft beer I- in St. Louis? And uh, I know today, it's changing or? everywhere, oh. but nowadays, and and maybe even now that AB has been bought out, it. Is there a, a propensity to fight against craft beer in St. Louis because of the heritage? Uh, I don't think so. No, I don't think so, yeah. No. I think, no, I think it's just like any other part of the country. They're well open to great flavor. And uh, I don't think, uh, you know, it's, it's younger people that are in the craft beer scene. They're basically driving the volume, right? 
sure, you know, their parents buy some, but not much. Uh, yeah, they're open-minded. They're trying new flavors, sure. Okay. Trying to find their, find their own beer. They don't want to drink their father's beer. All right. And, Bill, aside from, you know, just direct market share discussions, w- were there comments made about the impact craft beer has had on uh, on the company itself? Um, no, I mean, you know, they're... they're, they're you know their, their position always was, and it's the it's always the, the the position of the Goliaths is that they'll wait and see, and they'll they'll introduce their own you know uh, uh, craft beer brands, which they're doing all the time. Sure. Uh, uh, and you know, and, and what'll happen if all of a sudden somebody becomes a a, a problem and, or becomes very big? They'll try to buy that company, and and a lot of craft beer companies. That's a lot of people start beer uh, craft beer companies. That's the uh, uh, that's the happy ending. You you get to sell out and become a millionaire, you know. And you you sold out to Anheuser Busch. I mean, that's not a that's not a happy ending. Um, uh, so that, that's kind of the way the big guys are, and that's the way businesses always operate. The big businesses they buy up, you know, the littler businesses, you know, and they. I mean, again, the whole thing with with the Mexican, you know, uh, with Modelo, uh, that's always been an uneasy partnership. Uh, as it is, and as I as I remember, uh, even though they owned thirty two percent of the company and had been in partners with them for a long time, and, and they 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 did not have they they couldn't import Corona, which was killing them. <laughs> the, the, the Mexican company wouldn't let them import. They 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 brought it in themselves. They wouldn't let Anheuser Busch Anheuser Busch distribute it. So there's always that there was always issues there. They would have liked to, which is what they're trying to do now. You know, okay. if they can buy it, then they don't have to deal with. They don't have to fight against them anymore. Right. What are some of, of what are some of the changes that the they've done to the brewery out there? Are they? I've heard rumors that they're not using oak chips, or excuse me, Beechwood aged chips anymore. They're not. They're actually. They well, might I be heard that, and there was a story in, in Business Week that they're they have uh, they've done exactly what uh, what Miller did back when they you know started telling when they, they when they were first started importing Lowenbrow, and then they started without telling anyone started started making it in making it in, in Houston themselves without really letting the world know that, and they had all kinds of stuff in it that, that the German beer didn't have. Well, now the, you know Anheuser Busch is in, in of doing the same thing with Bass and and Bex, which are two, you know, g- historic uh, storied brands, uh, and that they are using cheaper hops and, and extracts and stuff like that, doing all the things that Gussie would have f- fallen over dead over, right. you know. In a fit of rage, at the top of his head would have exploded, you know. Um, and but th- that's what they're doing now because you know they're they're these guys are not necessarily brewers; they're investors, you know. Sure, it's interesting. They've got, they've got a portfolio of three hundred and fifty brands. They don't, you know. It's it's very interesting that many of the same things that are making craft beer uh, begin to take market share and have become so popular are the same principles that the Bush family had from the very beginning, which was no, this, this beer better be good. Yeah, I had heard, I'd read somewhere that actually rice was more expensive than barley back in the day, and I know we poo-hoo rice in in beers because we think it makes it. Uh, kind of dumbs it down a little bit, but it was making a, li- a lighter, drier beer, and uh, I'd heard that it was a harder ingredient to get in the beer. And they, that's why they'd celebrate putting rice in their beer, right? Uh, and it was it was it was expensive, and and uh, at, at periods of time, uh, uh, like in the seventies, the, the price of rice skyrocketed. Oh yeah, you know, and they could have. That's another thing they could have done. They could have done something else. They could have, you know, you can get rice that is, that's broken. But you know, August the third, because he had this thing that he would get head feel if 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 they bought rice that was where the kernels are broken. It's weird, but that's yeah, yeah. That was uh, 
that's yeah. the thing about so back to he, just quickly relentless about that stuff he, the tasting of of august the third there uh he did have interesting things he had that great palate bud light when it came out uh, and maybe still today i don't know uh had 17 ibus okay and the third and you'll you, you can read all this in the book you know he didn't like that kind of bitterness and he would get, uh, what did you just call it, Bill? He called it head feel. He would get a head feel when he would it taste like it. A, like a little bit of a little bit of a headache right by right by his eyebrow, right behind his <laughs> oh, eyebrow. Wow. Wow. No one ever felt it, but him and Denny, Denny Long and Denny Long only felt it twice. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a stress headache right there. Yeah, yeah, a guy he had trained. But he was uh, originally convinced that it was a bitterness thing, and, and later on uh, convinced that it was a cut of rice, a certain yes. crush of, of the rice wow. that was going in. Um, now, regardless of whether this is true or not, to me, again, it the man was passionate about flavor and, and ingredients. He would have been a good home brewer. He would have been a great home brewer. <laughs> that, you know? that was the, one, the one statement that I got from somebody who, who was trying to really get it to me. And, I, and, I, when he, and he used this phrase. He said, he said, say what you will, but the man was engaged. <laughs> right. you know? And he was always in there engaged and committed. He just he didn't screw around. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he uh, he would have been. You're you're right, JP, an an amazing home brewer. They're saying uh, Bud Light now IBUs six point four. <laughs> yeah, I, I oh really Bud Light yeah. is that what you're saying? You Bud said, Light? I was Light, saying right? that the original, it, it, according to the book, and 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 maybe I, I'm wrong. I, yeah. I don't I don't remember all the numbers, but I did. I when I was taking notes, I wrote that the original recipe. So maybe it's not the one they put out, but the recipe that was given uh, to the third was a seventeen IBU version. Wow, right. Uh, so, uh, which, which then he thought was a little too bitter, even though you know the European beers at the time would be like you know anywhere from twenty four to forty or whatever, right? Um, yeah, uh, and and I heard Budweiser's that been changed, and it's it's all you know, you know that, that 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 they've changed, they've made that less IBUs too. I, I don't sure. have to back that up. I just hear it, but well, yeah. well, you know, it's easy for for us as craft beer fans right now to sit around and call them wrong about that, but the guy was right. I mean, just by market share alone, uh, that was the beer that people wanted. Yep. It's different now, but... Well, not really. Not really. (laughs) The market share still demands a lower IBU beer. Yeah, sorry. It's changing now. Right. But you're right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's still correct. Uh, Hey, Bill... Americans are used to a lighter beer. The the masses are. Right. You're right. Yeah. I mean, people who drink Bud Light, I mean, jeez, okay. They're drinking it in in enormous (laughs) volumes. Absolutely. Must taste good, though. I have a quote from you here, Bill, from your high school yearbook. Yeah. And it says... <laughs> Seems excited about that. Yeah. And it says, I'm going to be president of Anheuser-Busch. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, that was... Uh, uh, that the, the thing about our yearbook that year was each of the graduating seniors were asked what their ambition was. And I, it, it really wasn't my ambition... To be the president of Anheuser-Busch. I think I said the president of Budweiser and didn't even know how it worked. But I think <laughs> I was just trying to be cool and tell everybody I drank beer. I think I was, I was just sort of like, hey, yeah. Okay. Because back then when I was in high school in Missouri, that was as bad as you could get. You, you didn't. You, you, there, there were no drugs. You, you, that's what jazz musicians in New York did. You know, In St. Louis, you drank beer if you were really wild. Unless, of course, you were part of the Bush family. Yeah. Then you did drugs. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were the one family in... Uh... Off of jazz musicians in New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But it, 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 I did think that was pretty ironic that that is there in my yearbook. And, you know, some 40, some 50 years later, whatever it is, I don't know how many years. Right. Uh, that I would write a book about Anheuser Bush. Well, the, the reason... It is ironic, but the reason that I bring it up is because 
it, going through the book, I get the sense that you don't like the Bush family very much. No, that's not true. Okay. Actually, I, I see. You know, simply everybody reads it different. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, for example, my agent, you know, reads the book and she thinks it's really sympathetic to August the fourth. Oh. Other people read it and think it's not. Uh, I have tremendous uh, uh, respect for the family, and, and, and because you know they did something. Sure. You know, they made something happened that most families don't. Uh, they didn't arrive there wealthy. It wasn't given to them. Um, you know, a guy did this, you know, and so I, in that sense, I have great respect for them. They, they've they remained in St. Louis. They have a loyalty to that community. They could, they've got so much money, they could go anywhere. Right. They stay in St. Louis. Even August August the, the 4th, for all his Hollywood stuff, he, he stays in St. Louis. You know, that's, it's, that's their community. So there's a lot to admire. There's a lot to, you know, uh, you know, uh, Question too, but but uh, it's not. I don't like them. You know? Okay, it's so interesting. Yeah, I didn't find get... anyone to say that that August the fourth was a terrible person. You know, right? I, I guess, and I certainly don't mean to say that I felt you were attacking them at any point. I don't get that at all. It just seems that the the tone, and and maybe that's just how the story told itself, is that they're a uh, difficult to like. They have admirable qualities, but are overall a, a difficult to like family. Well, the, the, the men, you know, that you're talking about, these were very driven guys, and guys like that are difficult to get along with. I mean, I've seen that in in other, uh, uh, you know, areas of life. The people who are these great men who who are, are, are feel called upon to move a lot of people to do their will to create something, yeah, are, are tend to be very abrasive, and they See? leave a lot of wounds behind, yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of you know. But it's like you know, they think that's not that's not their destiny to worry about those people. My destiny is to do this. I'm going to do something great. And if they, you know, if they didn't behave that way, you could make the case that the stuff wouldn't happen. But right. you know, it's, it yeah. doesn't make them, you know, nice guys. I think uh, JP and I should should use that from now on. We're, people don't like us because we're 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 men of action. We're driven. <laughs> yeah. Right. I will keep reminding you. No, you're you're just abrasive assholes. <laughs> no, you may not like my ideas, but uh, in the end, I'm right, and um, I, uh, and then I'm just a pussy because I backed up. <laughs> but, you know, I worked for years for for a guy who was very much like uh, uh, August the third. His name was Barry Dillard. He was a big you know Hollywood mogul, and he was very much like that. You know, he was. Uh, I liked him a lot. Uh, he he was very tough on people, uh, and he drove you you know uh, to within an inch of your life trying to stay up with him. Uh, but he he got stuff done, and I remember one telling me you know telling me uh, I was doing something, and I was I guess I was defending the staff, and he looked at me, and there was just two of us in the room, and he said he said don't let your destiny be caught up with these people, your wow. destiny is not their destiny, and I was like wow, and I realized that that what he was telling me was that's his secret, you know that that that's how he that's how he operates. My destiny is not the destiny of the people, my destiny is my own. I'm trying to get them to do what I want because I want this done, and I think it's right. Well, that's sort of that's sort of how I perceived August the third to be. Okay, you know, as soon as that's the way he operated. It's kind of like Kevin Spacey in uh, Swim with Sharks. He yeah. plays that that ruthless <laughs> agent who just belittles and abuses his <laughs> assistant. But in the end, he's like, "I'm training you to be something better." Right. But uh, he did it in a more assholeish way. But still, <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. So, you, uh, you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Bill, uh, I want to ask you a question. Um, in writing the book, could you take advantage of the uh, like the media archive? Oh, sure. Uh, or was the media just really given the Bushes a pass to, 
throughout no, the year? No, no. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, you know, they uh, it, it's all there, and, and it's when you go through 150 years worth, it it it, it, it waxes and wanes. I mean, you know, the, the fact that that that, that Gussie Bush could be deposed by his son. You know, mm-hmm. and and tossed out of the company, mm-hmm. and have that remain a secret for fifteen years. Yeah, in a town where they had people on the on the on the staff of a of a major metropolitan newspaper who were assigned to cover Anheuser Busch. That's kind of surprising, right? You know, but that's that sort of happens institutionally uh you know the bushes put out that story uh given that gussie went along with it and never said anything else i guess no one chose to to, to doubt it or, or look at it but but that's that's what happened and but then there was times that there were things that they would get you know there was things that were reported about them and you know and, and this always happens with 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 rich people or people of prominence that that you know if if i had done it at 13 it wouldn't have made the newspapers it wouldn't have been a headline in the newspaper it's just a teenage thing well if you're a bush it, it it's it's put up there and it's embarrassing and you got to deal with it and you know and uh you know so yeah it cuts both ways you get out of a lot of stuff and you kind of get hit with a lot of stuff and sort of come to the territory have you gotten hit with, with anything have you uh, any sort of backfire because you wrote this book yeah no nothing what no. about any of your sources did they feel threatened at any time no, I haven't had anybody uh, say anything other than that they, they that they were happy with the way it came out, thought it was accurate. Uh, you're always glad to hear people say, "Boy, you nailed it," you know. Sure. Uh, and I, you know, I get emails every day from people saying, "I worked there for 35 years, and you really nailed it." Well, that's great. Wow. I didn't talk to them, but you know, um, you know, you, it's uh, it's. I'm happy with how it turned out. It's, it's it's the book I wanted to write, and I'm happy with it. Well, I think you should be happy. Uh, I'll tell you this: it's uh, for for beer nerds. You're you're absolutely going to love it. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a soap opera for beer people. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's exactly a, what it is. You know, it's <laughs> the it's, guy on line one is a caller and wants to ask a question of Bill. If that's all right, uh, sure, I can do that. Yeah, it's it's enough. I don't want you to think that only beer nerds will enjoy it, though. It's got enough beer in there to appeal to beer people and enough soap opera to appeal to your mom. Yeah, or me. I meant your I'm, mom. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. like I'm kind of like my yeah. own mother in that sense. Okay, yeah. l- uh, let's do a phone call real quick and uh, uh, caller. You're on with Bill from uh, Bitter Brew. Hey, Bill, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? Oh, not too bad. I just uh, I was curious about that because I kind of kept up with the uh, while the sale was going on with uh, AB to InBev, mm-hmm. and I, I remember reading uh, like certain articles where there was like either pushback either from the board or from Augie the Fourth or somebody that kind of it, it almost looked like it was going to stall out and never kind of happen, but then all of a sudden it came through. Did you did you ever see like in in the research for this like anything like having to do with the sale that kind of made you believe like it wasn't going to go through at one point well there were stories that 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 would they were pushing back and they certainly didn't want to sell it august the third didn't want to sell it whatever august the fourth and his his acolytes said he he initially did not want to sell it that that's one of the things i address in the in 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 the book but but the but the thing was this you know when when imbab stepped forward with a 65 dollars share offer okay 
the deal was done. There was no way they could walk away from that because it was so far and above what the stock was trading at. Had they walked away from that and said no and tried to, tried to fight it off, they would have spent the rest of their lives in court being sued by stockholders. So what they did was they tried to figure out how ways they could get around it. They they they, they did this. If we, if we buy the Mexican company Modelo, then it's going to make it worth 15 more million dollars. Maybe they won't get the financing. It'll be too expensive for them to swallow. Uh, we'll fight them off that way. And then eventually, you know, uh, the, the InBev guys got tired of waiting around and they kicked the price up to $70 a share, which made it th- the most expensive uh, transaction in, in, in business history, cash right. transaction. And, and they were able to do that because the euro was trading at three for two. They got a 30% three for two. So they had 30% discount on what they were really spending. The, the moment was right. Everything was in their favor, and there was really nothing that they can do. There was there was a lot of drama in, in the papers, and there was a whole book about it, you know, uh, dethroning the king about the drama. But it really wasn't that much drama. It was over. Uh, the Imbev guys knew what to offer, and they knew that they would get it uh, because there was no defense, and and that was it. It right. just took a couple months for them to settle on the price, and it was all over. Uh, a great explanation. We got another caller on the line. I don't have a screener, so I'm assuming it's another question for you. Caller, you're on with Bill. What's happening? Uh, am I on? <laughs> oh, drug of the week. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. I, I, I had it on my phone, and then I called in, so it canceled it out. Um, I had a question about um, Anheuser-Busch. I know in one of your previous shows that uh, I talked about Coors actually helped. I think it was Coors. They helped, like, Anchor Brewing Company or something because... Back then, the grain had some scare with the public or whatever, some sort of substance. Correct. And this small brewery called in. Um, I wanted to know if there was like another instance where maybe Anheuser-Busch did something like that to help a small brewery. That's a good question. You got any instances of that, Bill? Uh, I've never heard of such a thing. You know, Anheuser-Busch didn't do much to help small breweries. Right. <laughs> I know of. Yeah, they bought them out. Yeah, crushed them. Made the owners millionaires. That's pretty, that's yeah, pretty helpful. That's true, right. Yeah. Right. Other than that, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that. You know, they they would be more likely to try and you know uh, knock the brewery off. You know. Sure. All right. I, mean, I, t- I heard from a guy. I actually heard from somebody today who worked for the the Bush's um, longtime uh, PR firm, uh, who said that. Um, and this is one of the, the things you, you the, the people send stuff in through the through the website and stuff. That that uh, when he was at Fleischmann Hilliard, they, they they got paid by Anheuser-Busch and a lot of money to start rumors that the Mexicans were urinating in the beer that they wow. were distributing in Corona back then. I said, just to cause problems. Sure. And, you know, this a, was a corporation paying people to do that. It's just crazy, but that's what they would do. A rumor that lives on today, I will Still remind you. you. <laughs> I think I'd like Wow. Maybe because it tastes not everybody. That's viral marketing at the at the finest detail <laughs> level. Social right. media, sure. take note. The original viral marketing, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. The book is Bitter Brew, The Rise and Fall of Anheuser-Busch and America's King of Beer. It's a fascinating read. Uh, Bill, where would you prefer people purchase this book from? Do you care? Don't care. Okay. It's available on Amazon. Wherever it's easiest easiest for them. There you go. So long as they buy it. (laughs) Of course. And I suggest that it's much more satisfying when you pay full retail. But that's just me. (laughs) Yeah. My favorite part was about the pre-interview was Bill was like, uh, yeah, I talk to people all the time who are like, I loved your book. I lent it to my whole family. Right. (laughs) That's right. Well, I'm going to, I will, since we're talking about it, I'll give you my, I I paid full retail. You could be damn sure. So I bought mine through iTunes today. And 
And the audio book is more expensive than the regular book. What? I'm going to point that out. What is that, that about? And even really? though I have my... It's my iTunes account on several different devices. Yeah. I purchased it on one device, but I needed it on another so I could, you know, listen throughout the day. Right. I couldn't even move it because of stupid iTunes. This is not Bill's fault. This is yeah. iTunes rules. So I really? paid I paid top dollar, and I couldn't move the goddamn thing. I had to erase my phone for you, Bill. I had to erase <laughs> everything on my phone to put this book on it. I'm so uh, sorry. What can I do for you? <laughs> no, nothing at all. I'm, just, I'm more saying... Well, that, does he have connections with the distributors in, in Florida? Yeah, can you call uh, Can you call Steve Jobs? Oh, it's too late for uh, that. Shit. I have a Ouija board uh, you can borrow. No, I, I paid full retail, and you know what? I, I wouldn't even ask for a media copy from Bill. It's a fascinating read, and you, you guys should get this book. Um, you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, so, really well uh, done, Bill. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, guys. This is the most fun I've had on an interview. Well, good. I'm glad Ever. to hear that. I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. Wow, and that. he's done Letterman, too. Yeah. He, <laughs> Dave must be a real dick. Oh, then he's lying to us. Right. He must Don't have tell had... Dave I said that, though. Okay, right? Don't, don't. You know, I he won't hear this. I am golfing with him tomorrow. You know, just quickly, I haven't watched Letterman in a while, but I saw his Super Bowl ad yesterday. and Terrible. He's dying, right? Yeah, I think he is. <laughs> Everybody is. He's what a happened? skeleton. You think this is a skeleton crew? He's dying, this yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, hey, see... Hey, 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 he's a contemporary of mine. Hey, hey. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Whoa, whoa. He's a young man. That's true. He's a vibrant young man. That's right. (laughs) On death's door, young man. All right. It's Bill Natal Cedar's new book. It probably says William Natal Cedar on the cover. Bitter Brew. Go check it out. You're going to enjoy it. Bill, thanks so much for your time. It's it's really been fun to talk to you. Thanks, gentlemen. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. There you go. Uh, He's a good dude, and uh, I mean it. You're going to like this book, especially if you... See, I don't really do fiction very often. This this has all the intrigue of good fiction. Yeah, it really yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. and the, really the best way to... St- we touched on it earlier. The best way to study history of anything is to pick a specific story from a time period. And yeah. Like the Bush family in the 50s in America, and that'll really teach you... You can learn all around it. Yes. You know, the other thing I wanted to say to him, because he was talking about the impact that the Bush family has had on St. Louis. What if they landed somewhere else? And it did make me think that... Kind of a, a, a family impact, a family saga of, of, of that much impact on a country, it doesn't happen so often, if at all. Like right now, the name that comes to mind is very negative. The Madoff family had an enormous yeah, right. impact in such like a negative way to yeah. our country, right? But th- th- those times aren't, they're, they're just, they're not the same as they were. I'm not saying that individuals and families can't impact this country anymore, but it's, it's a little rarer, isn't it? And and the Bush family is from that era, and that is part of a of a good story. That he's right when you and when you listen to some of these things that happened, I think that sometimes you do feel sympathy for the family because they had they had your everyday problems that, that the rest of us have. That there there there's drug abuse. There's there's some psychosis murder. in there. There's yeah, murder, prostitution. There's yeah. prostitution. Yeah. Millions yeah. of dollars. Yeah. But but it's also a family that is a big family. And and there's a lot of roots there, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of wives and kids, and uh, it's still a family name, and and like it or not, they've all impacted our lives. I mean, the distribution network that we use, uh, that that I know that Sully uh, uses, that that craft beer uses, came from from this place, and uh, refrigeration in, yeah, in the, transportation. The, I I heard the reason that they put the beer in the bottles was that they didn't. Uh, uh, certain bars were actually using tap handles of competitors mm. uh, or beer of a, of a competitor and you and saying it was called budweiser so they said we got to put our beer in bottles because you cannot copy a bottle uh wow so <laughs> and in the refrigeration thing that's a big thing yeah I mean, they're the first uh nationwide brewery that basically refrigerated all their train cars and 
right. uh, during the transportation of the beer. So, yeah, it's huge. And, and certainly there's a lot of negative things that they did to the marketplace, too, trying to stomp out competition and all that. But I guess I'm probably preaching to the choir because it doesn't take much to sell a good beer story to our audience. I guess I just want to – I'm just really saying it's fascinating. It kind of uh, – very surprising to me, even some of the – uh, craziness that came out of that family. Yeah. It just made me go. Well, it's, a big part of, it's a big part of our beer history, right? Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, you wonder, you know, you were asking before the interview, um, how does a family like this with all the craziness survive? Well, it survives from the older generation, then it fell apart sure. and got sold in the younger generation. Yeah. It doesn't really survive that. It didn't really survive it. <laughs> it didn't, but you know what? Bill's explanation at the end there about the about the price of the stock, about the offer that was made, is an excellent point that may if you're not if you're not really paying attention to the business rags and you're not really a stock market watcher, you might forget the fact that uh Augie the fourth, as as fucked up as he was, um, if he's looking seventy dollars a share in the face and says no He's right. Bill was right. He has to answer to shareholders yep. for that. Yeah. For saying no to something that was they were paying probably double what the company was Nearly even double. valuated yep. at. If he would have said no to keep it in America or to keep his family name, yeah. would have been worse repercussions than he faced yeah, for well, saying yeah. yes. And his grandkids were shareholders, too. And so, yeah. yeah. And, so, and these are things, like I said, that if you don't... I'm not saying you have to be a genius to, to figure this out, but if you're not paying too much attention, you might just... You know, look at him as the bad guy, as right. the as the younger generation who fucked it all up. Well, maybe he didn't fuck it all up. You know, the, the times change. Uh, craft beer is here. Um, yeah. The wine is taking away market share. It's not just craft beer. We don't. It's not just us. Um, and anyhow, we get into five generations of family. Right. There's no clear line of succession. It was easier earlier on. Right. The eldest son would be the next. You know, the big. Plus beer, beers are right. Sure, but well, plus, once you know, once there's like uncles and nephews and all that other stuff, the only way to get out of that whole big fucking mess is to sell the place, and everybody gets their their shares. Yeah, didn't he say that they owned they only owned like three percent? Yeah, in the so end, they had basically been selling it off. You know, again, slowly. again, because probably they didn't have a choice the whole yeah. way. Once you become a public company, I mean, these things happen. You, you know. Um, I think they fucked it up. There's also though in the in the fast well, and some of that's there though, JP too. Yeah. Especially when you start to hear about how Gussie lost control of the company. It was a family coup. Yeah, it was. And and so you you not only hear about them as a family, you hear about them taking from each other as a family. Yeah, and fallouts and, uh, where they didn't speak for years at a time. Money ruins, man. Money ruins families. Or it makes it good because who needs a family when you can buy all that many yeah. hookers <laughs> right for free? Yeah. <laughs> And blow. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, when yeah. you can blow hookers. You know who I want to be when I grow up? Uh, Augie uh, the Fourth. Yeah. That's who I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. This man. He brought in the finishers. He knows how to roll. <laughs> the fin- like yeah. finishers. They had, they had the good girls and the finishers. Well, but, See, I would probably want to go with the good girls and not get any. You know, the, I think but, you're right, Tasty. I thought about that with you. Tasty would hang out till midnight with the good girls. And yeah. go home. He and, gets uh, the side boob action and that's it. And me and Sully yeah, stay for the finishers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I mean, how, how... I don't think they were good. I think they were just super prude. Like, okay, you're not going to stay and, and get laid by some multimillionaire and hopefully steal some, like, uh, China on the way out. Why wouldn't they lay the good girls? Why would they go for the finishers who were clearly less qualified than the good girls? They were cheaper. They, they, Why they, would they, they do were, that? They were it was tradition differently. It was, yes, and it's just, and this, is the, and this is the way things are done. These yeah, are the rules. Good girls finishes. Yeah. God damn it. If you're, if you're, if you're buying, uh, if you're flying a helicopter across the coast, 
to get bigger crab claws, right? What's the difference in $200 in a hot hooker versus a mediocre hooker? Idiots. <laughs> they don't know shit. <laughs> See, the younger generation... Well, we're the assuming family. the closers weren't hot. They could have been top of the line. Finishers. Right. Finishers. Yeah, get it right. I'm sorry. Finishers. <laughs> yeah, get it. Exactly. Get it right. Casey's uh, going to roll into a craft beer bar now and say, like, because, uh, you know, he was, uh, always has the ladies around him and say, hey, where are the finishers? <laughs> That's right. That's He's going to clap his hands and go, finishers! <laughs> I guarantee that Sully and I took completely different notes from this interview than most of our most of our listeners. We're like, private gent, finishers, <laughs> distributor pays for it all. Avoid uh, the dead girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't. Uh, I can't wait to interview Ian in 20 years. Uh, Sully's kid. Ian. Yeah. I was like, yeah, God, I forgot about Ian. <laughs> It was he's a long like, time he's ago. 16 now. <laughs> he's like, Ian's like 40 now, he's isn't he? He's a 40 year old man. <laughs> the second he turns 21, he's taking over the company forcefully. He yeah. He's dating eight year olds, though, isn't he? He totally <laughs> is. Why is that funny? I don't, I don't know. Uh, just checking. All right. Well, Bill's a great dude. Let's do this. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll learn some more about Sully's life, uh, as we like to do. Plus, we got some beer news for you. I got feedback to do. And at the break here, we're going to play your announcements. Hang in there. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their new Snaplock stainless steel camlock fittings will make connecting your pump or heat exchanger quick and easy. Or check out their exclusive paintball tank-based draft beer equipment. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. When Michael Fairbrother started Moonlighting, he had no idea how quickly his dream was going to grow. Having homebrewed for 15 years, Michael decided to go pro, but not with beer. While attending his homebrew club meetings, he saw ladies knocking their men out of the way to try his mead. Moonlight Meadery is now two years old and can produce 200,000 bottles a year. It's the first New Hampshire winery to ever distribute to California and Australia. In fact, you can now find Moonlight Meadery Meads distributed nationwide. And they ship direct, too. They produce 56 different varieties of mead and are unlike anything you've ever seen on the market. Michael Fairbrother at Moonlight Meadery is a real success story that can make the BN Army proud. Visit Moonlight Meadery in Londonderry, New Hampshire or online at MoonlightMeadery.com. Moonlight Meadery. Romance in a glass. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting 
Insane hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states. Plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber special secret elite bare bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy shit! NicoBrew.com. N I K O B R E W. Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzenstein. Yes, J.P. Gore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My father, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creatures and the acid. <laughs> yes, J.P. Gore, we will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power. Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Glickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to enjoy. Don't be silly, J.P. Gore. We have beer to brew. BN Army, HopTech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. HopTech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of whole leaf hops. And HopTech not only carries Y-Yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus, 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's, Nottingham, and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeved shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com. Mix me your 100-grain amber recipe, and I'm going to eat it. And then it can ferment in my gut. It totally works. The beer is almost identical to the grain sandwich. Your colon won't know what hit it. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. TheBrewingNetwork.com Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. Yes, it's the Brewing Network's Rarely Heard Announcements. I'm Moscow, and these are yours for February 4th. Well, it's time to get geared up for the third annual Humboldt Homebrew Festival. It'll take place once again at the Arcata Community Center on Saturday, April 6th. It was great last year, and this year it is sure to be bigger than ever. It is not a BJCP-sanctioned event, but homebrewers are encouraged to donate and pour their beer there. Uh, it's a great event. It helps fund clean water projects and infrastructure improvement and scholarships and all that good stuff. Uh, go to HumboldtHomebrewFest.com and type BEER in all caps. 
Next up, the 2013 Mazer Cup Mazer Mazer Cup International Mead Making Competition uh, is coming up. Compete against the finest mead makers in the world on March 15th and 16th. They are accepting entries now. March 1st is the deadline. You can even enter electronically at their website. Go to mazercup.com. Mazer Mazer M A Z E R Cup.com. And next up, the Hudson Valley Homebrewers of New York are holding their 23rd annual homebrew competition coming up March 16th. Uh, They are looking for donations to help support the event. Those donations will be given away as raffle prizes. Their website is hvhomebrewers.com. Hop Kiln Vineyards is teaming up with Bear Republic Brewery and John Ash and Company to pair their Russian River Valley estate wines with Bear Republic's fine craft beers and John Ash and Co.'s sustainable foods in a great atmosphere to kick off Wine Road's Barrel Tasting Weekend. Uh, it's March 1st. It is at the Vintners Inn starting at 7 p.m. They have an unbelievable sounding menu. Uh, there's sure to be great beer, wine, and food. Uh, you can get tickets now at Sonoma County Beer Food Wine. All right, that's it for this week. It is announcement season again, so be sure to send me your events, scott at thebrewingnetwork.com for a spot in this segment. And until the next one, this is Scott the Jew saying lachaim. program thanks for hanging out with us uh thanks very much to bill natal cedar from bitter brew that was just a, a good time for us uh, and for me to have that interview with him he's a good dude and he wrote a great book so uh go check it out got a lot of other things to do today sully's in the studio with us can you believe it you jesus <clears throat> sully you are a busy man now uh i'm tired <laughs> look at this i'm 62 now <laughs> you are 62 now you're you're 49 going on 62. Yes, or something uh, like that. Yeah, it's just been. I flew over a hundred thousand miles last year. You know, can I say about that? This has to do with your travel and where you've gone. I I often sit back, especially moving into this new studio. I'll I'll kind of sit back and think about where we started. You know, and I remember you coming on the show the first time in my garage. Yep. And standing in the kitchen with you afterwards, and you you were excited about this this brewing network, and, yeah, and just I, talking about it. You just you were very nice to me, and but then also you were you were very successful as a brew pub right there in San Francisco mm-hmm. near near Giants Park. But but so much has changed in that time. We it's insane. I, I feel like we've grown up together. We in have that, in we're that like, sense. Uh, you're right. I mean, look, your studio is really impressive here. I mean, I was actually talking to somebody who was your gardener in your old place. <laughs> And he and I, right. I and I met this guy, and he he, he wouldn't uh, he'd he go to your him. house, and he, and he never got paid. He just paid him in beer, and he would get right. drunk over there. I don't remember what his name. He was. He would get drunk and smoke weed in my backyard. <laughs> Is this so, the, the Paul the landscaper? Yeah, guy? yeah. So you I, saw this guy? <laughs> I met him. Yeah, yeah. And he just came out of the blue. He just started telling me the story, and I was thinking back about that. Like, I just remember that house and that garage, and yeah, you know. Uh, you know your ex-wife back then. And, and <laughs> yeah. it, it really has come full circle. I mean, I'm driving around downtown Martinez here trying to find your office building. <laughs> right? Yeah, and he's, well, he's got a new ex-wife, and it uh, times change. 
<laughs> I say, God, I am my father's son. Uh, but I also think of it from a from a sponsor perspective too. That you're 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 kind of our perfect example of a sponsor that fits the Brewing Network too, because you you believed in us early on, right, and put out the Twenty First Amendment message before your beer was even available to most of our listeners. Yeah, and then over the years, as it becomes available in a new state and a new market all the time. Our, our listeners are there waiting for you, and I use you kind of as a model for for companies who say, "Well, w- you know, we're only regional." And I kind of go, "So is two and a." You know, <laughs> well, it really was that way. I mean, I remember I the first show and I first met you, and I and the whole situation, and I just drank the Kool Aid that day. I mean, it was like <laughs> right. kind of like the whole canned beer thing. I mean, when I saw Oscar Blues doing this back in I don't know when it was there, two thousand five. Yeah, and I saw what they were doing. It's like, holy shit, this is the future. I think, and uh, and I saw what you were doing. I was like, man, this is really awesome. This is like a it's a grassroots kind of brewing radio, and I want to be part of this. And yeah. I felt the energy in the room, and you were, gave me a great back rub that day. I did. And, yeah, uh, lower and, back. And, and lower back. And I was sold. And, front. and, and it is true, actually. I, I, I think I've said this to you before, is that I'll go into in markets that you know we sell our beer, and I'll go to festivals, and your 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 hop grenades are fucking everywhere. Yeah, I, and and they come out of the woodwork, and they're all they all know me, and they all want to they right. want to talk to me, and they've heard about me, and they've heard about the two one a, and they've heard that commercial that's three years old now. <laughs> yeah, we got to do that. We, Nico uh, and I were talking about today. So we got to come down and just redo a new one. Nico came to uh, to our festival for the first yeah. time ever. He stopped me in the uh, park. I'm like, I didn't see the, him there. How did you get in, dude? I was like, listen, I have now known you and Sully for seven years, going on eight years, yeah. and this is your first festival. He came yeah. to Winterfest. Yeah, he lives but in uh, he, now. Creek, he's in Walnut so. Creek. Uh, at three eight nine. That kind of stuff is it's it's really fun for me to, to think about. Uh, I I don't mean that I sit around patting myself on the back about it. I mean it's a lot of fun for me to think about that you now show up at, at different events and our listeners are like, dude, that's Sully. He's been yeah. on the show since two thousand six. You they'll, know, they'll, they'll show up and they'll wear their shirts. They want pictures taken. They want. I mean, it's just awesome. I mean, it's I fun. have to tell you that you know that it it is you know wah, I have to travel a lot and it is it is brutal. <laughs> it's busy, I'm it sure. It really is brutal at times. Yeah. And uh, but when I see your your uh, you know your listeners come out and they I've made friends through this network of people in all these other cities. Like, it's great, great friends, and I'll sit around and 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 they'll want to talk about beer and, and this and that. And I'll be like, hey, well, uh, how, what's going on with the other? I'll, start, I'll talk about their personal life. Right. They're like my little family on the road. Right. Uh, so it's been great for me, honestly. You know, I'm gonna. This is where it's gonna really sound cheesy, but no, is this your Clydesdale moment? <laughs> But we really, I think we do a different kind of marketing. We we offer a different kind of marketing for companies. It's much more personal like that. Mm-hmm. We try as best we can to not really bullshit about the companies that support us, right? Now, you can put an ad in a magazine, and it's and it's effective. I, I'm sure it's effective. Yep. It must be that people are putting ads in magazines. But Sully has friends that are that are from our listenership. There's a personal message that comes out of him, and uh, and I genuinely think that that's a different type of marketing that we do. Uh, definitely, and I mean yeah. they, they, you know, they they say you know, they the market industry people mm. um, personal on a, marketing on a personal level is much more effective. Yeah, people want to know these days. There's so many options. They want to know who you're buying from. They want to know. Right. They want to know who you are. Well, what Bill, you have to do, tell a story a little bit. Bill yeah. said it best. I mean, the, the people want to, they want to hear a story. They want to hear, like, that's why craft beer sells really well, I think, is because there are real human beings behind it. Right. And like this place here, there are real, you know, people behind it, you know. Yeah, I wrote down with. Aside from Scott. But, um. Sure, he's a, he's, a, that man's a robot. He has got a great voice, though, and his hair is fucking perfect. <laughs> yeah, he's a robot. <laughs> it's looking like red, isn't it? Yeah. Red. A what a ginger! Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you know, uh, Bill did. He said uh, the, 
what the, their strategy in Anna's and Bush was make friends sell beer. Right. Yeah. That still works, right? Yeah. That's exactly what I do. I mean, look, yeah. I spent a lot of time talking. Yeah. And going around and shaking hands and yeah. kissing babies. And, right. you know, sometimes they're close to my age. But, um, <laughs> and, and, and it, it, so it, it is, it is all about that. I love talking about it. I love doing this. I love sure. getting excited and people tell me their stories. And, you know, what better job to have than to, you know, to, just communicate and talk to people about their lives and what you're doing and you know yeah. what I'm doing and what I'm doing. <laughs> well, with the downside being and I and I'm also I'm I'm honest about this. Sometimes it's awesome to meet listeners. I, and I know you know this too for for yourself. Sometimes it's so awesome to meet listeners and and have the personal relationship. Other times maybe you're tired, maybe it's been going on for a while. But because you've been on the show for 7 years, they're also like, "Hey Sully, remember that time that you did this or that you said that?" and you're just kind of like Fuck. Uh, Actually, no. I I had successfully paid my uh, psychiatrist to get that out of my memory. Uh, but thank you for bringing it exactly. up again. And <laughs> no, exactly right. If I hear, have to hear that your head's not as big as it's portrayed uh, oh, yeah. on the show. Yeah. Yeah. That w- woman doesn't look as young as I expected her to be. Right. Uh, I don't know why I keep going back to that. Um, well, I can tell you why. Because you know, if you don't, we're gonna. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, so it's great. I mean, there are those guys. There's two guys I remember meeting in Decatur, Georgia, that were just so rabid to say hello to me that I, I thought, I'm going to die right now. <laughs> They're going to love me to death. Yeah. Did, haven't you gotten distributors out of listeners from the BN? Uh, yes. Uh, just that happened uh, to work for a distrib- distribution company? David Little down in oh, yeah. uh, the Savannah Distribution. Um, he uh, grew a great friend, and they, they courted us for years, and... Uh, now we're selling our beer in Georgia. So, yeah, See. absolutely. I love it. Best part about Georgia. Well, all this brings me to uh, also just another success story uh, because I, you know, it's not often that I sit back and think about this stuff. I feel like if you spend too much time thinking about how you got here, you, you rest on your laurels. But sometimes it's fun to do. And uh, Moonlight Meadery is, yes, is a company who, who signed up with us last year. And they kind of have a 2-1-A uh, feel to them, except except with a much faster uh, growth spurt. So there's not a lot of commercial meat available. And uh, we interviewed Michael Fairbrother uh, a year ago. And, um, you know, just a home mead maker. And, and by just, I mean just one of the best mead makers ever. <laughs> and a really he, good home brewer, too. A, a great home brewer. And, and he ha- he found so much success with his meads. Uh, and he, he had admittedly, uh, among females, that he thought, well... Uh, there's not really like a fermented beverage for females that's doing incredibly well in the market, and my meads are, are uh, extremely well received. So I'm going to do this, and, and we interviewed him, and his meads were were fantastic. So we taste them on the show, and we rave about them. And listeners, as always, respond because we, like I said, we try not to bullshit here on the show. You kind of get the feeling. What happens? We never really say stuff's terrible on the show, but you know, <laughs> we're quiet. We'll kind of leave it alone. We we, we don't want to bullshit anybody, but right. we don't want to insult anybody either. But we were just very happy about these meets. So yeah. Uh, so Michael's getting emails and and requests for his meet everywhere, and he signs up as a sponsor for for most of 2012. After that show, he got an order for like ten cases to Australia or some nonsense Australia. like that. It was amazing, <laughs> right? So. For the next, uh, I don't know, 12 months, Michael, uh, uh, he, he tweets like once a week that a listener has encouraged a purchase from a liquor store somewhere in some part of the country that he had never gotten. Either some doubling of his original purchase yeah. or like, hey, could you please get uh, this meat in? Yeah. Because part of our interview was like, how are people going to get your stuff? And it was, well, you should probably ask your local yeah, place. you got to ask. you got to ask. Well, it's worked incredibly, yeah. and uh, so so Moonlight Meadery. Uh, I'm so happy to hear this because he's this awesome. was a, it started on his on, at his house. He did mm-hmm. this meadery in his garage, just yeah. like my company in in, in my garage. Um, 
he's now signed up for all of 2013, and we're going to do some new stuff with him where we're actually going to get to taste and talk about his mead yes. on kind that of a regular. Sending he's sending us, us more yes. mead. Because part of the thing is... is Wait a minute, Moscow. We get some of that. <laughs> right. Yeah, you sing it to me, not to you Moscow. You seem awful happy there. Yeah. Right. I was. You remember how he said the ladies go crazy for He said something about a lot of beer we got after around Christmas time. I haven't had any of that. Where is that? <laughs> he hasn't seen anything. Hey, when you, you can send it to Moscow, but send me a copy well, you, of what you get, yeah. like a list. You're a washing beer all the time, Tasty. You don't, <laughs> well, I you don't need the handouts. Doesn't mean I can't I complain. Oh, I see. Well, that's probably we'll true. say he's like a socialist. Well, part of the great thing about getting meat here is that meat's not really in the conversation that often. And certainly, like with tasting profiles and things like that, uh, all the blogs and everything else, everyone's just talking about tasting beer. So we're going to do some new segments with him. And I just... I wanted to thank Michael Fairbrother uh, from Moonlight, and I wanted to congratulate Moonlight on their continued growth and success. And I wanted to, yeah, just really thank them for they, they've signed up for all of 2013. And and BN Army, y- you listeners, you're the ones responsible for it because you responded to him. Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. He called JP and said, "What do I got to do? Just tell me what to do to be involved for all of 2013." And uh, that's cool stuff for us. That's you guys responding. So uh, uh, Moonlight. Yeah, That's awesome. Michael, yeah. send me an email. I'll tell you where to send the meat. <laughs> <laughs> right. He already has it taken care of. Don't worry. You'll never see <laughs> a drop of it until the show. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah, big shout out to the BN Army for for supporting that. I mean, they went absolutely friggin' rabid. Yeah, over this stuff. And and Michael's really good on social media. He lets people know, hey, you heard about us on the BN. Now go find us in your liquor store. Right. Go ask for us. Do it. Well, this is the other part. We're not miracle workers, too. Uh, listeners will kind of respond and go try it. And then if it's good, they're, they're going to rave about it. Yeah. And I think the same goes for, for Sully's beer. They could love Sully all they want. But if they go to the store and pick up Bitter American and it's not the beer that we said it was, right. well, yeah. Sully's not going to be calling me and saying, hey, thanks for the help. Uh, <laughs> so these companies are putting out great products, and yep. uh, it's, it's good to put the word out. So. Anyway, I'm excited to get our first batch of mead, which uh, now in the middle of that discussion, it reminded me, you know, you're making fun of uh, Moscow here, Tasty, for hoarding the beer. I got an email from from Steve-O, Steve-O the Mexican or whatever his name is, Yeah, that in his batch of beer, he also sent $45. No, I don't remember. Untrue. I don't untrue. remember seeing forty five dollars. It's not true. He didn't what? send forty five dollars. Maybe he's lying he about sent the sum. Fifty dollars and <laughs> Scott, got one hundred and forty five dollars. Yeah. Scott and I bought Mexican food the other night watching the Sharks game. So now uh, I know where it comes from. Well, what's what's funny is, is Steve-O was really concerned about it, but he was really shy. He sent me a like a Facebook message, and he's like. I don't know if I should say or or bring this up. Uh, this happened several weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But I I sent those bottles of beer. For the Christmas show or whatever, and I heard you guys talk about the beer, but nobody said anything about the forty five dollars. And I don't, maybe I don't want to call out Moscow. And maybe he stole I it. I didn't bring it up because clearly, <laughs> if I felt that Moscow was a thief, he wouldn't be working at the BN. <laughs> but I did. Nothing is still here, by the way. But I did think it was funny. <laughs> well, well. So here, here's how I looked at it. Like you have class action lawsuits. You ever get these, and you get like a check for a buck twenty six yeah, from yeah. some payout. <laughs> so either a million people can get a buck twenty six, right, or one guy can get, get an actual serious sum of money. <laughs> something you can do something with. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, I figured, what's the point? So you kept I, the I owe you guys five bucks. <laughs> You're tasty. Five bucks. Okay. That's, yes. That's, I, you five. I have it for you. Damn it, I need that five. <laughs> Right. It's tipping money. And while you're at it, give Sully five. He drove yes, all the way out yeah. here. Oh, he got lost. Yeah. Gotta spill that jag. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you again, Moonlight Meadery, Michael. Yeah. yeah. So we'll be talking really to Michael amazing. throughout the year when we taste his mead. And um, I think he got us hammered last time we drank all his mead. So I that'll be... Too. Uh, Susie just messaged me. She goes, I want mead with like 18 exclamation points. 
Best show up, baby. Uh, on Dr. The Moscow. Next show. We're going to have it. it uh, we're going to have it by then. Oh, we will. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's what. Is that next week's show? Yep. We got Jester King in the studio. Yeah. So Can't not only are we talking, show. we're going to be doing good sour beers. We're going to have some nice meads. I'm I'm calling cabs oh, for everyone a, and put on the BN What, what, what yeah, day is that? Fine. Sunday or Monday show? It's a Sunday, Sunday show. show. Well, I was going to go to Sour Fest first. That's you still can't? Work. That event starts at 11. I know, yep. but I can't drink sour beer yeah. all day. You can drink a couple. Especially because well. you're going to come here and there's going to be a shitload more sour beer. I'll bring antacids, I think. Well, there we go. <laughs> I'll bring the antacids, you guys. Please yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, the beers from Jester King uh, are already in the fridge and they look fan-freaking-tastic. So it's going to be a drunk show next week, it sounds like. Yeah. Planet. I like that. That's one part I like about SF Beer Week is that we get brewers in from out of town. We, we've gotten Jamie in from Ninkasi because of it. Brewers who will kind of tell us, "Oh, I'd love to do the show," and then never come out and do no. the show. But if they're in town for SF Beer Week, we get them in here. So uh, it's good to have the boys from Jester King. They they made some headlines recently too. I think I've seen that. Where are they located? <clears throat> Austin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of headlines, uh, how about some beer news, Moscow? Sure. Well, I was going to start off with. Uh, the uh, Pliny release, but we covered that, so let's go to a Surly Brewing story. They have secured nearly $2 million in environmental cleanup grants that they were seeking to develop a $20 million, 60,000-square-foot destination brewery near the University of Minnesota's uh, TCF Stadium. Stop, 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 stop. How do environmental cleanup grants fund a brewery? Uh, well, the site that they want to uh, oh. develop on was an old food processing plant, and it, you know the soil is contaminated and et cetera. So before construction can even start, the federal whatever administration is demanding <clears throat> cleanup, and Surly said, well, then you got to give us the money to clean up before we can do a build-out. Yeah, but wow. So clean it up, and then it's a clean piece of dirt. It's not a clean uh, new uh, brewing Destination? Yeah. Well, well, they're putting up the other eighteen million. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's I. I suppose they're borrowing it. Yeah, that's correct. They're putting up the money for the build out, but they wanted a grant for the cleanup. I see. Yeah. I hope that's the case. Otherwise, yeah. as a liberal, I'm feeling duped. <laughs> I'm feeling like they're playing on my heartstrings. They might be. <laughs> well, the dirt needed to be cleaned before anything happened. So whether they're going to go in there or not, it just so. I see. What is this brewing destination anyway? Is there a roller coaster next to what the stadium? <laughs> they, uh, it's plans for it's going to be a brewery, a production brewery, uh, and a restaurant, a beer garden, and event center. That's okay. what they're describing. Uh, you might remember in, in 2011, Surly uh, was the brewery that persuaded the state legislature there in Minnesota to pass the uh, so-called Surly Law. It allows breweries to sell beer on site uh, in tap rooms, uh, and yeah. uh, the law has fueled a, fueled a, a huge. A brewing boom in Minnesota. Right. Uh, crazy, right? That a, a, reg- a regulation, um, a lack of regulation would lead to wild prosperity. Oh, yeah. yeah who knew? And lots of, and lots of tax <laughs> revenue. And Yeah, and exactly. Lots of, yeah. So um, let's, uh, I guess, yay that the, they're getting money to clean up the dirt. It is yay. I don't know much about Surly. I did not like them in the beginning. We worked with them just a little bit on an anniversary party, and they were friends with Northern Brewer. And I tried to thank them personally, and they treated me like I was a piece of shit. So I was not happy with them. Well, but they then are I, called Surly. They are called yeah, Surly. Omar is I know. a very Surly guy at times. So. But then I met Omar <laughs> at GABF last year, and it turns out they're, they're cool people. So I have nothing against them. They were nice. Apparently, maybe I caught them on a bad, a Surly day. I don't know. A great so. beer, though. Great beer. And they put it their is beer, good beer in cans. That's uh, right. And some tall boy cans, yeah, too. 16 ounces. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's what beer should be in. I like that. 12 ounces. Well, good for them. <laughs> I hope that the <laughs> environment gets cleaned. <laughs> 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 uh, 
a startup Brooklyn beer company known as Narwhal Brewery has lost a battle over its name with uh, one of the biggest fish, no pun intended, in the craft beer sea, Sierra Nevada, yeah. uh, who will continue to make an imperial stout that they call Narwhal. Uh, the brewers behind the startup uh, totally understandably sought to avoid a lengthy legal duel with Sierra, and they have renamed themselves Finback Brewing. They had registered as an LLC in 2011, uh, and then Sierra created the stout a year later and then filed for the federal trademark, and the startup had never secured it. So there was a dispute, but it, it didn't last long because the uh, the guys didn't want to fight Sierra. Right. They could have won because all you have to do is start first, but the, the battle would have would have bankrupt them. Uh, in other news, both names suck anyway. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, f- f- what is it? Backfin? The new one? Finback. Uh, well, the Norwell. Who wins that? What's that? Bat, fat back? <laughs> It's so uh, as bad as fin, flat tail. Back fat. Oh, wait. Fin back fat. Fin no, back. I mean, Narwhal is an okay name for a beer. It's, it's the unicorn it's of the okay. sea. I mean, that's all right. It's a shitty brewery name, and yeah. so is fat back. Right. Fin, fin back. Whatever. <laughs> so, uh, but, but, Justin, I actually own that. <laughs> Damn it. Where, yeah. where, where is their brewery located? <laughs> yeah. um, where is it anyway? This is in... God, you know, I didn't write it down. Sorry. Google it. You know, Google it. You, I'll Google you. Is anybody against this stuff anymore? I, I mean, I feel like you don't go after the little guy or anything. But look, if you've put, you know, put it, a bunch of money into a brand, you protect it. It's oh, what, I love it. It goes on so often. Yeah. It happens with us all the time. It happens with me all the time. People are doing something, and you go like, no, you, we, there's a 21st Amendment in San Francisco. Oh, uh, yeah. Southern California. <laughs> right. That's been here since. And I suggest, yeah. and you know, you just have to have a friendly conversation, and then... Right, you take notes and you talk to your lawyer, and then you know. It, but it's happening more and more. I mean, it you, is. You know, even guys like Vinny, I've heard, have had issues in the past, and you just you got to do it, man. It's just yeah, all the good names are being taken. Yeah, which Pliny is why, the older risk. Yeah, which is why they got stuck with Narwhal. <laughs> well, well Sierra Nevada was certain that they would not have a copyright problem with Narwhal. And that that friendly conversation you mentioned, Sully, that did happen. Sierra agreed to chat with them, brewer to brewer, but the conversations with uh, Brian Grossman. Uh, they just failed to resolve the situation. All right. And uh, the the the, uh, the Finback guys, they had sunk some capital into merchandising under Narwhal, and they just ate it. Yeah, you, yeah. Just, you have to do, at very least, a Google search. The, your yeah. due diligence. New brewers out there. Yeah. Well, Nor- your Sully tip of the week. <laughs> yeah. Narwhal Google. didn't exist, though, at the time. Well, Narwhal- but, the, but the beer did, didn't it? No, no. no. Oh. Narwhal was made after these guys started, but they just never it's, secured a copyright. I see. That's what I'm saying, is that the truth is, Narwhal, the brewery, if they had anything to show date-wise that they started first, they had a case. However, the litigation would have bankrupted them. Yeah, yeah. So it's a weird thing there. But still, you know, look, uh, you were going to get beat anyway. If Sierra Nevada has Narwhal and you, you had it a little bit first, move but on. you don't even have a product, it's time to move on. Yeah. Which it sounds like they did, and, and, and that's fine. And what are they doing making merchandise before they before make Before they're open? It, right. Who does that? Right. <laughs> Heretic had this problem, too. They were a t-shirt company. What, what was it? Uh, I'm kidding, because I know that's what they did. Evil Twin or whatever? Evil Twin Brewing. Or is is that, is that what's the name of the brewery? Is it Evil uh, Heretic- Twin? Yeah, there is Evil, Evil Twin, Twin Brewing Company okay. out of uh, So, Jamel had had Evil Twin out in the marketplace beforehand, uh, uh, both as a sold homebrew name, because he was selling homebrew kits, and then as his own, and then Evil <laughs> Twin uh, Brewing Company came out. And as far as I could tell, Jamel was like, look, I'm not even going to, you can do it, but you, but it has to be licensed by me, because if it's not, if I don't give you the okay, then it shows that I didn't. Say it's okay, exactly. and anybody can do it. So as long as you, I'm not even going to stop you. Just let me write you this piece of paper that says I'm I'm letting you do it. And and even that, it turns out into a stink. 
The hop grenade is the same thing. Uh, it comes up uh, about tw- uh, twice a month now. Mm. And I do, I have the friendly phone call. And sometimes it goes okay. Most of the time, they talk to me like I'm an asshole. Twice a month, that frequently? Now, it didn't used to be that way, but now it's crazy. It's happening all the time. Are they br- breweries that all want it? It's usually small breweries um, who may or may not know about our logo. I don't know. Uh, and usually I say, look, if you've spent money on like merchandise and stuff, sell the merchandise. I don't give a shit. But you can't produce anymore. You have to stop. You can't make a big brand out of this. I actually own the trademark. It's, uh, it's an actual registered trademark. There's not. A, I don't have to prove that I've been in business longer. You can look at the, at the, at the trademark office. Uh, but it happens. And it sucks. And, you know, I, and I hate it. And, you, Sully, you probably do, too. Every time it comes up... I don't want litigation. I don't no. even want to make the phone call that says, hi, I'm the guy who has to tell you it looks like a great idea. I'm always that guy. Nico doesn't do it. I always do. I'm I hate like, it. Hey, come here. I'm a, yeah. I'm going to talk to you about something. <laughs> we got to so, have a talk. Okay. So did you know that... Uh, yeah. No, I mean, honestly, it's gone very well up to this point. It does suck getting lawyers involved because you don't want to have to, you know, have them do that because it's, it's expensive. But right. uh, I did make a hop grenade IPA. And I, you did talk to me last week about that. Uh, yeah, and I'm, and I'm not doing it, by the way. Yeah, I did. My my call to Sully wasn't as friendly. I was like, Sully, fuck <laughs> you. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, I'm glad it got ended quickly and no one went bankrupt. Although yeah. I wish they had picked a better name after their first shitty name. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> just for their sake. Go ahead. Uh, well, apropos of our conversation with Bill. Uh, AB InBev is trying to salvage its $20 billion acquisition of Grupo Modelo. Uh, we talked about this a whole bunch. Uh, they're, uh, they're trying to gain a clear path into the beer market in Mexico, which uh, is a potential bonanza, needless to say. Uh, but in a move that surprised everybody, just last week, the U.S. government sued to block the merger right. on grounds that the deal would, quote, substantially lessen competition in the market for beer, end quote, in the U.S., and cause higher prices and fewer choices for American consumers. And I have to... Now, I don't care about the fewer choices. I don't think that's a valid argument, but the but the cost issue is a valid argument. Not that I'm buying any of the big beer companies' beer anyhow, mm. but historically... Uh, what has kept uh, uh, the Miller Coors, uh, or, or I guess it's SAB Miller, and uh, InBev Anheuser-Busch from raising their prices willy-nilly because basically Anheuser-Busch sets the, the market price. And SAB Miller usually just follows. Whatever Anheuser-Busch does, SAB Miller does. The one uh, factor that has kept them at bay have been the Grupo Modelo because they keep their Corona and Modelo, all their products, at a lower price. And they're selling a shitload of beer. So they've kept a competitive advantage because Anheuser-Busch and, for that matter, SAB Miller has known that they would lose market share if they went up here, uh, you know, three bucks more, and Modelo Group kept their stuff lower. Well, if Modelo Group is owned by uh, InBev, then there is no longer a giant buffer left in the market for those beer drinkers. No third person. Now, exactly. Who's the third per- I mean, is craft beer the third? Well, first of all, no, no because no. it's more expensive. Different and two, product. it's a different product. It's a different uh, a market for it. Yeah. But w- but wouldn't the market still correct itself? Because they, first of Maybe. all, they, they already own half of Grupo Modelo, but it's irrelevant. If they owned it all and they wanted to sell six packs for twelve ninety nine, would the market not correct itself? Would Would people not... And mass switch over to you can get light loggers that are craft beer. Well, you're right. It it wouldn't skyrocket instantaneously. And yes, you can get other things, but the propensity for it to to steadily rise without something. I mean, competition is part of keeping prices down. Of course, in every market, 
And that's why antitrust laws exist. If you eliminate competition, I do, I'm not all for regulation either. All right. I'm not saying that every industry should have crazy regulations. I believe in a, in a free market, but a lack of competition historically is very bad for the consumer. But it's not a lack of competition. It's a lack of competition in the category of huge global brewer. There's, there's plenty of competition. There's a million other products on the shelf. Yeah, but that's not, it's not really the same. The, the same money isn't spent on advertising to, to make that market uh, public, the product uh, public. The, essentially, the main competitor to InBev and SAB Miller is Grupo Modelo. In terms of pricing. Yeah. If you take that out, I'm just saying it's a slippery slope. It gets it gets weird, and I don't like anti. I, I don't like monopolies in general. I don't. I don't think anybody does. I think the U.S. government has the right to question this. When uh, did you become so smart? I don't I mean, know. I, I'm just like an econ <laughs> class right now. Holy shit! I think it's those books on going, tape. Think, yeah, it's, I get my news on books now. Uh, sorry, news on ta- whatever, <laughs> whatever I get. It. Uh, I heard that. I was <laughs> listening to that book. <laughs> yeah. I Justin, just, Jesus uh, Christ, wow. <laughs> I was always, looking at you like in your chair is higher than everybody else. By that, the way. So this, you, and you look like you're the uh, professor here. Well, it's he's, just my high chair. He's regurgitating NPR, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, AB InBev, is, uh, they are, of course, denying the charge that there will be uh, fewer choices for American consumers. Of they course. argue that the U.S. market has plenty of choices when it comes to beer. Now, for them, it's essentially either litigate, negotiate, uh, or walk away. And their initial response as of last week was aggressive. Basically, you're stupid, and we'll see you in court. And and I will follow this story closely just because I'm curious. I I, I could be wrong. I I just I don't like a lack of competition. I think it gets ugly. But it's we just have. I, I agree with you. I think everyone does. But it's how do you sit that that's a lack of competition? I, don't, I we're not interpreting a lack of competition in the same way. That's true. Viable but that's because you don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in other words, if it went to thirteen ninety nine a six pack, people would just buy it. No, no. I, in fact, I said, I admitted, it's not going to skyrocket like that. But uh, the, the craft beer is not competition right now. Okay, not so there's not a, there, yeah, there's a million craft beers. It's not competition. These are the products that people want. And no, they're they're not going to be able to charge thirteen ninety nine right now. Okay, fine. Make, make it eight ninety nine. Then people will buy it. Uh, well, it, yeah. It's almost okay, there. so so what? <laughs> That's what the market yeah. will bear. I j- but the market should be kept lower, and what? there should be competition to do that. Because I think I think it's important for consumers to be. They don't have uh, you know. Yes, I, I know the the philosophy that the buying power of the consumer is the final word. But the truth is, uh, that's also dictated by availability. And and if nothing's available at less than eight ninety nine, well, then people are kind of getting fucked. Especially because we all know that that product is worth a lot less than that. That being said, I bought six packs for like nine ninety nine today. <laughs> all the craft beer, and that's too, uh, that's too much for me. I don't entirely yeah. disagree with you, Moscow. And in fact, I know where you're going with that, JP. Yeah. Too. That's actually part of my argument. I, I you know, uh, I know that the market sort of regulates itself. Right. But it regulates itself in part also due to competition. Definitely. And, and, so. and, and the point of antitrust laws was to keep standard oil from owning every gas pump in the world so yeah. that they could charge 20 bucks a gallon and no one could do anything. But it would skyrocket if it was a true monopoly. I understand. But at 80% of the beer sold in the United States, it's the equivalent of a standard oil. You know, it's a lot of beer. Okay, one last story from, uh, this is actually involving a, a, a 
story I brought up maybe just a few weeks ago. If you guys remember uh, Strange Brew, the home brewing shop in Massachusetts, and a Colorado brewery called Strange Brewing Company had a little spat. Another trademark over that name. Yeah. Well, interestingly, just today, uh, firefighters had to extinguish a fire inside the Strange Brew home brewing shop. It's in Marlboro, Massachusetts. Mm, Uh, Fire chief. Was there also a horse head found in the owner's bed? (laughs) (laughs) Clydesdale. (laughs) 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 It sure would be a shame if this place burned down. Uh, Fire Chief James Fortin said uh, a call reporting smoke in the building came in around uh, 1.40 p.m. The firefighters were already in the area. They extinguished the fire pretty quickly. It hadn't gotten out of control yet. Uh, The store manager said he and the employees were working inside. They smelled smoke and uh, called the fire department. They're saying it was restricted to inside and exterior wall. So as of now, it seems like it was just electrical or whatever. (laughs) There's no foul play. Right. Uh, But it does seem interesting that uh, (laughs) they uh, were, were vilified as douches on the Internet, and now there's a fire in the shop. Well, listeners, I will have you know, uh, we were apt to jump on the They Are Douches bandwagon uh, for their litigation. It did seem a little bit strange, but Uh we took the journalistic approach and... uh, Ask them to be on the program yeah, before we've said very much about it. Yes. They have re- they have uh, not responded to any of our uh, contact requests to come on and tell their side of the story. Uh, it doesn't make them villains, but I, I don't know. I still find the whole story very strange. I do, too. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't find it strange enough to burn the place down, but maybe somebody else did. I probably didn't use enough gasoline. <laughs> I should have known better. Wow. <laughs> All right, well, there's your beer news. Out loud voice. All right, fantastic. Good job today, Moscow. Uh, you made me sound smart, and that's difficult to do. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> so, Talk about a backhanded compliment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you made me sound I'm smart. I'm impressed. <clears throat> All right. Hey, Sully, did you just put out a Saison in a can? Yes. That's a damn good beer. I just had yeah. some over at Creek Monkey before the show. Oh, oh you did? I'm really yeah, enjoying it right uh, here. You don't have one? No. Sneak Attack, yeah. I think it's yeah. called, right? Sneak Attack. It's a it's a Saison. We brew it with a little bit of cardamom, and it's available in six packs. See, you are not a dummy. That is a good beer to put out in a can. Yeah, it was, it's uh, it's my favorite beer we make right now. Is it really? Yeah. Better than Bitter American? Because that's the best beer that I have found on the market right now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he, he is a Bitter American fan. He loves that yeah. stuff. No, I, I can never I, get enough of it. I just like this one. It's 6.2% alcohol. It kind it drinks uh, light, but it's got a little pa- impact to it. We The marketing line is that we're bringing summer to winter. You know, Typically, Saisons are released during the summer months. And uh, uh, when you your, your winter beers are stronger, they're barley wines, they're big beers. So this is, uh, this is actually kind of what Bitter American was, which was our late winter seasonal, and now it became a full-time beer, so this is replacing that. Okay. Yeah. Are you still uh, basically e- evaluating and producing all these at the pub first yes. before you decide how to yeah. do it? And, and then you're the guy, you know, we've always made fun of you for not being the guy in the brewery anymore, but you're the guy who goes out to the big brewery and makes sure this stuff gets done right. Yeah, we have a, we, we've had more people involved now because we've gotten bigger. Okay. But, uh, I mean, I design all the recipes. I'm out there for the first batches when they're brewed. I mean, we're actually, tonight, we're bottled, or can't, Jesus Christ, Sean, I said bottled. <laughs> Can we do this over again the whole show? <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, we're canning uh, our barley wine. It's coming out in an oh. 8.4 ounce slim can. Nice. It's called Lower to Boom. It's uh, 11.5% alcohol. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. A little four-pack. It's really cute. So I know that you had anybody going into a new brewery. Caller, I hear you on the line there. Just hang on a second. Uh, <laughs> any uh, any new brewery you have difficulty uh, getting the beers exactly where you want them to be. And Cold Springs has made a ton of changes because of you guys. Yeah, they've installed a brand-new 75-barrel, five-vessel 
Hoopman system, same system that uh, actually Firestone Walker installed last year. Oh, yeah. And uh, brand new building, 450-barrel conical fermenters. I mean, big, big stainless you know, hard on. Uh, right. It's, uh, it's been great. And it's been a little bit of a struggle dialing those beers in. Uh, it, Cold Spring, you know, is an old, you know, Midwestern lager brewery for a number of years, and we went out there, and they never dry hop yeah. before or any, done any sort of weird kooky stuff that we do, like with Monk's Blood or anything like that. And so it was a huge learning process. And now that we've gone to the new side, as we call it, uh, it's still been a little bit of a, a growing pain as well. So you're, you know, it, it hasn't been, uh, it, it hasn't been, you know, blowjobs <laughs> and unicorns. Is that, right? Is that uh, a big part of your travel schedule? Yeah. You have to spend a bunch of time there. It, back there, uh, a lot of, a lot of it though is like marketing, talking, okay. and all that. But uh, it's also coming up with these new collaborations. We've got a collaboration. I, I actually really haven't talked about it publicly. We're going to be doing a pumpkin uh, beer collaboration with uh, Dick Cantwell, the Legion, this year. Oh, nice! And that's going to come out in October. I've never told anybody that until right now tasty just made a face i love it pumpkin, pumpkin beer. beer is amazing <laughs> oh yeah if and done right if done right are you gonna back off in the nutmeg for us yes thank you there will be light spicing because i think that connotes or denotes um sure uh, pumpkin beer but uh we're gonna have a lot of fun with it okay you guys want to try this caller I can hear him in the in the very background. He's What's already going on? How do you himself. how do you know? I don't have a call screener. I can see my calls coming through, and I I hear everything, Sully. I do know you? what's happening, and I, he's talking to himself on the other end, which makes me nervous to take this call. But let's try it, shall we? Do it, caller. You're on the air with Sully. What's happening? <laughs> Is that me? That's you, buddy. Who are we talking to? Holy fucking shit, man! I told I'm you. I'm calling it for drums of the week. I've been loving the conversation so far. Okay, that's great. Uh, With yourself, or do you mean us? Yeah, who, <laughs> he, must, he must be drunk. Uh, who are you, and where are you calling from? Uh, should I give my full name? No, no, just, no just your first name's no, fine. Just, but your credit card number is right. just, just fine. I'm Richard. I'm calling from Burbank. <laughs> I, I've tried to call in so many fucking times, it's not even funny right now. Okay. My house is going crazy at the moment. Oh, yeah? Crazy how? Like Augie Bush the fourth crazy? <laughs> Dead gar- girl in the room? Yeah, you got a pile of coke on your yeah, like, like Like fucking daytime strippers and then nighttime strippers. <laughs> right. They're called closers or finishers. 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 Yeah, yeah, we got finishers. Right. <laughs> All right. What's his name? Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Jeff. His there name's Jeff. There you go. <laughs> All right. No, uh... Hey, you know what? I, I know I'm calling in for Drunk of the Week. I just got to say this. Though. I was thinking about this earlier. Um, did you guys watch Brewing Wars? I know you did an interview with the uh, the lady who did it, but did you guys watch the, uh, the documentary? Uh, Beer Wars? Yeah, Beer Wars. Yeah, Thank you. I watched the documentary, and yes, we interviewed yep. uh, the, yes. Annette. Annette, yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I got to, can I say this? Can I can I just be honest? On yeah, do yeah. you want, man. Yeah. I fucking hate InBevs, but goddamn, they're a good company to invest in because they keep fucking over the little guys. Mm, well, they used to be a good company to invest in. You're late to the bandwagon, though. Um, yeah, yeah, their stock has skyrocketed, actually. Yeah. I've been keeping track of that daily. Yeah. <laughs> well, more, but, uh, more importantly, Rich from Burbank, um, we have instituted some new rules for Drunk of the Week, and you will have to pass a few tests. Uh, okay. In order to compete, actually, AB Inveb is trading at eighty-seven, eighty-seven sixty-seven a share, oh. and it's down four sixty-one. Well, that's not too bad. Not really. They bought they at hit, seventy. Didn't they hit ninety this week, like ninety-four this week. Or I don't know. What am like I that? smart? Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. 
right. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a, uh, a couple of tongue twisters that you're going to have to uh, say back to me. It's going to help us evaluate uh, your motor functions. All right. Are you ready? Guess not. He scared him off. His motorfucker, he can't even stay on the phone. I guess when I I told him to get out of here, I guess he thought I was serious. Wow, you scared him. That was great. Rich is gone. Failed. (laughs) Wow, what happened there? Did you? See, in the old days, we would have already put him in for drug of the week. Right. But it's cream of the crop, baby. You got to compete now. Yep. That might mean he's really drunk. He heard I have to do something and went, I'm out of here. Yeah, I'm out. You're right. I'll put him in for drunk of the week. Yeah, that's good enough for me. All right. Hey, real quick, if you're looking uh, for some beer recipe software and a way to increase efficiency uh, and fun, for that matter, on your brew day, check out the Beersmith Brewing software. You can go to Beersmith.com, get your free 21-day trial. And, uh, you know, I, this is another small company that uh, in this in this industry that I'm, I'm just fascinated with, and I really like them, and I like to watch them grow, and they're growing along with us. Brad over there at Beersmith is, is just a nice dude, and he's, he's put out a couple editions of the software since uh, we started. You know, when I started the Brewing Network, actually, I did a bunch of research about are there other companies around like us? You know, Sully, like you recommended that a, a new brewery do. Yes. Yeah. Fucking Google it, for God's sake. Exactly. And Beersmith is, is one of the companies that I found. Back then, they were kind of just a, a beer forum um, and, and trading recipes and things like that. Uh, but they've since become uh, the premier brewing software company. And I just, it, to watch that growth is pretty fascinating. Uh, check actually, it out, though. I've actually used them. <clears throat> oh, you have used it? Yeah, I have used it. I'm Absolutely. telling you, it, I mean, it's it. when you kind of go back to the other brewing software after you've checked out Beersmith, um, I can understand the familiarity of the older brewing software, but it sort of feels like you're using a Commodore 64. <laughs> it does, actually. <laughs> like, it's very archaic. Like, the even the images are sort of, you're like, ah. I remember using the other software for the first time going, oh, this, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, there's software for this. <laughs> I uh, put a number in the machine. <laughs> and then I used Beersmith, and it's it's a, a very different animal. But you don't have to take my word for it. You get a free 21-day trial just by going to Beersmith.com right now. It works on both PC and Mac, and uh, it, it's just a, a fantastic piece. Uh, also, the guy's updating it all the time. Um, it's his job, and uh, you know that if you have to send uh, threads. If you're having a difficulty, he actually answers your email and all that. Plus, there's a blog and a and a video interview series and you can trade uh there's like 2000 recipes or more there's a whole recipe site all sorts of stuff uh go to beersmith.com and check it out and and you won't be disappointed but uh if in the off chance that you are uh because you're retarded uh you haven't paid any money it was a free trial that's true <laughs> so, or you can pull the trigger they're in the store right now oh that's right you we actually we sell uh, physical copies now that's true ah that's go correct to, go to the brewing network store and uh you can get your copy that way Okay, um, I see the phones are blowing up, so why don't we do this? Um, we'll take a break. I'll put Moscow on the phones, because we don't have Susie in here today. So we'll put Moscow on the phone. Susie? Uh, oh, that's, oh, it has been a while. So when Bevo, Bevo can't, can't make it, uh, Bevo's still alive. Okay, good. Barely. She's fatter. Is she? But alive. Did she had a child, right? Yeah. She had a child. Okay. She's still cute as hell. Okay, good. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Uh, so Susie fills in for her. And okay. Susie lets the cleavage fly also and can put up with our bullshit. But Susie couldn't make it either, so she's doing the chat room remotely. Mm. A lot of technology in this new studio. 
Sully. Where's she in India or something like that? Or <laughs> she's in a dungeon. She's actually just right below us. We just won't <laughs> let her in the up in the studio. Um, so Moscow will take your phone calls. We'll be drunk of the week. Uh, plus, we got a couple of other things uh, up my sleeve, and uh, we'll do all that uh, when we come back. A little more with Sully, and we'll wrap things up and get out of here. Hang in there. It's the session. You're listening to the Brewcasters. Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. All right, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit Austin Homebrew homebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have mini clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit austinhomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, austinhomebrew.com. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for any beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone certification program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Did you know the Brewing Network's very own code-writing fool's son, Ryan Wolf, has opened a beer mecca in Missouri? The Wolf Brow House of Beer has hundreds of beers from all over the world and is conveniently close to I-70 in St. Peter's. Free tastings, Saturdays, 4 to 6 p.m., featuring special guests from local breweries, the best build-your-own six-pack around with every style represented, and kegged craft beer available for your kegerator, too. There's always something new at the Wolf Brow House of Beer. New and hard to find beer every week. No two visits are the same, just like passing out at the Rat Pad. Hi, this is Ryan from Wolf Brow House of Beer. Mention the Brewing Network when you stop in for some cool free stuff. Mention JP for a swift kick in the ass. The Wolf Brow House of Beer. Beer with personal service from a member of the BN Army. This is code. Visit my son's shop or I'll yank the fuck BN website down. www.wolfbrow.com 
here's a bite for beer lovers. Soft caramel made with real craft brew and coated in chocolate. And hop drops. Hard candies made with real hop oil. Introducing Beer Candy from BeerCandy.com. Beer Candy's amazing caramels come in four mouth-watering flavors. IPA, bitter gold wrapped in smooth white chocolate. Lager, made with a familiar beer from Boston and coated in milk chocolate. Lambic, soury Belgian goodness full of fresh raspberry and dipped in dark chocolate. And stout, roasty cocoa chocolate insanity. Hop drops are made with fuggles or cascade hops and are known as the candy that bites you back. Choose from sampler and full sizes of both and make your mouth jump to life. All at beercandy.com. Hop drops and beer caramels. Satisfy your sweet tooth as only a beer lover could with beer candy. Visit beercandy.com today. into the city. It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? <laughs> Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. <gasps> it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you massive selection and superior customer service comes the Home Brewer. Wait till you can pour it out of your own kegerator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your friends will look at you with awe. And it's just hot. It is? It's so super hot. <laughs> the, the home of live beer radio. Because like beer, radio shouldn't suck. You're listening to The Session. In a bar alone I'm sitting Apart from the laughter and the cheer While scenes from the past rise before me Just watching the bubbles in my beer And I'm seeing the road that I've traveled A road paved with heartaches and tears Seeing the past that I've wasted While watching the bubbles in my beer A vision of someone who loved me Brings a long silent tear to my eyes As I think of a heart that 
golden chances that have passed me by Oh, I know that my life's been a failure And I've lost everything that made life dear And the dreams I once dreamed now are empty As empty as the bubbles in my beer Of someone who loved me Rings a long silent tear to my eye And as I think of the heart that I've broken And of the golden chances that have passed me by Oh, I know that my life's been a failure I've lost everything that made life dear Dreams I once dreamed now are empty As empty as the bubbles in my beard You're listening to The Brewing Network Because like beer... All right, welcome back to the program. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, real quick, you know, hey, if you're looking for things for sex, um, you're probably Augie Bush the fourth. But if you're looking for fake things for sex, then you can go to AdamandEve.com right now and use coupon code BNARMY, and uh, a bunch of cool things will happen. Uh, first of all, uh, you'll get fifty percent off just about any item. Just pick an item. I don't care what it is. It could be an anal plug. It doesn't what? matter to me. But you get about uh, you get fifty percent off just about any item. Then what'll happen is you're gonna get to pick three free adult DVDs, and you can choose from genres such as Asian, uh, or fetish, or chunky, or POV, or uh, lesbian. Lesbian. Thank you. Vinyl. Mm, I don't think that's a category. Sully. Well, you should write to them though. I'll give you the sites I go to. <laughs> <laughs> Sully is the new category. The new, the new category. BN category no, in Adam and Eve is Sully. No, that's young and old. That's right. what that category is. Uh, anyway, you get three free adult DVDs from all sorts of different things. Then you're going to get uh, free shipping, all by using coupon code BN Army. And then you get a, a free gift. So awesome, it's sensual. I think that's the tagline, right? It's. Uh, I, th- I think it's. I think it's so sensual. It's really awesome. I think you had it backwards. You're probably right. Thank you. Uh, but they are a sponsor of ours, and we do have fun with this ad because they've asked us to, and it is a, it's a fun ad to do. But uh, truth be told, they sponsor us because you guys respond. So go to adamneve.com right now and use coupon code BNARMY. Have a little fun with it. You know, Valentine's Day is coming up. Mm. Um, people have sex on Valentine's Day, apparently. Give them candy and give them a dildo. And uh, <laughs> there are things. They say, finish yourself off. i got to go through archives of lunch meat, bitch. <laughs> right. Uh, so go to adamandeve.com right now. Use coupon code B-N-A-R-M-Y. B-N-Army. They check up on me. 
by the way. They're like, hey, your code yeah. didn't get used this week, so <laughs> every week. Help us out. Sully, you should take a cue from these people. They're like, uh, hey, uh, no one's using the code. Uh, we're going to cancel. We're going to do this. And I never hear from Sully. Sully signed up uh, seven years ago. I haven't heard from him since in terms of how the ad's going. He's like, ah, is it going? Yeah, it's going. Great. Uh, Adam and either like, every week, hey, that code's not getting used. It's got to get used. I'm totally going to use it tonight. <laughs> yeah. And tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow night. Great. I can get going here. Right. 50% off. All right. So check it out. Um, God, we got to do feedback before we go, too. But uh, the phones are lighting up. I guess we have uh, Susie Q, who's uh, operating our chat room remotely on the line here. Suzer, what's happening? What up? How you doing out there? And where the hell do you live? Like uh, Los Angeles? Los Gatos. Los, Los Gatos. Gatos. Oh, Los Angeles. I forget. She drives six hours. <laughs> yes, I drive from Los Angeles all the way up to go hang out with you guys in Martinez. It's bad enough that I do it. Like, and it takes me an hour and 45 minutes, but yeah. I knew you were dedicated, <laughs> so I, I forgot. Hey, did Shane come to the Winterfest? I didn't see him. No, yet. he was sick, so he wasn't uh, able to make it there. And he's been sick, so he hasn't been able to work on JP's bug, which is why I couldn't be there today. First of all, that shit's legally yours. Right. <laughs> Second of all, it was in perfect working order when you when you when when uh, you took it from me. Is it me or does JP sound like he's covering his ass right now for the defective? No, I still love Delilah. She's really cute. What? Are you saying you had sex in a Volkswagen? No, no. I said he's covering his ass for the defective Volkswagen that he sold you to. It wasn't defective at all. It worked perfectly when it left my house. Yes. (laughs) And by perfectly, I mean I hadn't driven it in a year because it didn't work perfectly. (laughs) It towed very well. (laughs) Right. Uh, I'm starting to... Anyways. Go ahead, Susie. Carry on. I was just... What were you saying? You were starting to think. Never mind. (laughs) You want us to talk dirty? Just Just let us know. Right. Anyways, um, I just wanted to say that I had such a great time at Winter Booth Fest. Oh good. oh, good. I'm glad. Susie worked in our merch booth the whole yeah. time. Uh, I did. I, um, I did sneak out and get a lot of drinks from uh, Flat Tail, though. You didn't, you, didn't come to, you didn't come by my tasting room then, did you? I did. I had some beers in the tasting room, too. Okay. I had beer runners. I didn't need to leave. Beer came to me. Flat Tail was awesome because they brought a beer called Wallet Phone. Yeah, it was adding thirteen percent. They bring, uh, they name all their beers after BN Inside Jokes Apparently, now, yeah. and I love that about yeah. them. And uh, two of the members of their team got hop grenade tattoos that night. Oh, yeah. Well, super wow. drunk. You see that, Sully? Uh, they got super drunk on the show. I'm not surprised to hear that they yeah. got tattooed this day. They went. They were. They're like, is there a good? tattoo shop in Concord no. and I was like wait a minute I was like well there's a tattoo shop that Schumann uses if that's okay <laughs> and they were like I don't know that doesn't sound too good Which, and Susie was the Pied Piper of the tattoo she's like oh, follow me I'll tell you where to go and they're I like take fuck you. it let's yeah. go do you so, have any idea of how many I just thought it was funny that I think Schumann's getting ripped off because Schumann told us that it'd be like $500 I'm like no dude don't do me it's not gonna be that much right and Schumann didn't pay for his so he doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Sully, so to answer your question, I don't How have... How many are out there? There's a lot. There's a lot there's too. more than 20. Oh, yeah. There's probably more than 50 at this point. Oh, hop grenade tattoos? Yeah. Have you ever asked anybody to send them in? Or? They get sent in. We just don't really tally or keep track of it, oh. but there's probably like 50-ish. 
Yeah. Wow. Or more. Yeah. It's getting crazy. God love you. I need to put people. I need to have them all do a little TM next to it. You, you know? do. You should actually ask for money for that. <laughs> yeah. Have your lawyer call them about that. It'd be great if you did send them a letter and said you have to be ten bucks for that tattoo. <laughs> and they're right. like, fuck, I can't get rid of this thing on that asshole. Yeah, now I'm really the the asshole. Susie comes up to me that night all cute though, and she's like, So uh, they kind of want to get a hop grenade tattoo. I'll take them to do it if you want. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I want. <laughs> I want it. Scar those bitches. <laughs> so, good job, Caesar. Oh, I was listening to the show earlier, and I was hearing about 10 chicks every time you go to Portland. I'm going to Portland tomorrow. When I get off the plane, will 10 chicks be waiting for me? You can write it off. Uh, I'm not Sully. I don't have a distributor that I can call um, to say, listen, if you want me to show up and you want my business, you have to have 10 chicks. On my business. Right. On my business. Right. But as we grow, Susie, I will keep in mind that both you and me need 10 ticks, chicks, without ticks, to be at our destination. Are we saying like... Five starters and five finishers, yes. or just yeah, yeah. Five and five. I assume that's what you meant, Susie. You want five starters and five finishers. We always need five finishers. <laughs> I just need one finisher, regardless of the starters. Yeah, nobody can show up for the start. JP, don't underachieve. I just need one starter because I'll finish before you know. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Susie. Anything else, my dear? No. Okay. Um. So you guys can have me next week. <laughs> Sorry, you trying to start with your coming in or not? Susie, anything else? No. So, um... <laughs> Typical woman. It's, it does sound like we're going to have Mead next Sunday. You should come into the show. All right. Do it. I think I will. All right. I'll try th- to get someone to drive me. I also hear that uh, Susie lost a bet to Bevo and has to come in and get drunk. What? No, I lost a bet to Steve-O. Oh, Steve-O. <laughs> Close enough. Well, I forget. The same person. They both have boobs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm you have supposed to get drunk. Okay. Well, I'm not doing that? it now. I'll be drunk on Sunday. Okay. All right. Thank you, Suze. Have a good night. You too. Goodbye. Good night. Uh, all right. Suze, work in your chat room. If you've got any questions, just hit the chat button on the homepage. And, uh, you know, Sully's in here if you want to ask about, uh, I don't know, the average age of the person he's hanging out with nowadays. <laughs> uh, you can send that in. I do date young, don't I? <laughs> Well, those are the people that are out there in your circle. I like this about That's you, all. Sully. See, Sully, sometimes you're ashamed of it when you talk to me. But I'm like, Sully, this is not this is not a problem it's that not you a have. Problem. This is not a problem. This super is one of, ashamed. This is one of your this is one of your positive traits. Would be great if it wasn't true. <laughs> if you're just if really uh, Sully's dating gilfs <laughs> all the time. That this is just another yeah. joke about his giant head. I got my grandma. Or I got the uh, the grandma I'm dating a new walker. It's- <laughs> It's all hydroelectric. It's yeah. it, it is interesting to witness. It's this super interesting combination of, of embarrassed and super proud. <laughs> you know, and he can't quite figure out which one he is. I'm going to put together a mashup of all the references <laughs> you made tonight to Dating Young. Right. Well, it's just a bit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. All right. Let's go to Casey from Folsom, California. Casey, what's happening? Hello? Oh, Nicole. Hey, buddy. What's going on? <laughs> You're in trouble, Sully. Did someone just say my name? Are you Casey? How did you know my name? <laughs> Call screener? Casey, are you calling in for Drunk of the Week? Yes. Wow. How drunk are you? <laughs> uh, I've had a... It's tough to know my resume because I started brewing at, tw- at two. Uh, it's all right. I didn't ask for your resume. I asked how drunk are you. Very. <laughs> All right, you're gonna. We're gonna test you right now. Uh, here's what you're gonna have to do. 
you're going to have to say this. You have to repeat the sentence that I say. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Now, JP, I have discovered that uh, well, both in the planning of this bit and yeah. and in looking it over at the break to make it happen. Talk to me about it. That this late in the show, it's also a difficult task <laughs> for me. Um, I can do it. It's to, fine to do, it. but I want to try it. I, okay, I'm having fun, but I'm not yelling at oh, you. Oh, okay, all right. You're yeah. gun shy. I don't know. Well, I can do it. Well, I swear to God, I'll get it right. What does that say about you <laughs> and your managerial practices? That I'm the asshole, as yeah. always. That he's a driven well, man and gets things done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sully. <laughs> Fuck off, Sully. Well, <laughs> I'm loving that grammar right from Heretic now. Open up both the questions <laughs> and the words and phrases, anyway, JP. Just uh, in case I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, all right. Here, here's what we're gonna do, uh, Casey. We're gonna start easy. All right, I'm going to give you an, an easy one, and uh, just let's see if you can do it. Uh, here it is. Sheena leads, Sheila needs. Sheila, Sheila leads, Sheila needs. Okay. One fail. <laughs> what? <laughs> it also That's could fine. be the, the, he the, get over the audio quality. Well, yeah. I'll try a longer one. <clears throat> here we go. How can a clam cram in a clean cream can? How can a clam cram in a clean cream can? Oh, that's plus one. That's He's, pretty good. That's not bad. But okay. we, we do have to make him say it faster, I think. Well, the I mean, anyone is, can do a tongue twister if they do it slow enough. We knew we were going to have some uh, troubles with these games. Yeah. Uh, the problem is they don't, they're not reading them. They have to not only say the tongue twister, but... I also didn't have, like... Shut up. But memorize <laughs> it from my... That's true. You, know, you see right. what I mean? Yeah. So, um... So I, that's why I, I sort of allow the slowness, because they're also doing it from memory. <laughs> and they're slow. We're going to have to somehow... They're drinking. We need to figure this out better, I think. No. <laughs> yeah. so it, it should be obvious that we've had something to drink. All right, here we go, Casey. Let's try this. Let's go with fifth grade questions. This one shouldn't have too much difficulty with it. You've done well on the tongue twister. So, so far, you're not that drunk. What is... Are you smarter than a fifth grader? What is the lowest prime number, Casey? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not going to give you the answer then. Yeah. Well, we can save no it for the next know. drunk. No one will know. Who was the first person to step foot on the moon? Um, Lance Armstrong? Lance, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He all the way up there. That's right. That's a point for drunk. Yeah, yeah it is. That's right. Yeah. Ding. Good job. It was Neil, by the way, but... Uh, Oh, God damn it. Neil Armstrong. It's okay. One did steroids. The other one rode a bike. <laughs> the other one punched someone in the Basically face. Basically the same thing, right? Yeah. Uh, what planet is closest to the sun? Oh, shit. Uh, I don't know. The Earth? <laughs> That's wow. Enough. Casey's drunk, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Or he's real stupid. <laughs> hey, it could be a straight fourth grader, you know? Here, we have to, you know what we have to do, JP? We have yeah. to commit to giving our listeners the benefit of the doubt that they're smart. And uh, take all of their, and I'm, not, yeah. I'm just, I'm, yeah, yeah, right. I'm doing this right. in real time. I'm thinking yeah. about this as we go. Yeah. And, and decide that if they don't get it right, it, it's because they're drunk. And, and that if they weren't, they would have known that Earth is the, uh, not the closest. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yes. All right. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What is the closest one? I can't um, tell you. It's <laughs> We're going to save it for our next Drunk of the Week, but it's not Earth. Okay. Okay. Well, well Justin, Justin. Yes. Yeah. This is Casey Kaminsky. Oh, yeah. Uh, Colin Kaminsky's bitch. 
No, 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 no. I'm his. I'm his long lost son. <laughs> yeah, he not- banged that Asian hooker like. 20 years ago, and uh, and she named you Casey. Uh, not yeah. actually related to our friend Colin Kaminsky. This is Casey Kaminsky. Uh, he works at a homebrew shop up in Folsom. And uh, calling in for drunk of the week. Uh, well done. You're representing your company. Thank you. Hopefully, he's not too uh, upset about this. <laughs> Why don't you out at him? Like we're going to work tomorrow. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. There's right. plenty of customers that uh, listen, though, that will be uh, hearing this. Hey, and they'll love you for it. Don't worry. It's endearing to be drunk of the week. <laughs> yeah, endearing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Casey. Thank you. There he is. Casey Kaminsky calling in for Drunk of the Week. Let's go to, oh, we already, oh, uh, it's Rich from Burbank. Hey. Dick, what's happening? Hey. Oh. Hey. Oh, shit. What's up? Uh, well, well, who was two then? Got a winner. Uh, it was confusing. He just called now. I thought he was on four. If this is him, yeah, go. Rich, is this yeah. you? Yeah, it's me. It's Richard from who's... Burbank, California. Hey, Rich, who's the broad we hear in the background? What, uh, what's up? Who's the chick that we hear in the background? She sounds like she sounds pretty young, like one of Sully's broads. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple. You want to talk to them? Hell yeah. <laughs> Bring it. Right. Stupid. I mean. <laughs> Get at it. They're drunk. Get That's at stupid. It. What do you have to say? Here we go. One, two, three. Fucking hit the broads. Here we go. <laughs> oh, there's two of them. All right. There's two of them. Yeah. Yes, there's two of them. Yeah. There's two. Can you, can you make them hug? One of them is Richard's girlfriend. Can you make them hug? One, sorry. So one of you is Rich's girlfriend. Is that what we got? Yes. Hello. Hi. What's your name? My name is Mackenzie. I'm Mackenzie. So Hi. Are you Rich's girlfriend, Mackenzie? I am. Is the other one the finisher? <laughs> <laughs> Close. Close. Yes, that's what her boyfriend calls her. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the finisher, baby. All right, Mackenzie. Are you? Uh, yeah. Are you over the age of eighteen? Yes, I'm twenty-two. Oh. How old is Rich? Forty-seven. <laughs> No, he is 22 as well. Oh, that's not that cool then. How come nobody calls... <laughs> How come nobody calls uh, Richard Dick? We do. He has a pair of socks that say Dick all over them. <laughs> it's really fantastic. You also put some in him. I have a pair of socks that has Dick all over them. You know, you, you ever notice that guys will only call Richard's Dick, but girls will never do it because they don't think it's funny. But guys just want a legitimate excuse to go, "Hey, Dick!" Yeah, and like you know, guys are stupid. That is true. That is true. All right. I will allow. Here, here's what we're gonna do, Rich. I've got a quiz for you. The ladies are allowed to help you in your endeavor. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna let you have a team. How many boobs can you fit in one hand? Go. Here's, <laughs> here's what we'll start with. Uh, it's a question already been asked. What planet is closest to the sun? Mercury. Mercury. All right. <laughs> Mercury. Sounds like he's drowning in water right now. That's one answer. <laughs> I love Mercury. <laughs> Mercury. 
thinking me. <laughs> oh, Justin, I love it when you're Please doing this stop. because you're you're over there diligently taking notes. It's like you're like performing an interview. This is very important. And listen to what's going on the other side of the phone here. It's hilarious. You're like you are the picture professional right now. He's got one right, and he puts a little check mark there. That's right. Uh, yep. It's measuring a shit yep. show. Sully, this is all very important very stuff. Important here. stuff going on here, sir. You know, while Rich is getting a chubby. Of all the nice stuff we said, looking back on my career. Uh, measuring drunk of the week is not one of them. That I'll look back and I'll go, you know what I gave to the, to this world? I gave them drunks of the week. Everyone needs a legacy. <laughs> All right. What state is the Grand Canyon in? Oh, wait, what state? No, no, no. It's going from Burbank, right? Arizona. Arizona. All right. Arizona. Good job. Wow. I like that they're like, I know this one. I know it. Oh, I know it. It's a state. It's a state. It's a big one, too. Its abbreviation is two letters. <laughs> People live there. Okay. Well, the girls are definitely not drunk. Right. The girls. Oh, fuck. They sound a little bit. that again? No. Oh, you didn't give me all the answers to the other ones. Yeah, I did. They're all there. I, I don't have them there. What? No, I'm the looking at the same thing. Come again. Oh, I see. That's good, because I don't want to be the one who's board. dumber than a fifth grader. <laughs> than a remedial fifth grade student. The fact that you didn't bold them and I couldn't find it already <laughs> makes me dumber than a, stupid. than a fifth grader. We could do the spelling B. You want to have them spell? Do yeah. it. It's time for some spelling B. All right. <laughs> I love me. All right, Rich. <laughs> yes. Spell bandage. What? Come again. Bandage? <laughs> bandage. Bandage. Yeah. Oh, he's drunk. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We're not helping him this time. Hold on. Hold on. He's going to lose it. Hold on. Bandage. B. Yeah. A. N. D. <laughs> I. T. C. H. Oh, fuck. Pan ditch. Wow. Wow. Use pan ditch in a sentence. I have a bandage on my fucking pride. <laughs> All right, Rich, you are now in the running for drunk of the week, my friend. My ex-girlfriend made that bandage. <laughs> Thank you for the call. Can I tell you that we've called in like six times and we've never been able to make it on, and we are so proud. Uh, I think that deserves yeah, boob you. boob shots. But <laughs> that's just we me. are we are proud of you. All right. Thanks, pull them out. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Cheers. I'll tell you, if you have to pull, like physically pull your tits out, I want to see them. Like, if you can't just open your shirt and they're there, if you have to actually remove, <laughs> if they have to be physically pulled, pulled I understand, out, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I need to see them. <clears throat> Unfurl them kind of thing. Huh? Yes. All right. Let's go to Joe from Milwaukee. Joe, what's happening, buddy? What do you know? Hey, what's going on, guys? Doing a little drunk of the week. How are you? I'm doing a little drunk of the fucking week myself. Okay. All right. All right. On a scale of 1 to 10, how drunk do you feel? All right, then. Uh, well, I do this as a profession, so I think like a 7. What do you mean? You drink as a profession? No, I fucking hate my job, so I come home when I drink the equal number of hours I work. I've had those jobs before, my friend. <laughs> I understand. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> JP has it now. 
Uh, <laughs> all right. If only you, I made as much as JP. If, <laughs> if only. If only you did. You can buy a king size Snickers for lunch like I do. Hey, can I ask Sully, what, what the fuck is with the, uh, the disco ball in the brewery? Oh. What's your name again, sir? That was the weirdest thing ever. <laughs> it's Joe. Hey, Joe. Uh, Sully here. Uh, I'm glad you yeah. asked me that question because I get that asked a lot. Uh, it's uh, You're referring to, of course, the, the mirror ball in the brewery at 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street, just two blocks yeah, from Giants Park. I remembered in San Francisco. Okay. It's not, first of all, it's not, it's not a disco ball. It's a brew ball. So it, it's ah. just about putting the energy into the beer, my friend. Oh. And you know what? The beer needs it. It does. Some people put headphones on the fermenter. We put the mirror ball in the room where the beer is made, and we call it magic. That's respectable. Word. I I appreciate that. I want want to see Vinny's uh, disco ball. He doesn't. Well... Listen, you keep your, you know, if you go to Adam and Eve right now, there's actually a fetish for that. It's <laughs> right. Vinny's oh, nice. Disco Thank Ball. You. The Disco Ball uh, Vinny's category. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready for a tongue twister? I am ready, sir. Roberta ran rings around the Roman ruins. Uh, Ro- Roberto ran rungs around the Ru- Roman ruins? No. We have to figure out a way to do the tongue twister. Yeah, game. the tongue twister might not work. I like the tongue twister <laughs> game so much, but uh, all right. Please spell whistle. W H I S T L E. Good job. Good job. Good job. He knows his W words. Spell it. I said I was drunk, not retarded. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, that remains to be seen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Please spell squirrel. <laughs> Uh, S-Q-U-I-R-L-E. Like I said, it remains to be seen. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. I believe it's pronounced squ- squirrel. <laughs> Whatever. Right. All right. Uh, it's, it's always easy to make Scott laugh, you know? Just <laughs> drop a Phil Hendry line and you're all over it. Uh, so keep in mind the science stuff. It's taken from a fourth grade test. And it's should it fourth? It's not even fifth grade. It's fourth grade. And should I be reading okay. it in multiple choice form? Yeah. Well, if you want, that's up to you. Okay. Host's choice. All right. Here we go. <laughs> fifth graders are taught this. What is mass? Is it how much volume is in something? How much space something takes up, or how much matter is in something? Um. How much matter? Oh, he got that right. Mm. Yeah. That was a huge guess, though. I was between matter and volume, and I said, fuck it, the last one. <laughs> a pencil and a glass of water looks broken. What makes it look broken? Is it reflection, absorption, or refraction? Refraction. I'm going with the last one again. He's got that one right, too. I don't think he's drunk enough, folks. I don't, I don't think, think he's drunk enough either. He's angry, but he's not drunk. All right, all right. You want me drunk enough? I will I will pound a bottle of Hop Slam right now if you want. Mm. I'll take it. Send me a bottle. I'm not, not going to say no. Let's, hang on one sec. Let me open it and pour it in a glass and I'll pound it. The problem with the games, though, is they know that we're ready for, that we're looking for wrong answers. So right. they're going to be like, W, I'm so hammered. And then they'll go back to drinking a bottle of Gatorade. So what you're saying yeah, is... I, I've been listening to you guys for years and years and years. I'm not that fucking retarded. I can drink a lot and still answer questions. I could crash my car to a million things. So what you're saying is we're not <laughs> smart enough to outsmart our drunks. 
JP. <laughs> Pretty much. I think I'm saying that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think I'm saying that. This is I, a I'm sad state that. of affairs at the Brewing Network. We need to bring an outside agency in to give this test. to come in and redo Drunk of the Week. All right, chug your beer. I'm going to give you some points for it. All right, let me open. That'll help. All right, let me pour. Is it in a can? Uh, it's, a, it's a hop slam from Bell's. See, if it was in a can, you could have done it right. You could have pulled it, stabbed it, shotgun And you would have won right now. <laughs> That's right. You know, didn't, if so you Bell's actually distributed in Wisconsin, I'd be more than happy to drink his beer. But what the fuck, man? Distributors are easy out here. He's getting there. Uh, I'm just across the so. river, sir. Hard earned his beers made in uh, Minnesota. It's right next door. Yeah, There's a just, different just, dynasty in Wisconsin. <laughs> just go, just drive across bad. the St. Croix River. You can just pick it up right there. There you go. I, I, I see enough Budweiser. Come on, man. Swim across it. <laughs> all, right, all right, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, Walk you're on re- ice right now. If you're a real fan, exactly. <laughs> Here he goes. Shut up. I'm drinking. All right, drink. Let's hear it. Rat pad. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're good. So that was foam coming out at the end. It was a little, uh, uh, a little warm. Coming out of what? A little warm. It's like burp drinking. <laughs> Because burp chugging, he's burping and chugging at the same Slurping. time. Well, I, I took it off the uh, I took it off the counter. It's been sitting there for probably about forty five minutes and warmed out of the beer cooler a little bit too much, a little faster than I thought. You're, I was trying to open it up, and uh, instead it was warm. All right, uh, Joe, you're in the running for drunk of the week now. All right, I hope so. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Cheers. Uh, there you go, Joe from uh, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Right. Let me write that down, Sully. It's the planet closest to the sun <laughs> all right and uh let's make this our last drunk of the week call uh is it drunk of the week yes it is it's steve-o steve-o what's happening oh hang on okay. there you are hey steve-o clear something up for me well, all right did you or did you not put 45 dollars <laughs> in the box of beer that you shipped next caller <laughs> what? Right. Oh, dude, you gonna pop me on the air with that shit? I'm hey, not... Jay, that stuff because you didn't even respond to my private message. <laughs> oh, dude, you're my private up, Jay. But come on, did you put hey. the money? Was the money in the box or not? Oh, what's the next caller? Put me on fucking the spot on air, dude. Are you? And yeah, I... I put forty dollars cash in an envelope marked. To the brewing, the brewcasters. Yes, I did. <laughs> Moskowitz, what do you have to say for it yourself? It said the brewcaster. There was no S. <laughs> oh. I assume you meant me. Oh, it's not Moscow's fault you can't spell. It's now been diversified into four mutual funds. Moscow. Oh, that's oh, right. I tripled your money. That's right. So, Good point. So Jay, In 25 Jay, years, you're telling me the back. fucking Jew stole it. The Jew kept it. Well, that's what it's sounding like. The it sounds like that way. I, I consider it collateral income. <laughs> it's, it's a fringe oh, benefit. All right. It's it's more of a, yeah. I don't want to be that dick, dude. I don't want to be that dick to call up a Jew. I told but you. I have to say, I have to let Jay know. Hey, hey, Scott, I'm sorry. You want me to find I have his to message? Know, so I, can hey, read it I put forty bucks in there, and make sure you get that motherfucker because I know it's you. <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't just leave well I, enough alone because I know it's that you. That motherfucker Jew might keep that shit. Hang on, let me find let me find the message. Uh... Oh, dude, come on. I said, it's a little awkward. So I'm like, it's a little awkward me at telling you right now, but just make sure that you know that I put 40 bucks cash in that box. That All right, here it is. Hang on. Uh, hey, Jay. Oh, my wife's telling me to I, shut up. My I, wife's telling me to shut I up. I feel a bit awkward asking this, but I had left $40 cash in the box with the beer. Did you get it? 
Uh, not at all because I don't trust Scott. Just maybe he <laughs> forgot about oh it. Oh, my God. It was a Christmas donation for the Brewcasters to be distributed or for food or whatever. I just wanted yeah, to make I sure. <laughs> I was hungry. I, I just wanted to make sure. Again, I'm embarrassed to ask. I'm just wondering if, if it got delivered to the Brewcasters. It, oh. You can suck a dick. Hey, Say it like Steve's, in Steve's accent. But that's fair. I in the envelope. Hey, See, it's not that I don't trust Scott, though. See, I did, did say that. It's Scott, not that where's the $40? Did it arrive in the box? Yeah, Scott. yeah, it did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it did arrive, and it was acquired by Scott. <laughs> oh, it's $40. Bu- Listen, if it was if it was like a real sum of money, I right. for sure would have been. But, 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 but it would have been like $4 a piece. <laughs> I need $4. Well, well, well. I do. I think forty dollars is a lot of money for me, bro. I'll tell you it's what. I'll tell you. Hey, that was Steve O's whole paycheck right there. That was <laughs> like he, he. Do you know how many front lawns he had to mow for forty dollars? Are you assuming he's a gardener? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Parking is expensive in downtown hey, Martinez. That could have paid for my day. That's how much I got on my tip from my work. I gave you guys all my tips from my work. I See? gave it straight to you guys. Dude. And and did Tasty get that? Moscow? No. Uh, and I was hungry. <laughs> he needed, Tasty needed a slice of pizza that day. Yeah. Exactly. Zigzag. You could have bought like four, four ramen. No, I'm also thinking we can get a two, another 200 guys to send 40 bucks yeah, in. I, I don't want you getting all of it. <laughs> right. What about the next $40? From yeah. now on, well, never send anything to Scott. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Send make it, it to the studio. Make it your email address if, if, if you want it then. What was the... Yeah. 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 Just so, PayPal it to me. Moscow, tell us what, what went through your brain when you opened the box of beers, which you did bring by, and you also found the envelope of $40. Which tell you us not what, bring by. Tell us what happened in your brain. Nothing. It, we had like two weeks off, and I just like... I had it on the desk, and then the next thing you know... It, <laughs> I bought a twelve pack. Wow! <laughs> and a Cantillon. Really? It, it's because it wasn't. Uh, it was. It's because it wasn't anything. It, it would have been five dollars a piece. But it was. It was but something it to Steve-O. It wasn't yours to decide. He wanted that me to way. buy myself a beer. It was that. ours to decide. Uh, that possession's way. not tenth of the law. No. <laughs> you did have it. No. Let's get to the bottom line. What happened to the forty dollars? <laughs> Steve-O wants to know. It's I don't know it's it's spent but but if, hey, if you need me to generate nugget, forty dollars it went on a nugget he bought a nugget and smoked that shit <laughs> did you no. smoke the forty dollars <laughs> Moscow he bought brown hair dye so we can stop calling him a ginger <laughs> he's like this which in essence is still going toward the show hey, then. I don't give a fuck dude fuck but it's you, against the show <laughs> all right I'm fucking hey I I'm hey, I'm faded. Steve, this poor bastard. He gets thrown under the bus for the sake of my good radio bit. He, he gets thrown under the bus? Well, you know, you're not being thrown under the bus. Dude. You're the one hey, who took the money. Yeah. Steve-O got thrown under the bus. You're being hey, brought to the light. Your ass. You, know, you know when you do on Facebook, it says that they've seen it, right? I'm like, yeah, Jay's seen that shit and can't respond, that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't, oh. I don't Mexican calling the Jew out for stealing. I don't discuss personal business off air. Right. <laughs> it has to be That's done. That's also true. If you uh, communicate with Jay hey, privately, you have to tell him this is not for air. That's true. You didn't say I, this I is off the record. Right. But I worded it perfect. It's not that I don't trust Moscow. <laughs> right. Oh, well, no. now you know that one. <laughs> now you shouldn't. You gonna send him any more money? I gotta. That's why, hey, that's why fucking, uh, that's why JP don't want to send me the camera. He says, hey, when you get the money to pay for my camera, then I'll send it to you. I'm not gonna send it to you first. JP well, no, that mean what you walk in a. I'm not. A, I'm not Walmart. You can't lay away program. You know. What Steve-O mean? is buying JP's personal camera. Yeah. For those of you who don't know this inside story. Well, yeah, and we're gonna meet hey. up for a beer, and I'm gonna give him a little lesson. Uh, uh, It'll be a good time for him. I'll, hey, 
Can I put my wife for DOTW today? She's going to get pissed at me for saying this right now. Yeah, put her on. Because she's washing dishes. What's her name? Oh, she said she's washing your beer glasses, she said. <laughs> she, should, she should wing one. My homeboy showed up, dude. I fucking drank some good shit today. I have a fucking... Uh, I have a resume, like always. I don't Can want I your resume. Can I say it real quick? No. Dude, I got a fucking badass resume. It's going to make you cream in your pants. No! Spell interesting. It's only like five, but it's not a great one. Why would, Steve, why, would, why would you want to make guys cream in their pants? That's kind of gay. Dude, I swear to God, I got a badass resume, dude. I swear to God. I don't care. Spell interesting. Not only that, I got drunk yesterday, and I went to work today with a bad back, and I came home, and I fucking received a box in the mail today, and I Steve-o. said, fuck, let's crack all these bottles. Steve-o, if you don't spell yeah. interested, I'm going to fire Moskowitz for lying. Dude, <laughs> I didn't lie. I, I, went, I withheld the look, truth. Look, hey, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna tell you on one of the beers that I had today. I'm gonna tell you. We. I don't I want your resume. You know, I, I want see. you to spell no, interested. We had Anheuser Busch. We had Anheuser Busch on today, right? I don't care. <laughs> He's going. We had Anheuser Busch on. Was we? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, we white man? <laughs> All right, Steve-O. He is drunk, though, isn't he? I don't know. I think he's just. I think that's who he is. He's just a loud, talkative guy. He's like. Uh, he's like Paxton, but louder and faster. Steve, are you ready to spell interested yet? Interested? Yeah. Dude, I'm not a wetback boy. I know how to fucking spell. Spell it. All right. I. No, I'm so interested. <laughs> hey, I yo, Omi. R. E S T I N G. Yo, I'm not a wetback. I know how to spell. Yo, how do you spell? <laughs> well, she spelled interesting. So, hey, she, my wife one is Russian, you know, bro. She learned. One of you know has, knows been that in the spell. United States for only five years, and she spells better than me. <laughs> All right, maybe she moved to Russia. <laughs> Which planet is closest to the sun? Hey, hey, JP, yeah. in Mother Russia. We fucking shave heads. <laughs> I don't know. All right. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Moskowitz, I want you to play poker with $40. And whatever you get out of the $40, you have to give to the crew. So if, you, if you get nothing, it's fine. So I'm going to turn it into 500 bucks, and then I'll give you guys a bill of peace. And then it goes against, if your excuse is it was nothing... Turn it into something and give it to the boys. Well, I, as long as but we it's have, your forty bucks you're playing with. As long as we have Steve on, can we ask how he wants it divvied up? Like di- no percentages. <laughs> to, is Susie in on it? You know what I mean? Like how? how- Everybody's in on it. Take forty bucks out of your pocket. Go play poker because I know you can do it. And turn it into something, and then you have to divvy it evenly to everybody but me. Okay, fine. Is that fair? I can do that. Yep. <laughs> I fucking love Steve-O right now for sending me that message. Me too. <laughs> and I just was like, man, we got the beer. There was no money in that box. I think we, I think this changes our relationship with Scott right no, now. No, it doesn't. Over $40? Maybe that should change your relationship with money. It, all it, it's it only validates the shit we give him for being Jewish. That's all. Money came through his wallet. And it stayed in his wallet. <laughs> it didn't even get a little cathartic there. Huh, it didn't Justin? come through his wallet. It was just, put into his wallet. And it said it sat there. on the desk, and then all of a sudden yeah. it became his. Yeah, <laughs> it changed status. 
Moscow, I have faith in you and your poker skills. I know you're going to turn that 40 bucks into something for these guys. I very well could. Thank you. And then again, you just may go ahead and do it and not tell us. <laughs> He'll do it. I know Moscow. He's no, going to do it, and see, now, he's going to make it right. But I don't trust him now, because yeah, if he do. makes 500 bucks, then he'll go, oh, I only made 100 If he we makes, don't know. We have no idea. I, I don't believe that. If he makes 500 bucks, you're all getting some cash. Five minutes ago, I didn't believe he would steal $40 <laughs> from the company. Well, he borrowed it. Mm. <laughs> he intercepted all it. All right. It was, you know how when you order off of the infomercial, it's only twelve ninety nine plus shipping and handling? The infomercial. It was handling. I know what happened. It was handling. Oh, well, shit. Handling of what? Beer I didn't get to drink? <laughs> it was handling. Oh. I mean, he kept it cold for you. And then he enjoyed it. And then it. we brought it here. Oh. It was handling. What beer was it? I don't even remember. I have all the faith in the world that when Moscow turns that into 500 bucks, because he's a good poker player, used to make a living at it, didn't you? Yep. You're all going to get a little payoff. See, it's going to work out for the better. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Everyone's going to get some cash. That'll be good. All right. Steve-O. Am I part of this payoff? <clears throat> no. Steve-O, you're out. You, yeah. Hey, you know what you're talking about. Hey, you're the dumbass who put money in a box. <laughs> it's not Moscow's fault. <laughs> you're the Ponzi in this box. No, you're right. Right. Wait. Hey, Jay, you got to know, dude, a private message means it's a private fucking conversation between me and you, bro. I know. Listen to me right now. Everybody involved, including our listeners. If I had any doubts about Moskowitz's integrity, I never would have brought this up on the air. But this no, is, I love that motherfucker, But this is dude. funny shit. Hey, he knows that. Moscow knows that, too. He knows I love him. I message him all the time, dude. I, love- right. I don't need your love story. What I'm saying is, this is funny radio, and if you're going to send me private messages about my staff... And you don't say it for one. If you don't say it's private, oh, I'm bringing that shit up on the air. <laughs> like that one time somebody wrote me about JP molesting them, they were like, oh, it's private. Yeah, it's private. So I never talked about it. No, well, and you shouldn't. That shit's private. <laughs> That's private. Uh, the chat is now kind of blowing up a little bit about <clears throat> Scott's comment that 40 bucks is nothing because all because we ask for as little as $2 a month for donations. <laughs> and so now a few uh-huh. people are going, I'm going to actually not donate because... Oh, that's oh the conclusion they draw? Because, no, you should double down on because your Because $2 a month is apparently nothing to these people. Well, that's, and that's bucks, not true. It's, well, I'm speaking for myself. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just reading the facts. That's all I'm doing. It's fine. $2 is a lot. $40 is a lot. And there was a lot for Steve-O. Yeah, but not for us. <laughs> I mean, yeah, two dollars divvied yeah. up. But when several of you <coughs> donate two dollars, right. which I think was Tasty's point, what if everybody sends forty bucks and divvied up? Yeah. It's pretty good. But if several people spend send two dollars, that's forty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. I'm not saying you're wrong. All right, I'm thirsty. <laughs> Have a beer. I don't want a beer. I want water. Sully. Yes. You're awful quiet over there. Well, I, I'm just fascinated by that the, the guys are just throwing each other on the bus. I think it's amazing. <laughs> How do you think we've made it this far? We're like the Bush family right now. Scott's over there like he's in the corner, like he's, he's sitting on his hands. Like, <laughs> does, he get, does he have a job tomorrow? He's got a job. I, the integrity of this man <laughs> is fantastic. You know, 40 bucks here and there, uh, it slips underneath the beer bottle. I don't know. I need to start getting shipments then. <laughs> man. <laughs> I sat on that email from Steve-O for a while. I was like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> well, and then he called. So that's perfect. <laughs> I just, it was there right in front of my face. All right. Well, that was fun, huh, guys? That was great. I had a great time. <laughs> All right. Let's vote on our drunks of the week. Uh, we have in front of us Rich from Burbank, uh, who had the gaggle of girls behind him. Yeah, he did. Mackenzie and other folks. Um 
they got some questions right and some questions wrong, even with all the help involved. For example, I think they couldn't spell squirrel. Squirrel, yeah. Was, was that them? That was them, right? Right? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Then we had Casey from Folsom. Uh, he was drunk. <clears throat> I have a couple. You know what's funny, Sully, is you're making fun of me making marks here. I don't even know what the marks mean. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking up your shoulder there. Yeah, I'm looking and, at the uh, marks, and I'm like, wait a minute. Is that plus mean that they were drunk or that they were not drunk? I'd like to look at your scoring system. Look at this. It's yeah, what is that? It's like... It, it's the stupidest thing. Yeah. Minus, minus, plus. It just a, feels good to, the, to make a mark. It is. doesn't matter what it means. It's the stupidest scoring system I've ever seen. Because it, is, it isn't a real system. It's a combination <laughs> I'm of... Like, as I'm, I'm just doodling. Ancient I'm just writings. drawing penises every time somebody answers a question or doesn't answer That's a question. That's my kind of scoring system. <laughs> You're like John Stewart, you know, at the beginning of the story. He just kind of scribbles <laughs> yeah, around like this. Scrib- yeah. Daily show. He's drawing penises, too. Casey from Folsom apparently has three penises. <laughs> That's, that's, that's what I know from my scoring system. Don't tell McKenzie. She'll be right over there after Rick. Joe from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I think Joe was the drunkest, right? Joe was pretty drunk. I don't remember Joe. <clears throat> well, Rich, it's between Rich and Joe for me. And then finally we had Steve-O in there. And, and Steve-O was drunk. Steve was always drunk. Oh, Joe was the guy who didn't sound drunk, but he chugged a hop slam, supposedly? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. That's correct. He answered questions correctly. and uh, yeah. okay. Although, he actually, he's the one who spelled squirrel wrong. Because he was like, I'm not retarded. I could spell. And then he spelled squirrel wrong. <laughs> uh, so for me, it's between Rich and Joe. Does anybody disagree? Absolutely. Okay. Then we'll just raise our hands on those. Um, uh, Rich from Burbank with all the all the broads and the drunkenness. Oh, that's four votes. Uh, Joe from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, what's the point? One vote. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, you're our drunk of the week. All right. Well done. He was having a good time. Yeah, he was having fun. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do feedback, but I feel like we don't have to. It's 10 o'clock already. Yeah. We get to save it for next week. All right. We'll do an enormously long feedback next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which means reading the feedback we have plus the feedback we're going to get. You know, feedback was going to be brought to you by the 21st Amendment today, though. Hey, hey, we got to do feedback. Uh, yeah. How about yeah. we just do this? Feedback's brought to you next week by the 21st Amendment at 563 2nd Street, just a couple blocks from World Champion Giants Park. Park. And I'll do it again next week. Too. You should. So you still got your sponsored segment there. <laughs> I did, let's see, did I do my naughty bits? Yeah, I did li- I did Adam and Eve. I did yeah. Beer Smith. I think we're good. <clears throat> All right. We can thank our newest sponsor again. Moonlight, uh, that's right. Sticking yeah. with us uh, uh, for all of 2013 and, uh, and beyond. And we thank them for that. <laughs> I think it goes to 2014. What is M-E-A-D? Me? What is that? It's good stuff. That's what that is. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, I promised you the second half of the Sheldon interview. So we'll close out the show, and then I'll just play it at the end of the program. It'll be on the archive here. You can all listen to part two of uh, Sheldon Brothers. That works, right? Yeah. Sully, thanks for coming back to the studio. You guys, it's great to be here. I, uh, it's I got to be back sooner than two years, though. And I, know. I, I promise you, I'll be more awake next time. I want you to come back more often. <laughs> you know that you're invited anytime. You say that every time I see you. It's like this long thing, and I, I don't believe you have it. I know that's the problem. You don't take me up on it, but I always enjoy having you here in the studio. No, it's great to be here. Honestly, it's fun for me. It makes me feel comfortable again having it's you. Like uh, having your bad uncle here. Yeah, it's, and <laughs> I love my bad uncle. His name is Guido, by the way, and I liked him. 
Apparently, he liked you. <laughs> Uncle Queen, he had MS. Okay, yeah, it was. It wasn't really stroking. He just had the jitters. Uh, <laughs> he was holding it. That's all. <laughs> he was just yeah. yeah. Uh, please come back soon. Son. I will. Not just for the JP mixtape show. That's a great show, by so, the way. Yeah. It's a fantastic show. We have a great time. You we have, do have a great you know time. Uh, your Facebook page gets posted on more than the Brewing Network page uh, from fans. Uh, the JP and Sully mixtape show. It's a lot of activity over there. Well, you know, it could be a regular thing if you want it to be. I'm fine with it being that, as long as I don't have to pay for it. It's a piece of shit. Oh. It's a fantastic show. Oh. We have Ask Dr. Sully, the famous world-famous segment where you ask your life questions and, and uh, Dr. Oh, I've uh, never heard that. You've never heard that? We actually, somebody was, somebody had a kid on our show or something like that, right? It was uh, some guy who called up and he story. said, my ex-wife is coming over right now. Should I bang her? And uh, Dr. Yes! Dr. Sully said yes. <laughs> and then and he it, called us back a year later. Yeah. And had he banged her? And he had. And they had a child. They got back together. <laughs> and they got oh, back saved together. the marriage. You're kidding me. Consummated yes. the, re- the, 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 the relationship and had the child. Maybe this show does need to be a regular It's amazing, TV. Dustin. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm, I'm getting out of this Sully. beard business thing, and I'm going to be like a, you know, yeah, an advisor. Coach. You're the new Dr. Drew. Exactly. Dr. Sully. Uh, we didn't know. I didn't know. Do we have insurance here? I mean, for, you know, <laughs> right? Like errors and emissions or something like that. And by the way, are we sure that that baby wasn't just entrapment by the wife? Yeah. Like she's like, oh, it like wasn't she, his. She pulled the gull, the goalie that night, and, and they named it Sean. <laughs> what you're <Yeah>. kidding me? <laughs> <And> no, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you, you could tell me anything. I know you're like, really? Yeah, <laughs> is it Christmas shot? Yeah, you tell me like like you can tell me. I didn't mean to take the forty dollars. It just <laughs> was on my desk. You tell me anything. <laughs> no, they did not name it Sean. Are you all right, Moscow? Are we going to be okay? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> now I know what it feels like to watch myself. I know, JP. <laughs> it's just the first time that JP hasn't been the squirmy one. I think. Yeah. Uh, all right, it'll be fine. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> I want to thank once again our wonderful guest tonight, uh, Bill. I always have to look up how to say his name. Natal Cedar, uh, who who just did a great job on the book Bitter Brew. Uh, check it out. And it was nice of him to spend some time with us today. I had a lot of fun interviewing him. Uh, you know, it's always fun for me when uh, people who have been interviewed by far better interviewers than us come on and say they've had the most fun ever. Yeah. And that, uh, Baron. Uh, sure. Beer Wars. Beer Wars yeah. t- told us she had uh, more fun than any interview she's ever done. Um, in fact, everybody who's ever come in here has said that, I think, is the truth. Uh, Sully. I, I absolutely say it all the time. You've never had more fun. No, I think it's a blast here, honestly, because you break through, you have a conversation. It's right. not a canned interview, and you can do what you want to do, and you can say the F word. And you can say fuck. I think that's what Bill really liked. He's like, I said shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, good stuff. All right, so thanks to our guest today. That was a wonderful time. We'll do feedback for you next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors. And uh, if you hang out after the JP plugs, I will play you part two of uh, the Shelton Brothers interview. Are you ready, Jip? Oh, yeah. Twitter winner. Oh, shit. Oh, did you compile anything? I did. Of course I did. Are you kidding me? I have, uh, like, eight. Okay. So pretty good. Okay. <clears throat> what was the question? Uh, how do you think you're most likely to die? Huh? How do you That's think you are most likely to die? How do you think you are most okay. likely to die? <laughs> okay, got it. Uh, all right. And what did people say? Uh, the Brew Lounge says, waiting on another lunch meat show. 
Yeah, it okay. does It does take a while. There you go. Uh, Effing Beer says, a fiery auto accident caused by tears brought on from the McDole funeral song. Mm, that was a sad song, wasn't it? Yeah. Just a real tearjerker. Yeah. Uh, Craft Beer Collective says, classic stroke, which made me feel better about potentially having a stroke later on in life because you just call it the classic stroke. It kind of makes everything better. I don't understand. A classic stroke. That's who's going to die. Just a normal run-of-the-mill stroke. Nothing fancy. Just cla- your classic stroke. Okay. You're not even listening. Chris Lewis says, returning on a bus from BNA 8, severely over the weight limit, listing side to side with fat homebrewers due to Justin's cheapness. Okay. <laughs> Trevor Coop, old, fat, and happy after leading a long, fulfilled life, enjoying craft beer and homebrew and boobies, too. Very positive one, which yeah. is strange. Drunk Rhino says, butt chugging a case of 12% barley wine. Mm, that's a good way to go. Yep. Scott Shackett says, not sure how, but it'll be something stupid the day after I win the lottery. And then good old Bob Turner says, Tasty will finally clone Arrogant Bastard, causing the entire universe to implode before the recipe can air on CYBI. That's how that person is going to die? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I can can delete it. (laughs) It This can happen. That doesn't meet the criteria? Yeah. What are your favorites, JP? (laughs) (laughs) Says the man who wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Um, I like... uh, Classic Stroke. I think Classic Stroke is pretty good. I like good. that one, too, yeah. And then I also like Butt Chugging a Case of 12% Barley Wine. Me, too. I think too. those are my two favorites. Uh, those are Let's also, vote on those. Those are mine as well. Uh, who wants Butt Chugging to be butt the winner? Chugging. All right, that's our Twitter Yay! winner. Drunk Rhino, Butt Chugging. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> All right. Sully, if we ever turn into Morning Zoo Show, uh, you are our guy. You know that, right? Because <laughs> of the laugh and everything. Yeah, no, you're just ready. <laughs> you're ready for Morning Zoo. <laughs> Plus, you've done oh. your fair share of it on KFOG and yeah. all that. You're you're a professional. <laughs> just let me. I'll just laugh. Just is laughing now. Classic stroke. All right, is that it, JP? That's it. Let's get out of here. Thank you to our show sponsor, More Beer. You can get absolutely everything you need to make great beer at home by going to morebeer.com. JP's on Twitter. Follow him at Major Jip for the hottest Disneyland tips. Scott the Jew is on Twitter. Follow him at Moscow Paints, but don't send him any money. Wow. some good beer info and homebrew insight, follow Nate Smith at Nathan Homebrew and Mike. Dedication to personal success award winner McDole at Tasty McDee. The Bean will be at the Celebrator News 25th anniversary party, and you can be too. Head to the CelebratorNews.com for ticketing from Justin. We'll be shaking hands all day long. Check out the Brewing Network store for all the latest BN merch, including the new Beersmith 2 software. And be sure to find the Brewing Network on Facebook and Twitter. Has anyone seen my wallet? Indeed it is.
And in this episode of Short and Stout, I bring you part two of my conversation with Dan Shelton of the Shelton Brothers. The conversation definitely got a little more heady in the second half. We got to discussing the incident in New York involving increased taxes on local brewers that was perceived to be Dan's fault. Shelton Brothers was widely pilloried on the internet over the whole thing. And if you're only familiar with the story via comments sections on various internet blogs, this conversation might shed a little light onto a subject that you think you know, but you don't. I really couldn't believe a lot of the comments that were vilifying Shelton Brothers when I did some research on this topic before I spoke to him, but I guess I shouldn't expect anything different from people who are all emotion and no thought. Anyway, you listen to the conversation, check out the commentary on the internet, and draw your own conclusions. So what are some of the, I know you said you didn't want to name favorites, but I, I do, I saw the list on your site, and you, you do import a ton of other brands. What are some of your favorites? Boy, you know, it ebbs and flows. Uh, I always have a favorite at the moment, and if I told you my favorite right now, or I told you what my favorite was a few years ago, I guess it wouldn't bother anybody, because I'll have a new one tomorrow, and, and at different times, almost everybody we deal with has made me go, all right, that's I love this, this is good, and so... I will say that at various times, I have been absolutely in love with uh, Franconian lagers. And Franconia is that area, of, it's, a, it's a part of Bavaria that, um, well, the sort of beer center of that area is Bamberg, where uh, they're famous for their smoked beers. Spezial Rauch beer, for example, we import. I was just actually doing a tasting of that last night here in Philadelphia. And uh, I told people that it's after Cantillon, or maybe up there with Cantillon, it's one of my two most favorite breweries it, it absolutely it has this history it goes back to 1536 it, it's an incredible place where they do their own malting and they actually smoke the malt as part of the kilning process which is a necessary part of brewing which is the way smoked beer always existed in the past at one point all beer in the world pretty much was smoked because you had to kiln the malt before you could use it and you could only kiln it with open fire so Eventually, of course, they had learned uh, new technologies, and they were able to kiln without getting that smoke into their malt. And most people prefer to have malt that doesn't have a smoky flavor to attached to it. Spezial was one of those places, just like Cantillon. You know, eventually people learned how to make beer that wasn't sour. All beer was sour at one point, obviously, around the world. Uh, even in Germany, you know, famous for their lagers, they were drinking sour beer. And when they finally learned how to not have sour beer, you know, there were just these people who said, wait, you know, for me, beer is sour. Or other people said, you know, to me, beer is smoky. And so these little pockets just stayed there because these, these curmudgeons would really want to keep their sour or their smoky, sometimes both, actually. We've got a German brewery now coming on a couple of beer years for making a smoky sour beer, which is a bit much, but it, it's more like what you would have gotten back in those, you know, maybe in the 1500s or so. So both of those breweries uh, represent these little pockets of, preserved history you know and the beer is great in both cases i just love it and the the feeling the the beer culture in both places that just it's just everywhere the english this beer from mars also in bomberg was was just my absolute favorite for a while and it might still be except that i've you know i keep flitting about now are you at liberty to speak to me about the new york supreme court ruling absolutely okay can you tell me what happened <laughs> <laughs> just uh, in, in a nutshell Sure. Um, it started uh, with the decision by the New York State Liquor Authority to not approve some Christmas beer labels because they had Santa Claus and elves and stuff on them. That was back in 2005, 
And um, you have to register, as I said, in, in most states and in, certainly in New York, you have to pay under 50 bucks every year to register the label for any beer you want to sell there. And that's a huge problem for us because literally, as you know, for example, we're selling 10 cases or 15 cases or whatever of any one beer and we're paying 150 bucks. Uh, we, and we don't work that into the price. I mean, we just eat it. So we're losing money in New York in a lot of cases because we have to pay these fees. But I was, I was lumping that. I was learning to live with that. But when they decided to, they just didn't approve our labels. And we didn't, we, everybody assumes that when you put your label registrations in, they will be approved eventually, and, and people will start selling the beer in the state. Uh, in this case, people started to sell the beer in the state, and time went by, and the noble approval came. We figured that they're often late, you know, and whatever. Uh, it turned out that they had heard about that Connecticut had tried to ban some of these same labels. Because? The, because the, the, the theory is that they appeal to children. And we used to, we make jokes all about that, like you met Roger going in and to a liquor store and saying, "Look at that Santa Claus beer, I really want that," you know, and buying a buying a bottle and walking out. I mean, obviously, this is not a concern. <laughs> and and it, it, you know, the people that you worry about who are underage are 16, 17, and they don't give a crap about Santa Claus. I mean, it was a ridiculous thing. It's just that there was basic sense, I think, almost a religious aspect to it, where they just felt offended that Christmas somehow was being attached to beer in this way. And so what they did was they didn't approve our, our labels, then went out on the market looking for those. By the way, this is no longer a short... Uh, yeah, the, the nutshell exploded 20 sentences ago. It's okay. It, that happens with me. I'm I'm sorry, but you know, I, actually, I'm, I'm glad that I still find this interesting, and maybe someone else will too. Um, so they went out there and they started raiding places, like some good friends of ours, actually in New York, to see if they had any of our beer out there, which of course was now illegal because they hadn't approved it. Wow. Like guys rappelling down from helicopters. It was a little bit more sedate than that, but it was a concept. I mean, and by the way, in Texas, they will do that. The liquor authority there thinks that they're like uh, the untouchables, you know, Elliot Ness and whatnot. Uh, but it's really, there is this, this little small degree of terrorism that goes on with these, some of these state liquor authorities, which is another reason why I don't, I'm very skeptical about them overstepping their powers. But anyway, so they went in and really, really did give some of our friends a hard time, all because, you know, they had not approved these labels, which we all assumed they would. So for various reasons, the beard was quickly you know, gotten out of the state, and that was that for 2005. But then 2006, uh, we were watching this. We put the labels in for approval, and they just, they didn't, once again, we waited. We didn't send beer, and they didn't approve them. And they actually called up our distributor at that time and said, we aren't going to approve these because they appeal to children. And the distributor called me all in a panic. I said, okay, that's it. Within a couple of days, I had called a lawyer I knew of, a very well-known firm in Albany, who had already done a liquor label case that involved the First Amendment, the bad frog case, where it was held that they couldn't ban this picture of a frog flipping the bird, basically. And uh, they said, I can't believe they're doing this. And we already kicked their butts once on this. New York State is really going to go after this again. And so they were all over it. We kind of got them to work for pretty much what we call pro bono. And um, uh, I pointed out that um, the registration scheme was totally unfair to people like us from out, outside the state because obviously we had to register so many labels, it cost us so much. But, but in-state small breweries didn't have to even register labels at all. 
they said, well, there, there you go. That's totally against the Constitution. That's against the, the uh, so-called interstate commerce clause. You can't discriminate against other you know, products from out of state. And then uh, they pointed out to me that the tax scheme was similarly unfair, that um, people out of state were paying these large excise taxes to support New York government, but the in-state people weren't, weren't required to pay these taxes at all. So it was all a pretty easy, easy case. And we just filed it thinking, okay, now we're going to finally get all these laws changed. That We're going to get rid of the taxes for everybody. We're going to get rid of the registration fees for everybody. There won't be any registration fees anymore. And when people see how the SLA, the State Liquor Authority, behaves, maybe we'll even get people to take up the idea again, which is not the first time, that maybe the SLA isn't doing anything useful and just wasting government money. And I have all these grandiose visions of it. And... Uh, that was six years ago, and um, the state just dug in and has been wasting time, you know, doing all kinds of procedural stuff to, you know, make a case drag on and try to wear us down and all this. Uh, but finally, they just said, all right, look, look, we know that it's unconstitutional. We know we can't do this stuff. We will agree to uh, stop discriminating, and we signed an agreement. And it went into effect faster than I thought. But pursuant to the agreement, the court declared, as it had to, I mean, it was obvious, that these, this tax scheme and this liberal administration scheme was unconstitutional. The state, at that point, could have just eliminated registration fees for everybody and knocked out the tax for everybody until they got a new scheme together. But they decided just to make everybody pay the tax and make everybody pay the registration fees. And that's when I got an email from Garrett Oliver at Brooklyn Brewery saying that we were the Antichrist and that we we were so selfish and we were ruining things for them and they wouldn't get their bonuses now because they had to pay all this money. And I wrote back and I told them all these. I told them exactly very calmly why that's not what was really going to happen. That the law was just going to change very soon anyway and that it would all turn out just fine. But they decided for some reason to really... To single me out, or to single Shelton out and go after us and with this ridiculous campaign, basically they tried to get people to boycott our beers, and there was a newspaper article in the New York Post, which is not reputable anyway, but saying that, that it was going to cost drinkers in New York an extra dollar a pint for a New York beer now because of us, because now they had to pay this tax that we were already paying ourselves, and they didn't do the math right. It was actually more like maybe 10 cents a pint would go up but they published I told them that but they published the headline of a dollar a pint anyway so I was getting you know I won't say death threats exactly but getting emails from people whose intellectual profile seemed to fit as that of the average New York Post reader something like for example you scum your beers suck anyway why don't you just go out of business it was clear that they never they didn't know who we were <laughs> You know, and then they never bought any of our beers. And I, I never really worried about it because I, I think that our clients, our consumers, are smarter people. They have to be. And we've always tried to gear what we do towards smarter people. And that's one of the reasons I don't really go in for sound bites that much because I think that they're capable of understanding somewhat more complex discussions about beer and about law or anything else, you know. So I've, we've tried to proceed on a calm basis to make this, you know, much shorter than what I just laid on you, but we've tried to explain in a statement what really is going on here and how the sky is not falling and all that, but it didn't stop. And the real disappointment for me is, is Brooklyn Brewery and, and a few others that they know, they know what's really happening here. But they chose for some reason to try and punish us for really just being the messenger, the people that said, look, this is wrong, you know, 
we didn't decree this stuff. The state of New York did, you know, about how they were going to deal with it. We just pointed out quite correctly, and the court obviously backed us up, and so did the state attorney general, and we all agreed this was wrong. Uh, but they decided to punish us for doing this in the first place, as if we are assholes for filing a lawsuit that we easily won on an issue that was so clearly one that's right. And by the way, last night I was at this uh, beer tasting. We did this with a bunch of bar owners from New York and elsewhere, and some brewers were there. And we had received a call from someone at Merchant Divin who brings in Lindemann. I've never been very kind in my comments about Lindemann's compared to Cantillon. So like that. The guy called me up and congratulated us about this this case and said, you know, it was great that we were doing it. And all these brewers last night and all these, these bar owners are saying that. I've got people in New York saying, uh, brewers in New York say that we did the right thing. And the support everywhere is good, except that you've got this unfortunate little uh I would say irrational kind of response from some New York brewers are only thinking about their their bonuses or the, you know, the money that they've got right now in their bank account and not looking at the big picture at all. And also not considering that for years, in order, you know, they've been screwing. We've had to pay this stuff, and other every other brewer outside of New York has had to pay all these taxes and all these fees. And they've never seemed to worry about that as long as they didn't pay and they didn't care about us. It seems. Do you anticipate things getting better as a you know time passes and they have a chance to sort of get over the emotional side of it? Do you anticipate relations improving? It's already look. Garrett wrote what I thought were very stupid things. Uh, I had a long correspondence with Garrett in the in the email. Uh, we talk about personal things a lot, and, and I would never divulge things he says to me, and I would expect he's the same. Uh, I, I considered him a friend, or I, I used to. I thought that it was since this is a public issue and they were forcing me to come out and make statements about it by calling me out and calling for a boycott and all this stuff I thought well then people they should have to stand up for themselves too so I I told people you know, in vague terms what Garrett had written to me about why they were mad at me and now I, as far as I can tell Garrett will now be mad at me for the rest of my life but I I haven't seen any signs of a boycott uh, I don't think anybody cares at this point so aside from my friendship with Garrett, I expect no consequences at all from this in the long term. There's just a handful of people who react from a very, I think, selfish, but certainly a visceral level. It's emotion. Yeah, it's emotion as opposed emotion, to thought. That's exactly what it is. I, 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 don't, I shouldn't resist that term. That's exactly what it is. And, and so what? You know what? what it, this, this happens so much. We get people, like I said, we've been attacked for bringing in Cantillon, for God's sakes, because it's so expensive and so hard to find, and that's our fault. We've had people accuse us of hoarding Cantillon, and people accuse us of marking it up, like I said, uh, huge amounts. And the people, they've even reported that Jean Cantillon, who's a friend, to say the least, is just waiting for our contract with Cantillon to expire, which actually is <laughs> that's supposed to happen in May this year. Uh, according to these reports, uh, we don't have a Kento, uh, contract schedule anymore. Uh, we don't need one. Um, but they said when the contract expires, Jean has been saving up 30,000 bottles of Cantillon that uh, would then go to a new importer who would not be marking his beer up 250% like we do, and it would all be released starting now. And uh, bye bye, Shelton Brothers. And uh, again, that I just realized that that was supposed to happen in May. So I guess uh, the apocalypse didn't come. And I can tell you that Jean was just as amused and baffled by that report on Duramic as I was. Uh, so it's just pure mendacious reporting, just just lies. Yes, 
and I've had discussions with Todd and Jason, uh, the two guys that, that run Beer Advocate, in the past. We've we've had serious fallouts in the past. Uh, I, I now I, I'm very keen on building a relationship with them because I I think that they are they're different people than they were then, and maybe I am different myself. And, and it was based on the fact that I I can say to them, you guys are journalists at this point, and you have to follow basic rules of journalist ethics. You can't also you can't defame people by publishing things that are patently not true, but there is no sense, aside from those guys, what goes on in their forum, there's no sense among those people that they are journalists. or you know, that, And there's no understanding of or any care taken for laws about publishing things that aren't true and that are, in fact, defamatory. We have to just laugh at it at this point. Well, it's a lot easier to emote than it is to research. You've got it. I mean, and, and really, it's... It, yeah, I don't want to say that we're all getting dumber here, but it's something to kind of wonder. I mean, the, the discourse is definitely not on a high level. We had people responding to the news of this lawsuit in New York, people saying, that's not unconstitutional, as if it's all, you know, like the chief justice of the Supreme Court of Joe Schmo thinks it's not unconstitutional and we should care about that. I mean, since when is, you know, is this all about what any guy on the street thinks? I do want to give you a chance to tell me what your radio show is about and how people can find it. It's supposed to be about beer, but it rages far and wide, and it touches on things like we've just been talking about. It touches on politics, it touches on all kinds of cultural things. We were just actually riffing off of, a, of Hogan's Heroes the other day when we were talking about... Um, uh, we were also speculating whether people of a younger generation, probably including you, uh, even know what Hogan's Heroes is. And <laughs> I... Tell me you do know, and I'd be really gratified. <laughs> I, I do, but I'm a little more culturally aware than most. Oh, and you're the kind of guy we want to talk to, and, and the kind of person who's not is not affected by some of this crazy stuff that gets out there. That, that's great. You know what I always wondered just about Hogan's Heroes is how the pitch meeting went when they were in the boardroom at the network, and they're like, all right, we got an idea for a show. It's uh, about World War II uh, POW camp. Uh, it's a comedy. Ready, I'm and, laughing already. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, how, how did that work? Yeah, green light. Go, run with it. Well, keep in mind, and they don't make shows like this so much anymore. Maybe they do. I don't watch television much anyway. But, I mean, they used to have these ridiculous premises, like Gilligan's Island, you know, and... Uh, do they still do shows? Like, I don't think they do, really. They don't have so much of this kind of, like, ridiculous premise, like people get marooned on a desert island for some Yeah, or your next-door neighbor is a witch. Yeah, it's or, true. Or, Everything has to be uh, real now and real-life issues. No outlandish premises. We love My Favorite Martian. You remember that one? You know, my, your uncle is a Martian. That one I don't, I'm not so sure. But, like, yeah, Mork and Mindy, same thing. Like, aliens, just bizarre premises. Yeah, and, and so uh, all this stuff. It, so it's, it's just this kind of a feel-good kind of premise that sounds ridiculous. But and it, it's a terrible, boring show, by the way. I bought the whole series on the DVD when I, I had a hip operation last year. Was going to be kind of numbed and stupid. We were taking painkillers, and, and you can't move. It's excruciatingly bad. It's really not, <laughs> yeah. not television. Things were paced much differently then. Yeah, and, and you know, those of us who are really older uh, kind of miss that pace. Now everybody's got phones where you can send text messages, and you can call somebody from New Zealand while you're walking down the street in there in Japan and it's it's great everything happens so fast but yeah this is one of the reasons we're we're so in love with radio here at the Brewing Network is because we love the long form you know you just get so much more in depth with people than any almost any other format allows 
Well, we really, really like doing the radio. I mean, it's a little, it's hard constantly drinking a little bit too much today and then getting off track too much and then realizing that we just slurred the last couple sentences worth of speech. Oh, my wife's telling me that we have to leave the hotel room. All right, well, so uh, you're going you're gonna to let me plug the show. Please. Um, we call it the High and Mighty Beer Show. Just to clue people in, that's the name of my brother's brewery. He's making really good, low alcohol, but really, really tasty beer in Massachusetts. It's called the High and Mighty Brewery. It's uh, We use that term because at one point on Beer Advocates, somebody wrote that they were, quote, sick of this High and Mighty Shelton Brothers bullshit. The station is WHMP in Northampton, and their website is uh, WHMP.com. All right, that's it for this episode of Short and Stout. Special thanks to Dan Shelton and the Shelton Brothers. You can go to sheltonbrothers.com and check out their arsenal of imports and Dan's radio show and etc. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Scott the Jew saying, L'chaim. You go to the box, you know, two minutes by yourself, and you feel shame, you know, mm-hmm. and then you get free.